It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, November 24th, 2014. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani inside our New York City studio. Beautiful New York. I just got back from Montreal. I was there for a wedding. It is freezing there. I love Montreal. Remember last time I was there, I was saying that I was considering moving back. Still love it. It still feels like home, but it is so much colder than New York. And that is amazing to me because they're not really that far from each other. It was good to be home. Good to be back. Another busy weekend in mixed martial arts. Another busy busy weekend in, in the world of combat sports from Metamorris to the UFC, a great UFC show that delivered Manny Pacquiao. Always something to talk about in the world of combat sports, and that's why we love it so much. We talk MMA in particular on this show, and we have a lot to discuss, as always. I'm really excited about this show. I'm super excited. I can tell everyone's got a pep in their step because we got a big show, a fun show for everyone. Can't wait to get into it. All right, who's joining us on this particular episode? 245, my friends. I'm really excited about this. In studio. In studio, we are going to be joined by one of the biggest, most popular comedians in the entire world. This man, according to Forbes, last year was the third highest paid comedian in the world. Russell Peters from Toronto, from Brampton, Ontario. Canadian, Canada's own. Joining us in studio, a lot of people may not know this, but he is a huge UFC fan, a former amateur boxer, loves combat sports, hilarious guy. Interesting about this guy, he's on a, uh, a tour right now. It's called Almost Famous, the Almost Famous Tour. Third highest paid, incredibly popular, sold out the Air Canada Centre in Toronto five times, the O2 Arena in London five times, sold out the Barclays Center, been to MSG, going to MSG on December 11th, yet a lot of people don't know who he is. Never been on Letterman, never been on Stern, but... In around an hour and 45 minutes, he's going to be on the MMA Hour, my friends. And that is bigger than all of them. Can't wait for that. Russell Peters joining us in studio at 2.45. 2.25, we're going to talk to Gary Cook, who is the new UFC chief global officer. What does that mean? We'll find out at 2.25. 2.05, we're going to talk to Ben Rothwell. Of course, in September, he defeated Alistair Overeem. Uh, looking forward to his next fight back. He is climbing the heavyweight rankings Big Ben joins us at 2.05. 145, we're going to be joined by Will Brooks, who, of course, is the new Bellator lightweight champion, the official Bellator lightweight champion. He was the interim champion. They kind of took that away from him. But then he beat Michael Chandler last weekend, and I'm looking forward to talking to him and discuss where he goes from here. At 125, we're going to be joined by Tyron Woodley. A lot going on in his life, of course, last week. It was announced that he'll be facing Kelvin Gaslam at UFC 183, January 31st. It is the co-main event of the Anderson Silva-Nick Diaz card, and there's so much going on for Tyron outside of the cage. Looking forward to having him back on. I know that's a, a personal favorite as far as interviews go for Mr. New York Rick. And as always, after the interviews, uh, we're going to be taking your questions and comments. Hit us up using the hashtag TheMMAHour. Leave a question or comment in the comment section below. Yes, I know that Sting made his debut in WWE. And no, we're not going to talk about it because we don't really care. Come on. Did you see his hair? It was thinning. It's like 15 years too late. And we're also going to go inside the vault. 
somewhat related to Sting, by the way, this year's, uh, this week's Inside the Vault. So looking forward to that. That'll be at around 3.45, 4 o'clock. But first, let us go to our first guest of the day. He joins us via the phone on Saturday night in Austin, Texas. A lot of big performances, of course, Frankie Edgar pulling off the latest win in UFC history, just seconds remaining in the fifth round. He submits Cub Swanson via neck crank, a huge result for Frankie Edgar, a very important result in the 145-pound division. I am sure we'll talk about that later in the show. There were a lot of great performances in Austin, and in my opinion, one of the biggest ones and one of the best stories coming out of that show was the return of Matt Wyman, who hasn't fought in almost two years. He defeated Isaac Valley Flag via decision, a very impressive performance, and I'm so happy that he's finally joining us on the MA Hour again because I've been almost begging him to come on the show for what feels like months, maybe even years now. And now we go to our first guest of the day. His name is Matt Wyman, and he joins us via the phone. Matt, are you there? Hey, Ariel. Uh, yes, I am. Thank you. Wow. I'm, I'm excited, too. Um, I think I just had to start talking, and then uh, it... it I'm, I'm actually excited now to be on. So <laughs> Great. Well, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. And congratulations on the win. A lot to discuss with yes, you, but you. you haven't been in action. Like I said, it, it's almost two years. January will be two years. What did it feel like, you know, early on when you were in the cage, you were fighting, forget about the actual result, but just how did you feel mm-hmm. in the early portion of the fight after such a long layoff? Um, man, up until like maybe like an hour before the fight, I maybe was the most nervous I've ever been. Um, and you know, you're, you got that, uh, fast heart rate, even when you're just sitting still and, and, um, yeah, I mean, I think maybe more time off, the, the more nervous you get, but, um, yeah, it's just like nothing to do, but sit there and have your heart rate high and, and think about, you know, how it's going to go down, but you, you never know how it's going to go down. So you, you try to play it out in your head and you can't play it out in your head because you don't know how it's going to go, you know? Um, so it, it, yeah, it was, it was really, really hard. I, I just knew I had to just get to the fight. And as soon as we touch each other, um, the nerves go away, but I actually kind of started mellowing out an hour before the fight. Cause you know, I, was, I, I don't know, somehow I was just able to get in the zone and put my earplugs in and, uh, you know, hit myself in the face a little bit <laughs> and, and stretched out and <laughs> got ready. And some things never change. Still no uh, sponsor banners, still no sponsors on your shorts. Were you tempted at all? I know the yeah. last time you were on the show, almost two years ago, you mm-hmm. talked about this. Um, nothing nothing came as far as sponsors are concerned. Mm-hmm. You, you prefer yeah. to go solo. I think if there was like a, a good opportunity, I'm not opposed to it for sure. Um, but the, the opportunities that are at hand are pretty... Like I, I might have been able to make like fifteen hundred bucks if I hustled a bit, you know, maybe a couple grand if I hustled a bit. And I just I thought, you know, not necessarily worth it. Um, the 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 uh, I, I compare it to this. It's going to be a kind of a crude uh, analogy, but um, like I heard because I, I I was never a, you know like a pothead or anything like that. But I heard that the worst part about taking drugs was dealing with drug dealers, and I think that the worst part about sponsors is dealing with the people that are around them sleazy mm. like wannabe managers you know and and and, and people that uh, represent this or try to have a connection there and it's it's pretty obnoxious so um i kind of like just try to ignore that part because it just seems more trouble than it's worth and i couldn't help but notice but you know you're known for having your wife in your corner i don't believe she was there right <laughs> she was not i, I wish she was uh, she was uh the d- d- she had bigger fish to fry. Um, 
she is responsible for someone. So, ah. um, she, she was, uh, um, taking care of business and, and, and trying to, to, to watch. <laughs> and instead, she, she says that she gets more nervous, um, not being there. You know, she says if you can, she can, you know, look and touch someone, you know, she didn't, sure. she's not nervous for her. How did you feel not having her there? You know, I would have preferred it, but it, it, it let me get get in the zone. I mean, I guess I, I probably would have gotten the same zone, but I mean, it was kind of nice having two two of my guys there and and uh, and just just getting in the zone. Uh, I think she would have probably had the same uh, effect on me too. But um, uh, it, it, everything couldn't have worked out better. I, I thought it was just like a I had a really good warm up, um, really good uh, um, uh, uh, brawl with uh, Isaac, and you know, I was actually really happy. And, you know, uh, forgive me for prying, but when you say take care of someone, do you, do you mean a, a child of yours? Um, possibly. I don't know. Oh. Are you a father now? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Wow. You're, you're very, you're very uh, secretive. You're very private, right? You don't like talking about this stuff. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I just uh, um, don't, you know, I don't want to hindsight anything that I, that I say I do or don't do. I don't okay. know. Okay. Will she return to your corner or is that, that's it? Now it's a new chapter in your life. Sure, maybe. Maybe. Hmm, interesting. Um, maybe. I love that about you. I love that you always have your wife there. Thanks. So that I was looking for her, and I didn't see her there. Um, but I'm happy. It, it was not a bad thing, right? I mean, she had, as you yeah, said, no, bigger no, fish to fry. Not at all. And, okay. and, um, not, not at all. And, um, yeah, um, she, she, uh, I, I, I even said, hey, you sure you don't want me to take a business trip, go out to Austin, beat this guy up, and, and, and come back uh, <laughs> Uh, and and go alone. She, she she said you can't make me stay. So she 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 came along. She's enjoying Austin with us, and uh, she was just taking care of some business. Okay, fair enough. Um, looking back, I know it's less than two days later, but you know, long layoffs. Sometimes there's cage rust involved. Were you happy with your performance? Hmm. You know, I was. Um, uh, I didn't feel that rusty, to be honest with you. I don't know. I I don't know what it was. Um, I think maybe I, the nervousness of it all was the the hardest part. Um, getting through the nerves of you know of like it actually happening, you know, and anticipating something every night for for four months. You know, I knew about the fight probably four months in advance, and then you know it, it's a it's a it's a daunting thing, you know, because like I go in there expecting like um, not ex- not expecting at all. I go in there prepared for whatever, you know, like. Um, you know, like you might have to like try to fight your arm being broken or try to fight somebody, you know, uh, like knocking you unconscious, you know, trying to knock you unconscious, um, uh, you know, trying to steal your will. So it's a hard thing to, to, to get up for, you know, it's not, I don't feel like it's, you know, like, um, like a sport, like everybody else kind of feels like, you know, like you're just getting ready for game day. You know, I'm thinking like, I, I got to get prepared to go like past my limit of my, like my actual will, you know, and, and um, and, uh, you know, just in case that might happen, get prepared for that. And, and um, it's a hard thing. Maybe I'm over over um, analyzing it and maybe building it up bigger than it is. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it, it always feels like a fight to me. It doesn't feel like a, like a, I'm going to compete necessarily. You know, as as you know very well, and I've said this on the show, I've, I've wanted to talk to you for quite some time because I found that you're – your hiatus from MMA to be very interesting because the last time we saw you, of course, you know, you suffered that loss to TJ Grant in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw mm-hmm. you did, in fact, do some interviews leading up to the fight. No hard feelings. <laughs> You're here now. so No, and I, I wanted to hit you up because um, 
I told you that if I was to do interviews with anybody, I wanted to do it with you. Uh, but um, I thought they were going to let me go interview us up into the point fight night. I, I had this, you know, fun little envision that I was the first interview I was going to do in two years' time was going to be my interview after after the victory. But um, uh, uh, you know, I signed a contract saying that I, I'll do PR if if they make me. Uh, so they made me a couple of days advance. I didn't. I didn't know. You know, if I if I if I had enough time, they just said, "Hey, show up tomorrow at this time for an interview." And, and I and I said, "Do I have to do it?" And they said, "Yes." Yeah. So <laughs> no hard feelings. <laughs> I totally understand. You got to promote the fight. Um, but you know, in reading those interviews and and, and reading mm-hmm. what you had to say, I, I just I, I wanted a little more. And and I, I wanted sure. to know why did you why did you leave? Why did you take this break? And did you think um, you may never come back? You know, I didn't. Well. If, if I, I've been speaking more honestly lately. <laughs> yes, I, think, I love um, it. After several of my fights, um, I've said I don't I don't think I'm ever doing that again because you know it takes a lot out of you and it's just you know, sometimes just crazier than 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 you feel like you can ha- your little heart can handle sometimes you know and then uh, and then hindsight you're like oh that was actually that was a pretty crazy experience maybe I'll do that again you know but you know after several of my fights I've said man I don't know if I'm ever going to do that again it's not healthy it's not it's not it's not like sustainable it's like crazy madness um, <laughs> but um so after that fight i think it was um uh, just uh, i'd been swimming uphill too long or swimming against the stream too long um and walking uphill maybe is, yeah is, is a good example but um I, I i know everybody deals with injury in the sport but i think i had just ignored my body for too long and just pushed through injury so i said uh, to myself you know i'm gonna fix up my body a, a bit and then see what happens, you know, but then the more time went by, um, the more I'm like, too, you know, like, um, you, it's silly. You have all these, I talked to Brian Stan. He said he had the same um, questions. These little things that pop up in your head. Do you have it anymore? Are you, you know, um, you always have to like prove yourself to yourself. You have to like, um, constantly like, um, reinvent yourself and, and, and make sure you still have it, make sure you're still working as hard, still as capable, blah, blah, blah. And not only that, but actually get better and um, in advance, you know. And and so it's a hard thing, and, and I was like, you know, I don't know. Uh, I kind of left that door open, and um, and eventually started getting healthier and started, you know, getting kind of itchy. And I got to do something. I got to make money, and I got to do something. And I was like, you know what, I have a career if I want it, and I actually like my career. Um, so why wouldn't I do that? And, 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 uh, and so there, I, there I was finding myself training for another fight. And, uh, and now two days afterwards, glad I did it. So you feel good about your career. You want to keep going? I think so. Yeah. I, I um, yeah, it, it sucks when you, you know, like there's been nights, this is what's humbling. It's like, I think I'm big and tough. And then like, there's been nights I can't sleep just cause like my toe is, th- is, is, is so painful I can't sleep, hmm. you know, something from like a broken toe, you know, and that's annoying. It's like, um, the, your quality of life is, is just obnoxious, you know, <laughs> and then that wasn't one, the injury that I needed surgery on, but I, that was the one that kind of humbled me. Like, like you can't sleep cause your toe hurts really. Like, um, you know, <laughs> you get up tomorrow and spar, you know, something silly like that. Did you ever consider, did you get to the point where you were considering doing something else? Like what could you do if you weren't a fighter? That's a good question. Uh, I've asked myself the same thing. You know, you know. I think when you, um, I don't really want it. Like um, when you pursue something, I don't really feel like putting a safety net underneath you because um, I, you've seen that movie with uh, Batman. 
Sure. You know, he makes that jump uh, when he doesn't have that safety net. And and so I don't really like looking at things with um, a, a second option. You know, you don't go to school for the for the um, um, education if you're an if you're an athlete. In my opinion, you go you go there to pursue um, your your uh, career as a as an athlete. Um, and uh, I don't know what I would do. Um, so that's a, that's a tough question. It's kind of a stressful question. Um, but I hope it would be something that I love and that it doesn't seem like work because I don't feel like I go to work when I train. I feel like, um, you know, it, it's good that it produces money and I, I'm glad that I'm financially, um, uh, like, um, uh, productive. But, um, you know, if you, like, um, they told saying, if you do what you like, you're not working. Sure. And you can work harder at it because you give it your heart and, and soul and, and, and if it's work, it's, it's just not going to be sustainable. But going through this, did you start thinking, okay, mm-hmm. I, I need to prepare myself for life after fighting. As you know, mm-hmm. this isn't going to last forever. So did it give you that eye-opening experience where you're like, okay, I got to start doing something now so I'm ready for that day? Hmm. Well, I don't know. Because um, everybody's careers, I think, are going to be different. When, when, who's to say when uh, or how much you, you have left? Mm-hmm. I, I read an interview. I'm, I'm, I'm not a very negative person, but... Um, uh, I, I thought this was a ridiculous statement that uh, that uh, um, uh, or, I read an article about myself, and then said that uh, uh, Matt Wyman may not uh, break into the top ten uh, in his career, but he's been like uh, there competing with the best. Blah blah blah. I was like, hey, you know, that, that sounded obnoxious because um, I, I actually think I have uh, I read an article that says that I broke into the top ten, and then they just say what I can and can't do. Right. Um, with my career, you know, so, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it seems to me, know, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you kind of, I mean, you struggle a little bit about this sport. I read a, a, a quote that from you in mm-hmm. uh, an ESPN article and you were saying, you know, like you see these middle-aged men in suits talking mm-hmm. about this and I'm sure you're referring to the Fox people and all that. And that just seems weird to you to have people in suits talking mm-hmm. about a cage fight. And, like, yeah. I think it's actually, um, just, honest it, yeah it, i love I it it's negative I, I think it's not um negative at all I, I there's a there's a part that i don't like people putting their opinion in uh, especially strongly opinion uh, uh i mean like why would you even put your opinion uh, uh i would say uh, you know uh it, opinions are pretty pretty obnoxious and pretty silly especially a bold thing to say like uh we might not see matt and why in the top 10 sure I mean that that just sounds like a, a very uh, ignorant thing to say and silly. So um, some people are paid to give it, their opinion, but I get what you're trying to say. I mean, yeah, do you yeah, th- sure. does I it mean, bother really? like a, yeah? But, but especially somebody that doesn't um, uh, understand like, uh, and um, you probably might actually because you I think you are very um, uh, detailed, uh, aware of details, and actually um, uh, learn in 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 desire to understand these things, but do you, do you think most people understand what I was doing? It was, it was, uh, t- hitting the switch, taking, taking the back Isaac. I mean, sure. will they understand that dynamic or do they just kind of think like, Oh, do we just kind of fell into that position? I know they don't necessarily think that they, they literally don't know. So it's kind of just, just see it happen. You know what I'm saying? So like for him to understand how good of a fighter I am, he would have to understand fighting. Sure. So, so if it's a, if it's an ex fighter, then are you okay with it? You, you're just maybe not a fan um, of. Um, possibly, but I mean, a, a high level fighter. Um, yeah. Could possibly give his opinion, but again, um, 
I guess it would only matter to himself, in my opinion. Who gives a crap about other people's opinion, really? And it, and, it's, and and most people willing to give their opinion shouldn't be. Right. You know, if I asked you your opinion, sure. What's your opinion? Maybe that's important. You know, when you were on the ground with uh, Isaac at the very end of the fight. Uh, mm-hmm. seconds remaining. It seems like you guys were going back and forth, and even as the fight <laughs> ended, you were going back and forth. What yeah. was that all about? What did you say to each other? Yeah, I'm glad you asked, because I was I was actually quite, kind of, in, in hindsight, embarrassed for that. I, I thought that I acted unprofessionally, and I felt like um, I hold myself to a standard of, of, like, you don't respond to evil with evil. I thought um, Isaac was running his mouth away, and then it kind of um, irritated me, and you know, I'm I'm not even the guy that cares about respect. You know, he, he can respect me or not respect me. It doesn't change the fight. So I don't know why I got kind of wrapped up in that. But it was actually an honest mistake. He said he wasn't talking crap. He was just saying, like, um, let's make a great fight and let's get after it or something like that. It wasn't even that bad. And I, if you look at Wayans, it looks like he's running his mouth pretty bad. I didn't even actually hear him. I just saw his eyes and saw him bouncing my face and, in, in, in talking, so I just assumed that he was being nasty in front of the cameras, and you know, kind of, kind of took a little sleep from me that night, and uh, though irritated me a little bit, you know, and uh, it shouldn't have, but um, you know, when you don't like a guy, it does kind of make it a little bit more personal. Mm-hmm. Not that it's not already personal, you know, he's going to try to elbow my face in. That's personal, but <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, so so um, afterwards, I said, um something uh, along the lines of I just won, how does that make you feel? And I liked his response. He said, um, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I was like, hey, well, you're a pretty, pretty tough guy and I'll keep doing that. You know, like, we'll just keep going. But, um, but yeah, he, he was not, you know, a guy to, to um, be defeated by any means. And he's not going to have a guy, you know, uh, sitting there telling him he, he, he's, he's beaten. But in my opinion, he was just because we couldn't keep going. I, um, I saw a picture afterwards. It seemed like you guys were cool now. You were you were in the back. And oh yeah, a... and, and what's what's really nice about Isaac is he gave a crap about um, clearing the air. Okay. Most people would be like, "Oh, Wyman's a, a jerk, uh, running his mouth like that." But uh, who cares, you know? But he actually wanted to explain himself, which t- men don't like explaining themselves. And I thought that was a uh, showed a, a ton of character. He was like, "Hey, look, Matt," and, and he was even um, uh, bold enough to say that he was a fan of mine. And I don't think that that's um, uh, weird because I'm a fan of his. I like his fighting style, and uh, I like the I like the way he fights. And, and uh, I'm not afraid to admit it, but for him to come up to me and say, "Hey, man, I'm a fan of yours. I I, I want to clear the air." I wasn't um, talking crap at weigh-ins. I was just amped up. And so, so I understand that you're mad, but I just want to let you know that um, you know, like I didn't mean any disrespect by it. And then, so then I had to. I didn't actually want to hear that because I felt like a horse is. Uh, but, um, cause we're on air, sorry. No, no, uh, and, um, and so then I was like, well, crap, now I just made a fool of myself for nothing. And I shouldn't even have done it because even if he was being rude, I shouldn't have been rude back. Um, so that being said, we, we actually like hugged for a minute and to the point where he said, you know, we'll stop hugging me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then, uh, and, and and we made up, you know, and and, he, and and he's a cool guy. I'm glad that we actually got got that opinion because I thought he was just um, putting on a show in front of cameras like some guys do, and and, and do that trashy uh, uh, running their mouth. Well, I'm happy to hear that because I, I do agree both of you two of the really good guys in the sport. So that's good to hear yeah, after I the mean, fact. Yeah, he was a, he was a really cool guy uh, in person. Um, sure. What was up with the? Uh, you know, I liked your attire very much. Post fight press conference and all that. The suspenders, <laughs> the shirt, the glasses. Yeah. What was that all about? 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I dress like that sometimes, you know, uh, you know, uh, in my personal life, you know, but so I thought, you know, maybe I'd, uh, um, bring a little taste of Portland to Austin, which they already have. So, um, uh, yeah. And, uh, I normally just wear, you know, like, uh, the, the, um, workout attire, but, um, figured, uh, might try a little bit and, um, you know, try to look cute, you know? Oh yeah, you look great. So that that that's that's not something that you you brought out just to impress people. You wear that stuff on a daily basis. <laughs> no, yeah, and you know I was actually kind of disappointed myself that I shaved my mustache. Uh, oh, you had a mustache uh, too. I had a mustache. Wow. And, um, yeah, just for fun. You know, like uh, yeah, like uh, styles for fun. You know, don't take too seriously and just try try every now and then, but not 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 in a you know obsessively vain way, but. Um, uh, yeah, mustaches are fun, and I shave mine because um, I lose my personality. I think I lose my personality when fight time comes because you take it so seriously. You know, it's like I don't want to joke around. I don't want to, you know, like uh, be you know trendy or fix my hair or something like that. You know, you just like want to go to go to fight. Right. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, and it's part of your appeal, but I feel like I have to check in on this. Uh, still, Twitterless. <laughs> Twitterless. Yes. So, well, so if I, you... I just. If you had a presence, we would have known about the mustache and other things like that, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, like, I'm having a hard time not feeling pretty uh, obnoxious talking about myself for this long, just because, <laughs> honestly, like, um, uh, I, I don't want to, to make the impression I think the world revolves around me. So, um, uh, that being said, um, you know, a lot of guys uh, uh, need that. I think that up-and-coming fighters need to get their name out there. And I think established fighters like myself don't need it as much. Um, maybe for some sponsors or something like that, but um, yeah, I just didn't feel like it was that necessary because how many fights, I mean, how many people watched our fight on Saturday? Uh, that to me was the, the um, uh, publicity I needed. Mm. I didn't, I didn't need much more publicity. So um, that, and it's a lot of work um, that, and I don't necessarily want to be in touch with, anybody or care to read about if i post something i'd probably want to know what people thought about it you know sure and um and and i do like people but i also i i like people on a personal level and i like people in it like face to face um i don't like people on the internet i don't like people in a um uh uh distant manner and i don't like them in a, in a group like if you categorize people you know like because most of the people in the crowd you know and in and most of the people you know just like out there is is just going to be very distant and selfish and 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 uh you know like if 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 you were to say your opinion in front of the fighter's fam family about that fighter it might be different than you just talking about a, a public fitter figure fighter you know out loud not thinking hey look he's a person he's a fighter and and um you know, I need to have that like respect instead of just looking at him as a public figure. Well, you know, I, so, I I don't blame you. And the first time you told me about this two years ago, I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. Two years later, <laughs> I, uh, I I think I agree with you a lot more than I don't about your stance on all this. So <clears throat> I actually give you a lot of credit for for taking that stance Thanks. and sticking to it. Um, before sure, I let you and, go, but I go do ahead. Like, I do <clears throat> like the concept. Sorry to interrupt you. I no, do no. Like the concept of of um of talking to the public about um, important things. I do like that. 
So I think that can be done maybe like like we are doing in an sure. interview and stuff like that. Because and also I don't I don't I don't know how I feel about promoting things outside fighting in a fighting um, atmosphere. Like there's things that I want to talk about publicly that don't pertain to fighting, and I feel like it would be kind of lying to to trick people to come to my um, uh, website uh, about fighting and then tell them, hey, this is what I think about. Um, um, factory farming. This is what I think about this. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, I just kind of want to know about fighting because that's what interests me. I don't really want to hear your political and religious beliefs. Well, you'll be surprised about that. But, you know, everyone has their own uh, stance, and, and I think you're doing just fine without all of it. So don't don't feel like well, I'm, I'm pressuring you into get, getting into any of that <laughs> social media stuff. But before I let you go, and I feel like I could talk to you for hours, it's great to have you sure, on the show and I, finally. And I, and I would, because I, I really appreciate your mind. Thank you. Um, now that you've, you're back, you're on the winning track, do you want to get back mm-hmm. in there rather quickly? And just throwing it out there, you don't strike me as the kind of person who would do this, but do you have a, a, an idea, an opinion as to who you'd like to fight next? Man, uh, you know... Uh, it does kind of get you uh, your motor running a little bit. I didn't even sleep uh, two nights ago, so I, uh, you know, last night was I got a few hours. Um, it, it's it gets your adrenaline going. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I don't definitely. I don't. I'd have to look uh, if if I was to look for another opponent, but um, I, I don't discount me fighting again. <laughs> okay, that's so, good. Um, yeah, um, and I feel good. Uh, my foot's a little swollen, is all, uh, from from him uh, rudely checking all of my kicks <laughs> and rudely elbowing me when I tried to kick him in the face. What a guy. He, elbow- he elbowed my uh, shin and foot wow. instead of letting me, letting me connect with it. So rude. So rude, that Isaac yeah, Valley flag. Um, I got to say, it's, it's, it's one of the great stories in MMA right now, seeing you come back. You're, you're one of the great parts of the sport, and you're a fascinating Thanks. guy, and I'm, I'm really happy that you're back, and uh, you picked up a win, so congratulations on that, and hopefully you don't leave us for another two years because it's fun having yeah. you around, Matt. Thank you so much for the time. Congratulations. Enjoy the win. Say hello to your wife and family, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you so much for having me, Ariel, and um, uh, yeah, uh, all your kind words are very appreciated. All right, there he is. Matt Wyman joins us. Uh, like I said, one of the great characters in our sport and great to have him back in the UFC. Okay, now let's go to the Skype machine. Our next guest is standing by. The uh, Oh, he's not standing by anymore. I was just giving a message here. <clears throat> oh, okay. His uh, Skype went out. Well, as I mentioned at the, to- at the top of the show, UFC 183, great card. Anderson Silva, Nick Diaz, January 31st, Las Vegas, Nevada, and last week it was announced that Tyron Woodley would be facing Kelvin Gaslam. And if you recall, on Monday we were talking about it. it was actually, I do believe, the newest member of the MMAfighting.com team, Mark Ramundi, on our post show at UFC 180 in Mexico, who first pointed out that this would make a lot of sense, this matchup at 170 pounds, Tyron Woodley versus Kelvin Gaslam. And then just days later, because, you know, the UFC loves to copy our ideas, just days later, they put together this fight, which I think is a great fight. It makes a lot of sense, and um, it's going to be very interesting to see if Gaslam can continue his hot streak undefeated, coming off that great win over Jake Ellenberger uh, just less than two weeks ago in Mexico. And Tyron Woodley got back on track late in the summer, defeating Dung Young Kim in Macau. He, uh, he had that fight in Vancouver against Roy McDonald, of course. Didn't go his way, but he rebounded 
wonderfully and was able to finish Dong Young Kim rather quickly. And now he's back in the mix at 170 pounds as well. Um, so that is the co-main event. And now he joins us via the magic of Skype. There he is, Tyron Woodley himself. Tyron, how are you? I'm doing good. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thank you for joining us. Uh, before we get to the fight stuff, you know, you've, you've obviously, uh, uh, you know, gone out there and done some media about this, but I have to ask you, you are from Ferguson. I'm assuming you, you are in Ferguson right now, Ferguson, Missouri, right? Yeah, I'm from, I'm from Ferguson. Um, I live in St. Louis right now. So, okay. um, you know, there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on in the area. You know, they've been postponing, postponing, yeah. um, what they're going to say about the grand jury and, and whether they're going to indict, um, this young man or not. Um, I think many know what the what the outcome is going to be, and I think they're just trying to do damage control before. So unfortunately, I think when you do things that way, you you wait it out, you make it take longer than what it should. People' reactions are going to be crazy, and um, you know I'm just kind of mentally trying to get prepared. You know, it affects me in a lot lots of different ways because I'm from that area. You know, I, I, I lived a street connecting to the one where the riots happened at. Wow. So um, it's, it's like my hometown, so it's really, really unfortunate. Of course, we're talking about the uh, the killing of the young man, Michael Brown, over the summer and then everything. I mean, it was surreal, and I'm sure even more so for you to see this small town of Missouri, you know, being covered all over the world. And the, the, the world was watching Ferguson for a long time, and after your fight, and even a bit before your fight against Dong Young Kim, you were talking about it and trying to be one of the role models to speak up and, and try and do whatever you can to, to help out the situation. But does it feel like, like you know, this, this ticking time bomb that is about, like, are, are, you, are you fearing the worst? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you suspect that something bad might happen if, if the, the, the verdict doesn't go the way the people want it to go? Yeah, you know, I think um, I think people are going to riot again. I think it's going to be worse than the first time. I think wow. we can potentially see probably the worst riot of, you know, in the United States of America, the, of the history of the U.S. So for me, it's just, you know, making sure my family's safe, making sure that we're, you know, basically just tucked in the pocket and not really, you know, out shopping and out doing stuff because, um, you know, at the end of the day, everything for me is mostly about family. So when something comes that close to home, I got to protect my family and make sure that we are okay. You know, just this weekend alone, 10 people were killed in St. Louis this weekend, two people in Ferguson. Wow. I went to, you know, grab some food from close to where the original riot, so that I went there the day before, and I was just talking about, you know, it's a boxer, Devin Alexander. He's a, um, you know, he was a world champion at mm -hmm. one point. He's a pretty tough boxer. He's fighting Amir Khan coming up, and him and his coach, I believe they opened up a, something called Knockout Bar and Grill. Um, their grand opening, someone got shot and killed there because they didn't they didn't like the fact that the bouncer didn't let them in the club because they were acting up. So the mindset of some of the citizens and some of the people in the environment, they need to have a different mindset. I don't know that you can change a grown man's mindset. So that's why I plant my seeds and you know in the schools, the elementary, middle school, high school, because um, I think this generation that we're in right now has just completely been failed. You know, the, these 18 to 27-year-olds have been failed by society, failed by social media, failed by, you know, parents. And I think that it's almost a lost cause. And I'm just trying to, you know, help the generation after that. And hopefully, you know, we see a tide change. Have you thought about leaving? Um, leaving, like uh, relocating? Yeah, like, different, different states. Um, you know, I thought about it a little bit. I thought about 
I've been getting a lot of um, activity in the entertainment world as far as movies and films and some work in acting. So I thought about relocating to California, potentially. And it's also a place where I train quite often. Sure. Um, but I just don't want to uproot my family. You know, they, they're comfortable here. I got three kids, three boys. I got a daughter on the way. So um, I just don't know that Los Angeles is a great family place for somebody that's just moving in. So we just moved to a different house. We just moved to a different location. So I don't want to uproot so quickly, but um, we might take a little quick vacation if we need to. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I send my best out to everyone there. It's a, it's a very unfortunate situation. Hopefully, you know, it doesn't boil over and you know end up being worse as you mentioned as as this past summer. Um, so it's a busy time for you as you mentioned, expecting a fourth child. Congratulations to both you and your wife Thank and you. your family uh, for that. And you just got your next fight, your next date. It's January thirty first. It's you versus Kelvin Gastelum. He's coming off a big win over Jake Ellenberger. He's undefeated. What do you think of this matchup? A and B, you impressed with the guy? Uh, actually, I'm impressed with the guy. You know, I watched him. Um, I watched him. He fought on the same card as I did against Rick Story. And I just been kind of watching him come through the ranks. He's one of the few guys in the last. I mean, Tough Show's been around what twenty? The twenty-two episodes, twenty seasons. Yeah, yeah. Twenty-two seasons. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, he has some stiff competition. I think Uriah Hall was no slouch. So sometimes you watch the show, it's more about reality, less about the talent. I think he had to crush through some tough guys to win it. And ever since then, he's been fighting guys like Rich Story, like Jake Ellenberger. I think he's tough. I think he's dangerous. I think that youth and the hunger, I remember that so well. When I was 10 and 0 uh-huh. and I was hungry and I was, you know, spunky and wanted to knock off the top dude, I could never get that fight. So when, when, when he steps in front of me, I'll, I'll be the one that give him the advice on how to rebuild after you lose your first fight <laughs> and how to go f- from this point on and how to, you know, and he's 20, what, 24 years old? Yeah. So he got a long time in the sport. Um, and he's pretty tough. He's pretty big, you know, and I think he his durability is probably the thing um, that most guys have to look out for, and, and also his youth and hunger. But, man, you know, I would imagine a lot of fighters wanted to be on that card. That's Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz, and not just on that card. You're the co-main event. That must have Boom been – That's huge. I guess I'm off pay-per-view punishment. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel that way? Uh, not really, you know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a person that I ask for certain things, and, you know, I want to prove myself. You know me, man. I, I've been in a lot of good fights. Most people that I fought, you know, sometimes it takes a while for people to realize how good it was. Like when I beat Tarek, I didn't get the, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't get the love for that. When I beat Jordan Meehan or if I beat Paul Daly, I beat all those guys before I even got to the UFC. So now that those guys are doing well and flourishing in their careers, now it makes a little bit more sense on how that how that was a significant win for me. So for me, um, being back on pay-per-view, being in the co-main event, a big car like this, a lot of eyeballs, you know, that's when I do the best, you know, when I'm on a big show and I get a lot of, you know, a lot of buzz. I usually get the party started for the main event and um, I plan on doing it again. And as I mentioned, while we were trying to connect with you, you're coming off a great win, 61 seconds over Dung Young Kim and Macau. And, you know, we were just talking to Matt Wyman about this. Matt Wyman coming off a win this past weekend, uh, doesn't do social media, doesn't do any of that. And he was giving us, you know, some insight as to why. And I just wanted to know, you know, because I try to keep my, my finger on the pulse of all this stuff. All that stuff, you know, especially at UFC 177 and a little afterwards with uh, Dana White and Hector Lombard. I mean, how much crap did you take from people? Because I could, I could see some of the responses. I didn't check in on it as much as probably you. But, you know, I'm sure people questioning you, saying, why don't you take this fight? Are you scared? How much crap did you take? And did it ever reach a point where you just couldn't take it anymore, where you just wanted to get off of it and, and, and put that stuff away, the social media stuff? 
You know, um, I was wondering who that was you talked to earlier. So, and, and Matt Wyman is hilarious. Yeah. I'm surprised that he don't really get onto um, social media. I met him at um, Fight for the Troops in Fort Hood, and he's actually got a ton of personality. Sure. It's a gift and a curse. You know, I've had people on social media say, Tyron, you're the greatest. You're the next world champion. Oh, I love the way you wanted to fight Hector Lombard. Oh, you had a great performance. And I look at the same handle. You're, you're a P-U-S-S-Y. You're scared of Hector. You're ducking. You're picking fights. Look at my resume. Look who I fought. I've not, I haven't fought any scrubs. I haven't fought. Um, I've had a big break. I fought four times in a year. I fought November, fought March, fought June, fought August. And I suppose to turn right back around and fight in November just because somebody wants to fight me. You know, the reasons why I didn't fight, I stand true to those things. And me and somebody in the American top team, whether this person is my best friend or whether this person's a complete idiot, I'm not going to fight that person unless it's for a world title because we can fight somebody else in the division. The division is stacked. You know, um, I don't think that freaking Kelvin Gasolum is anything less dangerous than Hector Lombard. I don't think Carlos Condit was anything less than dangerous than Hector Lombard. And I don't think Roy McDonald is any less skilled than Hector Lombard. So I, for, for someone to say that I'm scared, I've, du I've never dug to fight. I've accepted fights within 10 minutes. Hey, Tyron. We want you to take Hector Lombard's fight, Mr. Injured, and then all of a sudden Hill. We want you to take his fight. And I said, let me go train. I'm in Singapore on vacation. I go train for one hour. I get back on the phone, and I miraculously saved the car. People don't, people don't remember that. They got a very short-term memory. They're very conditional. So you're right. At a certain point, I was about to just pop off because I was getting pissed off because <laughs> people, you know, like if you know where I'm from and if you know where I've been through in my life, you know, I'm not, I haven't always been the person that I am right now. So me being scared of somebody is not very likely. So when people say those things, you want to kind of get back at them. You want to kind of go back and forth. But you got to realize those people are viewing, they're spectating, they're standing behind a computer or a desk, and they really probably wouldn't say that to your face, number one. Two, they don't know all the facts and details that are involved. Three, it's not really their business. So I just try to stay focused, and you know, I was hoping that when I got a new opponent and when he got a new opponent, maybe people start focusing on their opponent, but obviously I'm on someone's mind quite often, and um, um, my name stays in the same sentence. So, Are, are you interested at all in having a face-to-face, you know, a tete-a-tete, -to, -tete to clear the air so that there's no more back and forth between you two? I mean, it's he's the one doing a lot of the talking. He seems to have this issue, but would you like to try to clear the air with him privately so that this can end? Um, I, I propose that. I propose that me and Dan Lambert talked about that. And I yeah. talked to I even talked to him and messaged with him. I think he enjoys the beef. You gotta realize that if you see the lens that I'm coming from, Tyron Woodley, you know, people are speaking of me as a role model, people are speaking for me as somebody that's helping out the guys from American Top Team. You know, up until recently nobody's been really talking about Hector that much. So he's enjoying this buzz. He's enjoying for once everybody's not talking about me or everybody's not talking about Robbie or everybody's not talking about Tiago. He's a, he's the freaking American top 10 guy that's beating some guys who I've lost to, which he's probably salty and bitter about that. I'm ranked higher than him, that I'm endorsed more handsomely than him. And that more people want to work with me because it's how you treat people. You know, you have to live up to what, how you treat people. If you treat people a certain way, then people treat you a certain way. If you treat people poorly, then you're going to be looked at as, 
you know, that guy that's treating people like crap. So I just think that I don't try to, you know, form people's opinion of me. I don't go out on social media and say, hey, I want you to think of me as a neck champion. I want you to think of me as a stud. I want you to think of me as a, as a role model to your kids. I just do what I do. Mm. I let my actions speak for themselves. And people can think whatever they think. Some people think I'm hyped up. Some people think, you know, um, I'm not going to be the champion. Some people think I'm going to get whooped this next fight. But no mind or no thought process is going to stop what's going to happen in my fights. It's going to stop my career. It's going to stop my success. So I had to really take a deep breath. I had to take a break from social media because I was doing, I mean, I, I do a great job at social media. I'm on there. I'm pumping out stuff about what I'm doing. I'm using humor. I'm using inspiration. I'm motivating. I'm doing stuff for my endorsers and sponsors. So I'm very active socially. So it took a while for me to take a step back. But, you know, if Hector wanted to sit down, he want to talk. I mean, I'm all good with that. But, um, you know, I know the truth, you know the truth, and um, we'll, we'll squash it at some point. As I mentioned, you're very busy, the family stuff, uh, the fight coming up, community stuff as well in, in Missouri, and you're also in a movie coming out next year about yeah. NWA. This is very exciting. Yeah. Um, is it done? Is, is, is your work done with the movie? And, and if yeah. so, what was the experience like? Because uh, some, of the, some of the big timers were in that, right? You got to meet them and hang with them. Yeah, you know, it was kind of crazy. You know, I'm sitting on set, and um, Ice Cube's coming up and talking to me and asking me, hey, man, you got to start shooting you? Let me know, da 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 And there was a couple of scenes where it was just me um, and the two lead actors, so it was, like, really, like, a super intimate set. So to see Ice Cube walk on set and whispering to his son's ear, and, you know, I kind of get him into character, say, hey, at this point I was going through this and I was feeling like this, shoot your line, take a beat. You know, you were kind of emotional, and it's like crazy. Like, I can only dream to be in my son's corner and say, hey, man, take a deep breath. You lost that first round, brother. We got to pick up the horse. We got to get it rolling in the second round. It was just a surreal moment. And also meeting Dr. Dre, you know, um, it's funny because I, I was reading over a contract with a different headphone company, and I was like, this is terrible. How can they <laughs> expect me to even think about signing this? And... As I'm reading this and looking at it in disgust, Dr. Dre walks on set. Wow. I had no clue he was coming. He walks on set. And I'm like, maybe this is a guy trying to tell me not to sign this contract. So we had this rap party. It was at Dr. Dre's house. And um, I said, you know, it's funny because I was looking at a contract from a different company, and it was terrible. And you walked on set. He said, yeah. Might not have been a good idea to sign it. So we just start rapping and talking. And it comes to find out that so many of these guys love MMA. So many of these guys watch MMA. They support it. You know, him, Exhibit, Ice Cube. Um, even the director, the director came up to me and said, hey, you fighting UFC? Because <laughs> I've seen some pictures and stuff. They say you was in this movie. You know, I need to, you know, I need to come to one of the fights. I said, well, cool, man. Why don't you advertise on a canvas of one of these fights? And let me let me hook it up for you. So I'm always networking, always, you know, looking for other stuff. So you're gonna be. This is something you want to do. It wasn't just like a, a one shot thing. You want to actually try and be an actor, perhaps when your career is done full time, fighting career. I mean. Yeah, for sure. You know, I've seen it grown. I've I've seen it going the wrong way for um, athletes that yeah. try to think full time fighting, full time acting. They don't go together that well. So what I do is, um, I kind of try to project. You know, like I wasn't expecting to fight in August. So right after Ray McDonald fight, I had two or three movies lined up, and I had to forfeit those movies because I had the fight coming up. So I had to take fighting over the movie. But now, you know, I've had an opportunity to do that show. I had an opportunity to work on Sons of Anarchy, 
And, you know, I got three more films that um, I'll be working on. One one film I'm actually doing during the camp. So I got, you know, two days on that show. So I'll make those my rest days. So I work hard up until that point. I fly out. I do my two days of shooting because it's such a great opportunity. I can't miss it. But directly after this fight, I already got three movies lined up. So wow. I'm going to fill in the, the empty space with um, stuff in the entertainment world. And I already have those seats planted. So when I retire and I'm done fighting, you know, I can already, already have like 25, 30 projects underneath my belt. And I can just move forward into doing more like The Rock and be like an action actor. By the way, is Hollywood responsible for the lack of beard? What happened to the big beard? Yes. Man. Don't this do is it. the comeback. This is the comeback? All right. Yeah, my back. beard was my beard was so crazy long. And then for the NWA movie straight out of Compton, they wanted me to completely clean shave. Oh wow. And you know, I don't try to make a fuss because you know I'm just <laughs> sure. honored and blessed to be on the show. But I'm sitting there like, I'm shaking, I'm like, so you want it all off? I'm like, yeah, we want you clean shave. And I sat there and I didn't want to argue. But I was like, okay, well, if we doing this fight scene, we was doing this fight scene or whatever, and um this dude had to put a beard on. So they had actually put glue on his face and make him a beard. Oh, no. And then they wanted me to shave my beard off. I'm like, well, if we're doing kind of similar stuff and he has to put on a beard and I have to shave my beard, then why don't we just switch roles? And he was like, no, you can't switch roles. He got picked off of his read. It's different characters. So I said, okay, I sat in a chair. Me and the barber saw shooting the breeze, right? Yeah. He got the clippers on, about to get rid of my beard. And then he said, somebody busted in the door. I was like, hold on, wait, wait, wait. They said they're going to switch characters. <laughs> so they switched us, thank God, because I got double amount of work. Oh. I got a lot of camera time. It's a completely different role than what I went for. And then I got to keep just a little bit of the beard. So it was like the little chin strap. Okay. So after the movie finally ended, I had to let the top part grow. Then I had to cut the bottom part to make it even. Sure. And now we got a we got a nice little frame for a beard. Wow. What a turn of events. You almost I know, uh, man. It was almost a disaster. You you dodged that bullet. Well, uh, very happy for you, Tyron, man. Uh, a class act. You handled everything that went on, all that drama that I know everyone loves with, you know, when there's a fight and someone's being called out. I thought you handled it perfectly. Uh, as classy as can be, and uh, again, I wish the best to you and your family. Not just, of course, with the the uh, you know the the little girl on the way, but with everything that's you know uh, about to transpire in Ferguson. Hopefully, it's not bad at all. And I know you're doing great work over there. So congratulations and a job well done on that. Thanks as always for coming on the show, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, there he is, Tyron Woodley, stopping by from Missouri, and uh, he has been doing a lot of great community work over there and, and doing interviews and trying to shed some light on that situation. I know we don't talk about politics a lot on this show, but it is, uh, it is a very tense time over there in Ferguson, Missouri, after what happened over the summer, and they're expecting a verdict any second now. And as Tyron said, uh, a lot of people expecting or at least bracing for some, some potentially bad reactions to the verdict. Hopefully not. Hopefully that's not the case, but... We'll see what happens. They have some great role models like Tyron Woodley over there trying to help as much as possible. Tyron Woodley versus Kelvin Gaslam coming up on January 31st. All right, in a minute, we're going to be joined by the new Bellator lightweight champion, Will Brooks, defeated Michael Chandler on uh, not this past Saturday, the previous Saturday. That was November 15th. A great fight, uh, a very fun and interesting and somewhat bizarre finish but there's no denying the fact that this man deserved to win that belt 
and he is the undisputed now Bellator lightweight champion. And it's, it's, it's a very interesting turn of events for this man. He joins us right now via the magic of Skype. There he is right there. Great Skype connection and all. Will Brooks joins us. Will, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? You know, I saw on uh, Twitter you're headed to Chicago uh, today for, for some Thanksgiving family time. Yeah, man, I'm going home to see my family, man. It's been uh, it's been about a year since I've seen everyone, and it's it's about time. I need a break, and I need to see my family. Well, uh, I, I, I appreciate you stopping by because you're probably hectic, you know, packing and getting ready, so it means a lot to us. Thank you very much. You know, that's interesting because I remember seeing you in January at the media day. You know, you were kind of the odd man out at this, you know, this this whole lightweight picture with Chandler and Alvarez, and, you know, you were a tournament winner, but... It's funny you say you haven't seen your family in a year. What a difference a year makes. Now you're the undisputed champion. It seems like you're getting a lot more respect. Have you had a chance to reflect? Like The next time you see your family, you're a different person than the one who saw them a year ago, right? Yeah, man. It's crazy. I didn't really think of it like that. But, yeah, it's true, man. It's just uh, It's been a huge change of events for me in this past year. And I think uh, I have to credit that to just being patient, uh, being willing to sacrifice that time, with being with my family back in Illinois and, you know, making the making a decision to move out here to Florida and train at American Top Team, you know, I made a I've made a lot of sacrifices this past year, year and a half. So uh, it's just uh, it's worth it. It really brought me to where I am today. So, you know, I'm happy I made the decisions I made, you know. Is that the real deal belt right there over your shoulder? Is that the real thing? Yeah, that's that's wow. the new and that's the real one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That must be awesome to look at. That you're 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 the champion. You earned that. You're the guy. Do you feel like you're getting that respect now? Because I, I I know you know we talk about this a lot, but it it, it felt to me at least like it was it was kind of bothering you. Like you didn't feel like people were recognizing what you had done in your resume. Do you feel like you're getting that now? Yeah, I think so, man. I think once once we were out, actually out there for the event and uh, the week leading up to it, all the all the media stuff and everything like that. Uh, I just felt I felt a little bit more appreciated, you know. I felt a little bit more love while I was out there, and the fans have shown me a little bit more love, uh, especially after the fight. But before the fight, they were showing me a little bit more love, and you know, I think it's just one of those things. You work so hard in the gym, you put the time in, you sacrifice, and you kind of sometimes want to be rewarded. Sometimes, you know. So mm. I think it was one of those type of deals where I was just, I was just like frustrated and tired from training and working so hard i'm like when is this ever going to pay off so uh, i think it was just one of those type of deals and finally i i feel like i'm i'm exactly where i need to be now that you have uh, you know a fight under your belt and it's the new era and all that how do you feel about the new regime i'm excited about it man i, I really i'm really impressed by the work that they put in the the way that they uh were so passionate with this past, this previous show uh, everything all the way down to the details, just small things. You know, they were making sure all the fighters were comfortable. Uh, if, if we needed anything, anything during the week, all we had to do was reach out and let somebody know, and you know, they got it solved for us. And it just seemed a lot more, uh, a, a lot more focused on the fighters uh, more than just the show. You know, and I think that really showed the night of the fights. You know, the production was cool, the walkouts were cool. Uh, I think the walkouts were similar to, to the Pride days and. Uh, yeah, uh, and the strike for his days and things mm -hmm. like that. So it was it was a huge change. It's, it's really cool to be a part of it. I know you suffered a dislocated rib early in the fight, which makes the result all that more uh, impressive after the fact. How is the rib now? How are you feeling? Uh, I feel good. It's still a, a little tender. I think I'm having a little bit. Uh, I have a little bit of cartilage damage, but other than that, I had a had a small hairline fracture. 
which I'm sure is not fully healed yet, but that's going to take some time. And uh, overall, I feel good. I had some range of motion back uh, the after the fight and during the fight. It was I was having a lot of shifting on my rib and things like that. So uh, it seems like it's a little bit more stable now, and I'm just trying to kind of taking my time relaxing, and I, I definitely need this time off. So I feel good. How much? How much pain were you in in the fight? I know it was interesting because they replayed the show um, on Friday, and a lot of you guys were tweeting, live tweeting, while the fights were going on. You were talking about how your coach was kind of rubbing it in between rounds. How much did that hurt as you were actually trying to fight and beat this guy? Yeah, no, man. It, it, was, it was actually, it hurt a lot, you know, just because we did, we ended up in a lot of positions where, you know, my back was to the cage and I was holding a lot of his weight, you know, and He's putting his shoulder, he's putting his head right on that right on that rib, and it was it was painful. But at the same time, I was able to block it out just because I knew how hard I worked during that training camp, how much I put my body through, and I just couldn't allow that to be the reason why you know I w- I didn't walk out of there with the belt. But uh, it, it was definitely painful. But you know when you have something that you're you're really focused on, that pain you could you could put that to the side for for. Uh, a short period of time, and that's what I tried to do. So the ending, as I mentioned, one of the more bizarre ones in recent memory, it kind of reminded me a bit of the Floyd Mayweather-Victor Ortiz fight to a degree, uh, where you're not quite sure what happens, and the action kind of stops for a second, and then, as you should, uh, one of the fighters capitalizes and, and, and finishes the fight. Now that you've been able to watch it and digest it, what's your take on what happened there in the fourth round? Um, I, Man, I'd... Uh... I don't. I don't know. I still. I'm still <laughs> not clear on what happened, and I'm. All I know is I when when we got up from the ground, I I just threw the right hand. I was just throwing it just to be active, you know, because I felt like he was gonna rush me, and I just let the right hand rip, and I saw him back up, and I just I saw him waving his hands, and I'm thinking, man, what what's going on? I thought I fouled him. I thought I poked him in the eye or something. I thought I did something, you know. And uh, once I started, I saw him look off into the crowd. I was like, wait a minute, I think he's just out on his feet, and I just jumped on him. You know, I didn't want to give him a chance to, to recover or maybe give him a chance to reach out and grab me or anything. So I just kind of was like, you know what, I'm confused right now, but I'm just going to jump on it, and I'll let the ref figure it out after. So that's what I did. So you think he was out? I mean, it's clear to me it was from the punch, the right hand, as you mentioned. Have you ever seen anything like that before? I mean, in any training session sparring where a guy reacts to a punch like that where he you know i mean it looked like he was kind of trying to call a timeout or something i mean he was out of it and and you capitalized you did what you you had yeah. to do have you ever been in a situation like that before no not in the gym but yeah. i've seen fights where guys have been knocked out on their feet right. but you never, you've never seen a guy wave his hands you know sure like, but i think we've all seen guys again like get knocked out on their feet but it's been one of those things where they were looking to clinch or grab, and nobody, I don't think anybody's ever seen a guy get knocked out on his feet and automatically start waving the fight off or something like that. You know, it, it looked, when I watched it the second time, uh, well, when I watched it, I, I saw him waving his hands, and I was just like, man, I didn't, I didn't realize he was waving his hands. I just saw that he was out on his feet and he was looking out into the crowd, and I knew he was hurt. But uh, when I watched it again, I saw him waving his hands. Like that's weird. Like <laughs> I think that made it weird for everyone seeing the uh, the hands being waved, and I think that's what made it weird for people. But it, it, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. 
What did you say to him after the fight? Like right uh, before the interview with Jimmy Smith, it, it looked like you said something to him. What did you say to him? Oh, you know what? I'll be. I, I just I apologize to him. You know, I think there was a lot of words exchanged between both of us. We were uh, saying some things and doing some things outside of our character, and uh, you know, I just I just apologize to him because it's not in my character to be one of those guys that go go out and badmouth a guy and drag it out like that. But I did. I allowed my emotions and my uh, my personal things going on with Bellator and the, prom- the promotion of that fight and the promotion of me. I allowed that to spill over into uh, the competition aspect, and I would just, you know, I just apologized to him for some of the things that I had said, and um, you know, it was just one of those things that I just, you know, I just felt like I needed to do that. You know, I saw a video that you did uh, before the fight, and we talked about it a bit on this show. You, I think you were going to the gym, and you were recording yourself, and you were saying, you know, this is the last time I'm going to talk about any of this and do a lot of media, and you were just talking about how you weren't feeling the love. You, you know the video I'm talking about where, where you, I think you shot it on your phone, right? Yes, yeah, 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 I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. And, and I commented on this show, I was like, you know, Will seems like a great guy, and you're a likable guy, and you're a great fighter, and I, I was saying, like, I, I wish you would kind of get over all of that because sometimes yeah. when people don't go into your mind they don't know what you're feeling and it, it only comes across one way and that's not usually a good way have you recognized now that you know maybe you should not be so uh hard on yourself and 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 and, and put out stuff like that because fans i feel like don't take to that very well it doesn't put you in the best light you know what i mean yeah definitely and i i definitely understand what you're saying and i and i and again i I've said it before, I'm still getting used to a lot of this, you know. Um, when I got into this sport, I expected to do well, but I didn't, I didn't realize what all came with doing well, you know, what, what all the, the media attention, um, uh, how you have to watch certain things that you say where, you know, I have to be understanding. I am, I am a very emotional guy. I'm a, 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 I, I express my opinions and I put them out there and I don't edit myself and I started realizing that this is something that I have to work on. Uh, being that I'm been in a position that I'm in now, I can't allow myself to be so emotional. You know, I have to uh, maybe center it or slow it down a little bit, rethink things. But yeah, I think during the process, and that, again, that's part of the reason why I had apologized to Chandler is just because you know um, it wasn't anything he was doing. It was more me allowing everything else to take an effect on me and put myself out there and. Um, I just I'm starting to learn that more and more here, and I think it's it comes along with the process of not just getting better as a fighter, but getting better as a person. And uh, I think I'm doing a better job with that, and I'm recognizing it a little bit better. Yeah, I like this Will Brooks way more. You were so angry, <laughs> you were so upset at everyone, you were upset at the world, and I know you have to kind of psych yourself up, but this is a much more likable Will Brooks for whatever it's worth. Yeah, no, man. I mean, this is who I am everyday like my everyday life this is who i am I, I i'm typically a pretty chill humble guy i like to just be in a peaceful place you know but at the same time i come from a family where um where we can be very calm and collected and patient and then if you're being disrespectful towards us and we don't feel like you know if we're showing you respect and you're we're not getting that in return then it's one of those things where why should i give you respect when you're not giving it to me so then I, I get a little fired up and get a little aggressive, but uh, that's just who I've always been, you know. And, again, it's something i got to work on. Uh, but it, it, I'm not going to say it's going to change and, like, change 100, but it, it'll get better over time, you know. But it's still part of me. It's my aggression level, and it's me getting fired up, you know. 
Speaking of which, is Will Brooks a top 10 fighter now? I think so. I think I still got some work to do. You know, I still got to prove myself. I still got to continue to build on what I've done right now. But if I had to, if I had to step back and be a fan, I say, yeah, man. I think, I think I can genuinely, deep down in my bones, I believe I could beat anybody in the lightweight division, uh, Bellator, UFC, or World Series of Fighting, anywhere, anybody. I can, I can beat them. I just, I genuinely believe that all the way down to my core. And um, you know, I just have to keep working and get better. And I think uh, people are seeing that. People are seeing that I'm getting better every single fight, and uh, not just as a fighter. Again, as a person, I think I'm putting it on display that. Um, I'm not just top ten a fighter. I'm top ten a person, you know. So, I'm I'm doing my be- the best I can. Have they told you what's next yet? Uh no, not yet. Just because, um, you know, I have got the injury and whatnot. Yeah. I I need some time off. So I uh, I talked to my manager and just told him like, let's just put things on ice right now. Let's let's shut it down a little bit. Just because I was dinged up going into that fight. I had actually tore my hamstring. Uh, a few weeks before that fight, and I was supposed to pull out of the fight, but uh, wow. I had that going on. I have I, I had a, a handful of small injuries on top of that, so I need some time off, you know, so we're just going to uh, hang back for a little bit. Why didn't you pull out? Uh, just just who I am, man. I just, I believe, uh, I believe my will is stronger than anything else, you know. Um, I, I just, uh, I decided on what I wanted, and I didn't want to postpone it, and uh, I just believed in my heart that I can make it into that fight. And I did all the proper things. I went and found a great uh, sports medicine doctor, a great uh, chiropractor, started doing my physical therapy and everything like that. And it was uh, there was a time where we were thinking that maybe we'd pull out. But uh, we were just kind of coasting, seeing how I felt day by day, uh, week by week. And then uh, the week of the fight, you know, uh, actually two weeks before the fight, I started feeling better and better. I was able to cut angles and do different things that um, I would I would need to do during that fight. So we just decided to go through with it. And um, again, it was just I, I was just it was just my soul was on fire. I've said it I've said it before. Um, I think it's one of the greatest weapons. You know, is a guy that is or a human being that is just so fired up, so dedicated to something, is one of the most scariest things we can ever face. And that's how I felt during that training camp. So. Nothing was going to keep me from this fight or postpone that fight, you know. How many fights left on your Bellator deal? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, to be honest, man. I think uh, I'm not really sure. I think I got like four or five maybe. I'm not 100% sure. Um, again, I let my manager take care mm. of that. Um, all I can do is get ready for the fights, but uh, I think my manager's uh, got all that under control. But you're content. You're, you're not planning on going anywhere, right, right now? No, man, I'm chill, man. Uh, I think uh, the direction that the the organization has gone in has has opened up a door for me to step in and do my thing, you know, to be a big part of that, and I'm looking to do that, you know. I mean, one thing that I think people lose track of is we're, with Bellator right now, it's a new organization. If if you really look at the core of it, it's really some of the, the moves that they've made on the inside part of as far as the team goes and everything else, it's kind of like a brand new organization. So uh, this is the best time to get in, get in on a ground floor floor mm-hmm. of something that's going to grow. It's going to bring in more fans. It's going to bring in more attention. And especially being there where I'm at in my career, I think that's just going to be good for me to be a guy that's right there in the in the middle of it, you know, and do my part to build something rather than go be a part of something that's already set up, you know. Like, 
I just think it, it works out better for me right now. By the way, what happened to your Bears? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> just to put a damper I, on things, right? I'm sorry. I don't even know. And I, I, we've got like a love-hate relationship right now. <laughs> yeah. we're, not, we're not seeing eye to eye. I'm, I'm losing my mind, man. It's Jay Cutler is just, uh, I don't think he's the guy for us, man. It's a disaster. He's, he's not, and man uh, is not, I, I don't know if he's got that. I don't think he's a head coach. I don't know if he's a head coach uh, caliber guy. I'm, not, I'm just not sure, man. But uh, the, the combination of those two guys is just wow. Uh, it's not working out, man. Tressman's my guy from Montreal. You're saying you're saying go back to the Canadian League? Is that what you're saying? Nah, I maybe go to like an assistant coach position. Maybe right, step right. down and let somebody else step up. But uh, I just don't. I don't know if he's uh, made that transition yet. He's done well. He looks good once in a while as a coach, but yeah. then other times it's just like, man, what's what's going on here? Well, as a Bills fan, I feel your pain, my friend. So uh, we're, <laughs> we're, we're in this misery together. Congratulations on the win. Feel better as far as the rib is concerned. And safe travels home. Enjoy your time with your family. Like I said, what a difference a year makes. You certainly deserve the time off. So happy Thanksgiving. And again, congrats on the big win on, uh, on November 15th. And thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, there he is. Ill Will Brooks, the new... Bellator, lightweight champion. Great stuff from him. Great fight. If you haven't seen it, I do suggest checking it out. The, 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 the finish is, is pretty fun stuff. Congrats to him. All right, let's move along. In September, in the UFC heavyweight division, they had a show. Uh, as, uh, it, was in, uh, it was in Foxwoods in Connecticut, and uh, it, was, it was a big one for the heavyweight division because there were two very important fights on the card in a small cage, by the way. And we saw some pretty big finishes. Matt Mitrione defeated Derek Lewis. And then the bigger one was Ben Rothwell defeating Alistair Overeem. A huge win for Ben Rothwell and wanted to have him on the show a couple months later to talk about it and see what's next for him. So joining us right now is Big Ben himself. Ben, how are you? I'm good. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for joining us. So uh, what are we, two and a half months removed from that fight? How's life after beating Alistair Overeem? I, I don't know. I know we're four minutes late. You told me one one oh five. It's one oh nine, and oh. I had to sit here and listen to you talk about football. Yeah. This is MMA hour. What do you? What do you? You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm. I apologize I for my tardiness. And uh, I'm gonna bust you around if it ain't if it ain't if it ain't talking about football. It's you and your crazy shoes. What? What? You you're not a football fan? I I presume. Oh, I don't care. I mean, I, it's hard for me to watch much of anything, but uh. I know honestly I don't I don't really watch much football and in Wisconsin here uh they're big Packer Packer fans and I live right on the border of um yeah Wisconsin Illinois so there's a huge rivalry with the Bears and the Packers always and sure it gets ridiculous how people act and you know it's just it's entertaining well, you but know I, what? I stay out of it. We're on the same page. A lot of people don't know this. I haven't watched a single second of live NFL action this year. I'm boycotting the NFL. So I just want to let you know that we actually are on the same page. You're boycotting the You have a reason. I'm just, <laughs> I don't have a reason. You got well, a reason. We're still on the same page. Uh, what about when you go around town? Okay. Do people dance? Do people copy that dance? Because that, to me, is one of the highlights of 2014 as far as UFC is concerned. Your post-fight dance... I could watch that all day. It was unbelievable. Do you get that a lot from people? <laughs> it, it was, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, you know, like the few weeks after the fight, people were posting videos and stuff like that. And, uh, if I'm ever at an event or something, people will be like the dance, the dance and the last word. And it, it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm glad, glad people had a good time with it. Um, 
it's hard for me to take much credit because it's just I, I'm somebody else in the cage, and I literally didn't even really realize what I did until after. And they're showing me, you know, like <laughs> I'm in the back room, and they're showing me video and stuff. And I'm laughing. I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> I was like, what? What was that? So, <laughs> It was it was it was funny. It was good. And I'm I'm glad that uh, more people took it in a positive note. I mean, it was just having a good time, and that's uh, pure joy. That's what pure thing, joy you know. looks like. Pure joy, yeah. Have you ever done that before, or was that spur of the moment? That was a hundred percent spur of the moment. And it felt like, at least to me, it felt like you know what you said afterwards in the cage and all that. I mean. Did you go into that fight with a bit of a chip on your shoulder? You were talking about some of the media not picking you and all that. It, it felt like a lot of this was bottled up inside of you. For sure. Uh, I, I would say it. And it's kind of interesting how Overeem handled it because I know he's, if he's looked into me in the past, I always say, hey, you know, it's probably best to be quiet when you're fighting me because the second you start going to the media and you start trying to do... You know, if you're gonna to try to McGregor me, so to speak, it's just it, it's better for me because I make it personal, and when I make it personal, it's, it's I fight my best. And he didn't; he was respectful to me uh, at the event, and every time we met in person, and even after the fight, uh, he was like completely not the way you read about him. You know, he was he was cool, but then he doesn't realize that two months before the fight happened, he was just you know the headline. Wolverine says he's not gonna Rothwell. That was it. That's it. You know, I just went in my training camp with the chip on my shoulder. Like, really? Like, really, dude? Like, that's what I was thinking in my head. Like, you know, I I knew what I was going to do. And it just kept building up, watching the media, hang all over him, keep me out of it. And it was good. It was great for me because then I, I didn't have to deal with it. And he was in Boston doing his whole media, you know, trip and everything else like that. And just kind of like... I, I try not to even look on the internet that much, but it was popping up. Like, it was definitely out there, and he was doing a lot of it. And then right up to the week of the fight, it was just more stuff was getting hit all over the media with talking him up and how he's going to fight. He was already calling out other guys and stuff like that. And I'm just like, really? You got me in front of you, and you're going to call out other people. I'm like, all right, well, we're going to see how this is going to work out for you. And then it went all stemmed up to, like, the, literally the seconds before I went out to the fight – watching the, the anchors uh, on the Fox Sports talk about it, and everybody voted for him. And that was the last thing I'd seen before I went up to the fight. So I was just, like, completely amped up. Like, I was like, all right, I'm going to show the world what I can do. And even afterwards, I've seen some interviews. He says, you know, he thinks that nine times out of ten he beats you and all that stuff. Have you read that? Yeah, I read that. And, and you know, I think there's two things here. There's a couple things he was cool to me in person, and I, I would tell him, I even told, I sent him a Twitter saying, hey, man, sorry, I didn't get to see you at this fight. They took me to the hospital because we didn't know what was going on with my arm. And he was being cool to me, and it's like, shook my hand after the fight. Like, he, he took it upon himself to come to me and shake my hand. Like, that means a lot to me. That's for, we're martial artists. Like, we should respect each other, regardless of all the media crap and anything all people act. It's like, at least there was that respect. I can't help but that media takes... You know, I do an, I do a 30-minute interview, and they pull one sentence out and make it a headline about how I didn't like his push kicks or something, and then they kind of, like, added some extra words into it, and he probably read that and didn't like it. You know, he's like, what the hell? I can't help that. He should know it. That's garbage. And if he got offended by it, you know, he could have called me up, and we could have talked about it in person. 
because uh, I, I didn't mean any real disrespect. I, if anything, I was trying to say, hey, you actually acted a lot cooler to me than I think a lot of people have seen him act in the past. And I think he was maybe upset from a lot of different things. And then he posts that, and I didn't even have to say a word because it seemed like all the forums and media took care of it for me. <laughs> it was basically the, the general census was, does this guy have brain damage? You know, I think he, I think he's getting hit in the head too many times to make that comment that he made. And it was even right. What I was going to tell him, especially if I was his coach or if I was his teammate, I'd be like, dude, shut up. Like, stay out of me. You're going into a fight that you cannot lose against a guy that could beat you. And you're talking trash about a guy that just beat you. Like, this makes no sense. Like, it did, him, him talking trash on me right now while he's going into a fight against Stefan Struve, it's only going to hurt him. You know, and I don't know what he's trying to do because every time he talks all this trash against Hunt, Bigfoot, or whatnot, Hunt, I meant uh, Travis Brown and Bigfoot Silva, it has not turned out well for him. And he's doing it again. And, like, he's literally going into this next fight. Like, he he can't lose this fight. Like, you know, and I'm sure Stephen True feels the same way, and he's probably trained really hard for the fight. And, I'm, hey, I wish both guys the best. I, they're both... To me, at least, they've always been very respectful to me, and I wish him the best, and the better man's going to win that night. But I certainly, if I was over him, wouldn't be saying the media shit that he's been saying. Yeah, and of course, that fight is taking place December 13th on Fox, so he has his next fight after the loss. How come you're not booked yet? Well, um, i just literally been in some rehab. I think Andre Orlowski and I are kind of same situation, like... We're just taking care of ourselves. I, I haven't really got any training in this last couple months, <clears throat> so I'm I'm kind of like getting back into the swing of things this week, as a matter of fact. And uh, basically, I want to be ready at at New Year's, basically beginning of 2015. I could accept the fight and then get ready for it. I, I would like to fight by like March or April, sometime in there. And if that matches me with Andre Olaski, cool. If that matches me up with the winner or loser of Junior DeSantos and Spike Moichek, then cool. I think I know you had mentioned um, that fight's coming up, and uh, I, I think all three of those, any one of those fights, um, excites me. It's like a, definitely one of the fights that I would like to get, and all three guys are ranked above me, so it makes sense to me. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. If all those guys are fighting in the middle of December, they probably won't be ready for another fight in probably March or April either. So. It all kind of lines up, and uh, I hope that's the way things go. You know, I'm wondering, you talked about uh, the way people were discussing this fight leading up to the fight. You know, you had such a long layoff prior to the fight, and I, I, I didn't do any interviews with you, and I didn't see a lot of interviews with you. Are you able to clear the air on what happened after UFC 164, where it was deemed you had elevated levels of testosterone? What, what, what exactly happened there, from your perspective? Well, it's, I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't want to talk about it, and... And just one, one thing I want to touch on, I'm not trying to make him feel bad, but I think a lot of people expected, you know, taking, coming off of it, everybody knew I had to come off the TRT. Once you go on and come off of it, it's, it's very, very hard to overcome the effects of, like, being on it, not being on it, and, and how to recover from that. And I think a lot of people just counted me out. Like, like unfortunately Bigfoot didn't obviously take the same steps I took to recover from it because he was almost in the same situation I was in and you watch how I fight and it's like I'm I was the best I've ever been and that was a year off you know coming off the TRT everything else I figured a lot out about myself Bigfoot on the other hand looked the exact opposite he looks like a guy that like came off of it and isn't fighting the same he was flat-footed and he looked like a punching bag 
And I think that's what people expected from me. That's why I was a five to one underdog. I mean, they were just putting facts down on paper saying, Hey, Ben did do this. He can't do it anymore. What's he, you know, doesn't have a lot going for him. Uh, and, um, a week later we watched Bigfoot fight and yeah, he looked the exact opposite from what I looked like. And for me, it was like that easily could have been me too. Standing out there flat footed, no business being in there. I really, really took it serious. The whole TRT thing happened. I think the difference for me is I hadn't been on it that long. It was like, didn't know what I was doing. Felt like I needed it. I mean, I was getting uh, endocrinologists and doctors are like, you know, if you can do this, then you should. You know, this is about your health. You know, this isn't about fighting, but it's going to help you. Things of that nature. So, and I was like angry because you can't point the finger at anybody, but it was it's, it's obvious that this stuff has been running rampant in, 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 the, in our sport, you know, in a sense that a lot of guys do it. And I always felt like it was, on, you know, like, man, I'm at a disadvantage. I know these other guys are doing it. And I, I just, uh, who knows what's going on? You know, your hormones are messed up. You start thinking crazy, and I started thinking, like, I needed to do this. And then I was doing every, I had eight weeks. I had more testing done than pretty much all the other guys at the time were doing it. I had a week Every week I was showing that my levels were, I was doing the right thing, doing anything I was supposed to do. And the week of the fight, I'm not sure what happened, but it was taking too close to the fight. <clears throat> and that was it. I and mean, it wasn't like I was 18 to 1 over or something. It was like just over the limit, like literally 2 to 1. Like you hear these numbers getting thrown around 16 to 1 and stuff like that. Mine was like 2 to 1. It was like just over the line. But it doesn't matter. Because for me, it was, it needed to happen. You know, it's really sucked. And I was in a really low point in my, my, my career when that came out, even coming off the win because I felt tarnished and everybody turns on you and they're like, Oh, you're a cheater. And you're this and that. The best thing that could have possibly happened to me is that I beat this. I come back and I, I had the biggest win of my career. I cashed my bonus check and I proved to everybody that I, that I really did I beat TRT. And I, I proved to myself I didn't need it, and I made a mistake doing it. But I've learned more about myself going through all of that than I ever could have. And I wouldn't tell anyone to ever do it and to go through what I went through, but I did, and I am a far stronger than I've ever been because of it. Yeah, it's interesting. So I really took a really bad situation in my life and made it something positive. And and well done on that, because a lot of the guys who were on it and then had to go off it haven't fared very well. Um, you talked about you know when the the news came out after the fight in August of 2013, UFC 164. You say you know it wasn't really it wasn't like it was just a bit above the the limit, but you know an infraction is an infraction. How did you how how was it to be mentioned as as a you know a cheater, a drug user? How, what, like how did you deal with that? How did you and not be able to or not at least feel up for telling your side of the story like you just did right now? I mean, every, everything that kind of happened once it once it happened, once it once it you know once I got, I got told like two days later after the fight like hey this is this is wrong. I pretty much knew right then and there everything was going to happen after, and there was no fixing it because. They shouldn't have did it. I mean, really, that's it. Like, you're gonna get what you're gonna get. And I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I told myself a long time ago, years ago, that I wasn't ever gonna cross that line, and I did. And even though it was only testosterone, it wasn't like these, like, like a lot of people throw it around with testosterone, taking extra testosterone, synthetic testosterone, is the same as taking straight up steroids, things that you can't even pronounce. 
is not the same as just testosterone. At least your body produces testosterone. It's not quite as extreme as some of this other stuff that's out there, but it's all synthetic. And you're taking a needle and you're putting something in your body. You're crossing the line. And and I crossed that line. I, I told myself I was never going to do it, and I did it. And everything, you know, life had to kick me in the nuts and say, no, this wasn't this wasn't what you're supposed to do. But it happened, and I mean, literally the best scenario that could have happened in my life is everything that I accomplished after. You know, I proved so much to myself that I didn't need it, and I proved, I, you know, if there's anybody should look up at somebody, it's Vitor Belfort should look up to me and be like, well, he did it. I can beat this. I can do it. Now, if he can, I don't know. And the guy's been doing it a lot longer than me, and the longer you do that stuff, the more you dependent you become upon it. So it doesn't, you know, but he's still, he's just, it's all about how much you believe in yourself and believe that you can overcome this stuff. I, I would think that it is a lot of it is mental. I think a lot of guys resort to this stuff because of poor training. You know, they're getting trained in the wrong ways. You hear about more injuries are becoming rampant. Of course they're becoming rampant because the testing's gotten better. So guys are knowing like, oh, I can't take EPO anymore and have unlimited cardio. And like, I'm going to have to come off this stuff. Yeah, and all of a sudden there are a whole bunch of injuries. Like, yeah, no kidding. Mm. There's going to be this stuff. And, you know, and, and guys not sleeping good because they're worried about getting tested. I know, I know all about this stuff and I know what they're going through. And I tell you what, to be where I'm at right now and the sitting where I'm sitting, like, yeah, I'm I'm very thankful because I know what those guys are going through. And in the long run, it's it's not going to help anybody win fights. This is only become a hindrance on these guys, and you know you're gonna you're gonna see it. And, and a big day for me was the advanced drug testing. Hmm. That that's when, that was when I became okay with everything. That's when I knew I could, I could win a title. I know I could beat anybody because these guys are going to get tested for EPO and the growth hormone and things that were really, really hard to detect before are now getting tested for. That scared the shit out of a lot of people. I can assure you of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you were in the news last week uh, because of this drama with Rufus Sport. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, because and also it came out, Eric Schaefer said that he was... Um, that they were saying that they were instructed to get Matt Mitrione to haze you while you were a member of the team. Is that in fact true? And did you have a negative experience like Pat Barry and Rose Namajunas and others are saying about their time at Rufus Sport? You know, I I know people love to hear you know stuff anything to deal with like drama and whatnot. I really really have worked to stay out of this stuff because I did have a past there. But I'll clear up one thing on this whole situation. I don't want to. I don't want to get into, you know, the video and all the stuff that's going on in Wisconsin that happened. There's a lot of bad stuff that happened. But I'll clear up one thing. I had my name got mentioned. I called Red Schaefer and I said, you know, why are you why are you saying my name? He's like, well, you know, I was just saying what happened. Like this is what they told. I was listening to him. This is what they said. And I go, well, Red. What you what you didn't say is you could have said that was said, but you you made it out like I got beaten from the gym. I go, you know how that looks. I'm like that, and you got me upset right now. I go, what really happened? He's like, well, you got in there and you held your own. I'm like, yeah. Did I have any clue what they were trying to do? He's like, no. And I'm like, yeah. That just shows <laughs> that just shows what I'm about. Like I didn't even know, and I beat them off. And 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 Matreon said told Brad he's like yeah that happened and I have no problem with Matreon and I had no clue that that was even happening. He said that they did. I just came up there to help him get ready for his Kimball Slice fight. I just came up there to be a good teammate. And apparently, 
you know, cowards that they are had problems and didn't know how to deal with them like a man, and they were trying to do some sneaky shit, and it backfired because months down the road, him and him and you know him and his coach had their own differences and go their own way. I I ended up leaving after, you know. So apparently, this stuff happened. I didn't even know about it. Okay, um, but so, otherwise, I mean, that's all I really got to see them at. Fair enough. Um, so you're expecting to be back around March, April or so, right? I hope so, yeah. Yeah, and is anything that you're battling right now, is it serious? Or just kind of nicks and knacks? It, it's more nicks and knacks. And, uh, you know, I, I, didn't, I heard Andre actually went in for surgery on his yeah. shoulder, so I, I actually was able to bypass surgery on a lot of rehab. I was afraid of what I needed, but... Um, I managed to get through it all, just a lot of rehab, just not just not in the position that I don't want to, like, hurt anything, so I don't want to get into a, a, you know, fight, a real fight training just yet, so I'm having to take, take some time off. But like I said, I, I hope at the beginning of the year I can enter a fight camp for sure. And, of course, longtime fans of MMA recall that you fought Andre Arlovsky in uh, Affliction back in 2008. Do you want to fight him? Are you interested in him because of that fight? What happened? You lost that fight? Or is it just because he's doing well, you're doing well, the fight makes sense? In other words, was this a, a fight that you've wanted to avenge, a loss that you've wanted to avenge since that loss? Honestly, I haven't, had, I haven't got a single chance at a payback fight, you know, revenge fight yet on my... Uh, on all my losses, I haven't been able to, to redeem any of them. Uh, so that popped up. That, yeah, that that is there is that history there, and I am kind of like it is kind of disappointing. That was a disappointing time in my life because I didn't play very good, and I was just really young, just mentally like how I went into that fight. And uh, I, I definitely would like to to fight him again if that comes up. It just there's a combination of things that he's he's doing well, and there's no little. I think he's a super cool guy, honestly. Like he's, he's kind of guy that if we could, I, I'd want to be friends with him uh, because he is cool. He's, just, he's a really good competitor, and he's doing really well. And I think it would be a great fight. But if I could hold out, and, and if I only was allowed to get one rematch, it would have to be Kane. Like, that's ultimately the guy that's got to be beat. And, you know, I just need to take the proper steps to, to, to get to that. I've earned that, you know, you got to earn the right to fight the champ. So I just have to take the right fights and win the right fights the way I've been doing it and, and earn that. Well, Ben, congratulations on your success as of late. Uh, heal up soon. It was, it was a great win, one of the highlights of the year. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the dance. The actual fight result was uh, very entertaining, and, and, and the finish was great as well. Uh, thanks for the time. Great catching up with you, and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you for everything, and uh, thanks to all the fans for tuning in, and best to you guys. All right, there he is, Big Ben Rothwell. Uh, all of a sudden, once again, a top contender, and this time in the UFC, looking forward to his next fight and seeing where he goes from here. All right, let's move along. Uh, very excited to welcome in our next guest. Been wanting to have him on the show for quite some time. It was announced in August that Gary Cook, who's spent around two years with the UFC uh, now, has been promoted or was promoted to the UFC's chief global officer. Sounds like a very important title, and now we see him at a lot of events. Wanted to have him on the show to talk about that and a whole lot more. Gary, how are you? I'm very well, Ariel. How about you? I'm great. Thank you very much for joining us, and congratulations on the new role. Uh, this is a role that we haven't heard uh, of from the UFC before. What exactly is a chief global officer? 
Um, good question. I get that asked a lot. Um, it's actually Chief Global Brand Officer, but for, for to all intents and purposes, let's talk a little bit about some of our uh, of our, our of the dynamics of our business. Obviously, we've continued to grow uh, around the world. Um, we're more than just a, uh, a, a promoter of, uh, of events now. I think you know that uh, as well as anybody. We have uh, we have over 340 people working in our organisation, and as we continue to grow. Uh, we have to make sure that we are planning our business, aligning our business with all that we want to get after, and we make sure that uh, you know people know that we're in the television business, we're in the event management business, we're, we've got uh, strategic partners in, in, in the commercial space, and uh, the, there's a lot going on here. It's not just about matchmaking two fighters in the octagon. Uh, so you have left Europe, you now live in Las Vegas, correct? That is correct. Settling in and uh, and and getting stuck in. So you're at the HQ, the Zufa HQ. What what's the transition like? I know it's fairly new now, but uh, to go from Europe, uh, you know, beautiful London to Las Vegas, what's that been like for you? Well, you know, it's it's great because I think this is what I would call the epicenter of uh, of our of our business, and sure. uh, and this is where a lot of the energy uh, where, where a lot of the energy is. And I think when you're out in the markets, Ariel, you're you know, you're, you're the demands are very different. You're you're identifying relatively new sport in a uh, in a sports landscape that that you know you're confronted with. Uh, soccer is the is the majority sport, the major sport, and you've got different dynamics. People haven't heard of it. It's awareness levels that are very low. And you're trying to build a business that's going to be sustainable to uh, for the future. And I think historically, everybody wanted to see you know the, the championship fights, the, the the big the big fights. But there's actually a development process for our fighters through their through their status of of, of trying to become a legend um, that, that you have to work through. So in the regions, it's just a very different application. And I think if you look at Gustafsson and you look at uh, McGregor, uh, they are byproducts, if you like, of of having a very clear plan, having a very clear understanding of what the responsibility is in the region, and that is develop local fighters to meet the needs of local fans and local television networks. If you come to the UFC here in Las Vegas, it's much more complex because this is, uh, this is a sport that has, has not only continued to grow, it's a mature fan base. The fans that listen to your show, are, they, they are knowledgeable. They understand the sport. We've got to understand how they want to consume it, what they want to see, what they, what they need, and uh, that's our job. You know, at the end of the day, we're, we're asking people to be part of this uh, all the time, and we have to make sure that we're serving their needs. So when you were hired initially in September of 2012, when they announced your, uh, your involvement with the sport and with the organization, your role was executive vice president and managing director of Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Of course, now you've moved on, as, as we just talked about. So who replaced you in that role? Well, we're still working through that. You know, we built a management team there. We went from sort of three or four people operating in our London office. Uh, we built that out. We've now got 18 people working in that office. So um, there'll be a leader. Uh, we'll announce that within the uh, within this short time frame. But but uh, I think it's always important that we, as a company, uh, you know, building a world class organisation, we're always looking to build uh, you know the bench for people to step into the role. This is a this is a business and a sport, as you know better than anybody. You have to have a basic understanding of it. You have to have a passion for it. You have to be knowledgeable about what, what, what we're trying to achieve. And, and sometimes bringing people from the outside uh, doesn't always necessarily work, but um, we'll, we'll be announcing somebody within the next 30 days.
was this a goal of yours? I mean, when you came into the UFC, that was a great role, and, and you did a lot of great work. I mean, Dana White always takes advantage of an opportunity to praise you and, and the work that you've done over the last couple of years. But ultimately, did you want to get to Vegas? Did you want to have you know, a, a bigger say in the matters, and, and, and now you're there? Was that always part of the mission for you? Well, I think that, you know, there's two things. One is, uh, you know, personal, personal goals are, are, are not always uh, the same goals as the corporation. You know, I always, made, I always said to Lorenzo and to Dana, you know, I'll do whatever you want. Give me a shirt and I'll go do whatever you need me to do. I love this business. Uh, I love the people that are in this business. Um, I love the change that we're creating around the sports landscape around the world. And, uh, and, and I'm excited to be part of a young, energetic organization that has a load, uh, a load of runway in front of it. And, I, and so I, wherever, wherever they put me, um, whatever they ask me to do, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Are you surprised how much you love this business? Because, you know, well documented, when you came in, you weren't an MMA guy. You came from the sports world, very much established, but MMA wasn't a part of your resume, wasn't a part of your background. Did you expect to love it this much? Um, well, I think being an MMA guy is all relative. I would say that the people who listen to your show are—they're, are, are, you know—they're they're passionate about the sport and they—they're knowledgeable about the sport. I've still got some learning to do, and I don't hide that, and nor should I. Um, but, but what I'm what I'm intrigued by is the is the uh, the way that it captures the hearts and imaginations of the fans. But I'm even more interested, and more—I uh, find greater insight coming from the athletes. The athletes are truly a step above everybody else I believe in the athletic world I think the mental scope and the mental discipline and strength that's required to be a great MMA fighter or particularly in the UFC at the highest level um, is is above and beyond anything that you could ever see and I think if you were to look at UFC and use a word that you would describe an athlete they are absolute they are they are so committed their fitness levels are above everybody else and I saw a lot of the uh, a lot of soccer players a lot of football players a lot of basketball players, they revere the athleticism of an MMA fighter. For me, that's an insight we haven't seen in sport for the last 30 years. That's what I fell in love with. And now I can look at the sport through a lens of an athlete, and I can see the, uh, the capabilities, the technical skills that are required to outwit your opponent. I mean, you only have to look at the, the fight on Saturday night to watch, to watch that. And, and you can see, uh, and you can appreciate and understand it. And my job I believe, is to help convert not only those that are already knowledgeable and passionate, but to, to bring a new audience to the sport. And I think that that's what we endeavor to do as we look forward to the next 15, 20 years. We want to be one of the major sports in the sports landscape around the world. So having an understanding of it and having a, a deep passion, passionate knowledge, they might be slightly different, but they all, they all play their part. How much resistance do you get from the mainstream today as opposed to two years ago? Sponsors, corporate America, media, do you, do you sense that times have changed in the last two years for you? Oh, absolutely. And that's a great question because, you know, I've, I've been in meetings where, um, you know, I've been told that the sport is tearing the fabric of our society. <laughs> uh, and, and I think that those, are, those, those only make you rise to the challenge like any great uh, athlete in the octagon. As soon as you tell him he's, he's going to get beaten, he rises to the challenge, right? So, so we're, we, we continually go through that and we've still got some issues, as you know, in certain markets. But I think that the, the, the change that happens 
happens is when people become educated and aware of what the sport represents and what the UFC represents. And I think what you're going to see as we continue our leadership position is we continue to not only change the landscape of sport, but we set the benchmark for MMA around the world. And I, I, I really believe that there's a lot more, uh, lot more to come on that. Has, will we change everybody's perception? I don't necessarily think that's the goal. I think you can you, to, to try and please everybody all of the time uh, can often be a recipe for failure. And I think that we've got to make sure that people know who we are, what we do, uh, and know about our uh, our business, and know that we are a serious player in the sports landscape. But it is getting easier, mm. but it's not easy. <laughs> you know, I recall when you came in, you were saying we need to cater to the local markets. We need to have you know Ultimate Fighter in these local markets, etc. I feel like you are responsible in many ways for what's happening with Fight Pass, for you know these events taking place locally in prime time as opposed to just catering to the United States. Was that all you? Were you the one that pushed for all this as far as doing more of these events and, and not so much caring about you know the, the viewer back home here in North America, but catering to you know the, the, the viewer in, in England and whatnot, all the you know Ireland doing it in prime time there. Was that all you? Well, that's, that's very kind of you to, to sort of put me on the spot there. I, I would never wish to be the guy that says, uh, you know, this is because of me. We have a 340-plus people who work on all of these ideas and businesses. But I think, what, I think where I'd like to take the, the commentary is I'd like to say that we are truly a global brand. We are not an American brand trying to take our product around the world. That's mm. very different, which means then that you have to have uh, local events in local markets with local fighters being the focus and actually helping the uh, the US audience then become fans of some of, of, of what's going on around the world. You, you know, we've seen the massive and the, and the explosion of Brazil. We just did an event in Mexico. We can see that coming on. We're just about to announce uh, a television, uh, you know, deal in, in Russia. 55 mm. million households. Wow. We've never done an event in Russia. So so the, the growth is, is, is all about in a global business is how do you make Make sure that you, you create relevant content for the U.S., relevant content for all of the other markets. And if these, and if these markets can exchange thinking ideas and, and, the, and, the, and the, the events themselves, then that's all the better. It's all about creating more content. It's all about creating local heroes, national, national fame. And, and it just adds spice to the story. The story, Ariel, as you well know, is two people in combat. There's going to be a winner. There's going to be a loser. There's no more drama than that. And that sells wherever you are in the world. That being said, though, in the last month or so, there's been something interesting that's happened. You know, UFC 179 in, in Brazil, Aldo Mendes, that, you know, that, that main event happened very late, early morning, because it was a pay-per-view event. Then you had the OSP Shogun fight. That happened at around 3.45 a.m. in Brazil. We saw, you know, an early morning show Saturday morning in Australia, and uh, it just it was just announced that the Gustafson Rumble fight is going to be taking place in Stockholm, but it will be catering to the Fox audience. So it'll be around 3 a.m. Sweden time uh, when the fight actually happens. Are things changing as far as, you know, th that, that directive is concerned? No, no, no. I think I think what we tend to do, and um, we should always do this, is we we uh, that that would have, that Gustafson fight would have been an easy fight to put in the United States. But mm. I think if you can kill two birds with one stone, which is you put it on uh, primetime television in, in the United States, where we know there's a big audience for that. 
uh, and we also are able to bring a live audience into uh, into Stockholm. Um, not only we're looking to, as we go on sale for tickets on Thursday, uh, we'll be looking for 30,000 plus, uh, you know, uh, attendees in, in the stadium there. And, and, and people's cultures are different. They don't mind. They don't mind uh, going to an event at 11 o'clock and watching an event uh, on television at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's a different culture. And so we feel that what we try to do, rather than pick one off against the other, we just try and meet everybody's needs. As you'll see with our Australia show, sometimes they're early morning. They're okay with that. They like that. Mm. They don't mind going to an event that early in the morning. So it's, it's, it's about making it fit for everybody. That doesn't mean that we won't have a show in Poland. We won't have a show, uh, you know, in, in, other, in Abu Dhabi or whatever it might be in, in Europe, whereby they'll be broadcast for the local market. So I got to ask you this before I let you go, and a lot of people ask me about this on social media and whatnot. Um, last week, they announced a schedule, but a lot of the actual locations weren't announced. That's fine. We expected that. Since you're here, what about some of these places? You mentioned Russia. You mentioned Poland. A lot of fans in Scotland uh, wanting events. What can you tell us about 2015 and uh, some of the international markets that the UFC will be attending? Well, we've, we've, we've had a very clear plan and point of view on how do we become relevant in these markets. If you, if you try and get everywhere, it sometimes dilutes what you're trying to do. So, uh, we, we, you know, as we, we've always said, we want to get onto the television network, we want to create some awareness, and then measure the demand for the product. So we're going to be on television in Russia. Uh, eventually, there'll be a show in Russia, but we don't know whether that will be next year. We've got uh, Poland. We've got some... Uh, We've got some plans there. We've been, they've been calling for us to have an event in Poland. Uh, there's a big, big uh, fan base in Poland, so we look like we're going to be there. Scotland, you know, you can't help but think about Jojo Calderwood, who's, who's, who's a, you know, is becoming a starlet there. Uh, we'd like to think about doing something in Glasgow, and we've got some plans. But then, lo and behold, all good plans, uh, <laughs> life might get in the way, as you well know. And right. you get a guy called Conor McGregor comes along, and you get a guy called uh, Alexander Gustav comes along who needs to come back from an injury and all of a sudden your schedule has to be readjusted because the the uh, you, you you've got lots of demand for for these live events that's the that's the good news but it's also the challenge because you'd like to be doing a lot more uh, I know having worked in the markets I know this in Brazil I know this in Asia there is there's call for another 20, 30 events. Wow. If you, could, if you had the capability, we, that's what people are asking for. That's what people want. That's what people want to see in the local markets. But we're trying to manage our business uh, sensibly and, and with, in a measured way. And uh, so, so you can never be too aggressive. But th believe me, there's a lot more to come yet. Will there really be a stadium show in Ireland next year? Well, you're, if you listen to Conor McGregor, yes. <laughs> uh, we, we've all, we're virtually it's next week. Yes. Um, but uh, but you know Dana and Joe and and Sean, they're the guys that look after that part of the business. Uh, I I like to think that once Dana is, and those guys have created the product, then we've got every opportunity to go out and make it uh, a commercial success. And uh, you know there's nothing wrong with a fighter having ambition. Sure. I think we also have to be respectful of the uh, the competitors in the in the weight division and make sure that we don't get ahead of ourselves. But I'd like to think that uh, I've always said it. Um, I'd like to see somebody from one of these countries 
particularly in Europe, wave their national flag and fly that flag as a, as a world champion. Mm. And uh, who knows? Final thing, uh, I remember last year, or was it wasn't last year, it was in March, but when you last visited uh, London, you, you, you announced on the spot that the return would be February 28th, but there's a pay-per-view scheduled for that day. Can you clear yeah. that up? Because a lot of people have asked me since, is that event not happening anymore? Will it be a two-show event? Are you able to shed any light on that? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question. You know, what, what happened uh, there is we, we went ahead with some plans in London. It's very important for us. And as I've just said to you, you know, Alexander Gustafsson, uh, you know, uh, wanted to, we wanted to place that one into that market. Um, so, and we also had the L.A. show uh, with Ronda uh, on, on that card and also with uh, Belfort and, and Weidman on that card. And, and, and so we've had to make some adjustments. We're going to take ourselves out of that London date and we're going to move ourselves into another London date further down through the year. So we have had to make some changes, and those are, as we've always say with our business, it's sub it is subject to change. And mm -hmm. that's just making sure that the fans are taken care of. We're not trying to over overdo it, and we want to make sure that we get focused on that L.A. event in uh, UFC 184 in, in Los Angeles. All right, fair enough. Uh, Gary, can't thank you enough. Really appreciate the time. I know how busy you are, so this means a lot to us. Uh, congrats on the, the new job, and or the new role, I should say, and the move over to Las Vegas, doing uh, big things over there at the HQ, as we like to call them, and uh, appreciate the mm -hmm. time, and best of luck with everything. If you ever need anything from us, you ever want to shoot the breeze or uh, you know take the temperature of the sport, you know where to find us. Thank you very much, and I just want to say, uh, you know, your, your show is important. You're an important character in this uh, sport and in this business, and without people like you, it wouldn't exist. So thanks very much. That means a lot. Thank you, Gary. Bye-bye now. There he is, Gary Cook, the UFC's chief global brand officer. We appreciate his time very much. Uh, if you've ever listened to Dana White, especially in those scrums over the last couple of years, he has been very complimentary of Gary's work. He has come in and uh, done a lot of great things for the UFC. And, you know, you, you, you can witness the fact that he is now, uh, he's kind of moved on from that role as far as Europe and Middle East and Africa are concerned and now working on the big picture for the UFC. So interested to see what he does. He's only been in the job now as far as this role is concerned for the last, oh, I don't know, three months or so, at least since it was made official to the public, but uh, very well liked. Everyone has uh, a lot of positive things to say about him, what he's doing uh, behind the scenes for the UFC. So uh, I think a great asset to the UFC and looking forward to seeing what he does. Appreciate his time very, very much. Very busy guy, so that meant a lot and very kind words as well. All right, we got a big guest coming up, as I said on the top of the show, in studio. In a matter of moments, we're going to be joined by one of the most famous successful comedians in the entire world. According to Forbes, the third highest paid comedian in the world, a fellow Canadian, a man who has sold out arenas, not just venues, not just halls or you know comedy clubs, actual 20,000-seat arenas across the world. I'm talking about Russell Peters, and he is a big fight fan. Boxing, MMA, he's got very famous... MMA friends. He's attended a bunch of events and he's kind enough to join us in studio in a matter of moments. So while we reconfigure things here in the studio, I wanted to play a couple of my favorite uh, sets of his, some, some, some classics. He's been around for a long time. His story is a great one. We'll get into that. But in case you don't know who Russell Peters is, or if you want to get reacquainted with his work, I thought it would be fun to uh, look back at some of his uh, great moments on stage. So here's Russell Peters, and then we're actually going to be joined 
by Russell Peters in studio right here in a matter of moments. So do not go anywhere. MMA Hour will be right back. All right. Time now. Nice. So uh, this is the, you know, we're getting an idea of the show now. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. Uh, my parents now have been in uh, Canada 41 years. They, uh, they moved from India to Canada 41 years ago. I don't know how they picked it or whatever, but they were like, Canada. And I was like, okay, well, maybe when you get there, you'll be able to say it. So, um, but when my dad first moved to Canada, he didn't just want to live here. You know what I mean? He didn't want to be a guy that just lived in Canada. He wanted to become a Canadian. And he thought that there was things that you could do to become a Canadian, like... Like, you just do a couple of things and bang, overnight you're a Canadian, you know what I mean? I used to come up with these schemes when I was a kid. I remember one time when I was a little kid, he called me, he was like, son, come here. <laughs> Here's the thing with Indian parents, too. They, they never just um, tell you directly to come and do something. They, uh, they, it's, it's just not that kind of culture, you know what I mean? Indian parents will not boss you around like that. Hey, come here. Because the, they, they have salesmen built into them, you know what I mean? <laughs> no matter what the situation is, they feel the need to convince you to do something, you know what I mean? And sometimes they'll just take one word and make it sound like a question to make you come there and be like, Russell, come. <laughs> come. <laughs> come. So remember this one night, right? My dad was like, son, tonight, we will become Canadians. I said, dad, um, I was already born here. I think I got it covered. Okay, but what's your plan? He goes, son, I have bought a barbecue. <laughs> I go, well, what are you going to do? Cook the rest of Canada and we're the only ones left? <laughs> no, Canadians like to eat the barbecue. <laughs> I go, dad, they don't actually eat the barbecue, but... I think I know where you're going with this. I go, what's your plan? He goes, Tonight, we will have a barbecue in the backyard. We will invite all the neighbors. They will come over, eat our food, and think we are a Canadian. I said, Dad, if they eat our food, they're going to know we're not Canadian. <laughs> Our food will have flavor. <laughs> it's funny, sometimes Canadian white folks get mad at that joke. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you don't diss our boiled potatoes. Right, sometimes I put salt in that water. <laughs> so my dad said, no, no, son, I have bought white food <laughs> for the barbecue. 
I go, what the hell is white food? <laughs> you know, hamburgers, hot dogs. <laughs> hamburgers and what? <laughs> hot dogs. <laughs> what, what the hell's a hot dog? <laughs> hot dog, hot dog, you know? Hot dog. Garam kutas. <laughs> oh, hot dogs. Well, whatever fancy name you want to give them. And I remember that night, you know, my dad had all the neighbors over and he was standing behind the grill looking so proud and I walked back in the backyard and he goes, Huh? Son? Huh? Do I look Canadian? I go, you look like an Indian guy in Canada. <laughs> but is everybody having a nice time? Like everybody seems to be having a nice time. Then why do you keep on staring at me? Well, the rice keeps falling through the grill. <laughs> this is a stupid method for cooking. Show me how to do this. Show. Sure. Why people please beat your kids? I'll tell you why else, because when I was growing up, right, I grew up around a lot of black people, which was fine, because the black people never picked on me. White kids, not so friendly back then. But every now and then, a white kid would come and hang out with us, and we were like, wow, a white kid! I've heard so much about you! And here's where the problem is. When a white kid would hang out with us, we'd want to be like the white kid. We would want to start to do everything like the white kid. We wanted to copy that white kid so much. And the problem is, is when we would start taking that white kid's advice on how to deal with our parents. That'll get you friggin' murdered, man. I remember hanging around this one little white boy, Ryan, when I was 10 years old. I went to his house after school one day, right? His parents never beat him, and they never even yelled at him. He could do anything he wanted, and nothing was going to happen to him. But he was an angry kid. He walked into his house after school, and his mom goes, Ryan, go clean your room. <laughs> Fuck you, bitch! <laughs> his mom goes, what am I going to do with him? <laughs> I go, Ryan, you can't talk to your mom like that. Yes, I can. She's a jackass. <laughs> Don't say that, man. She'll hit you. No, she won't. She's not allowed to. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about, man? My parents hit me. Yeah, well, next time they try it, you tell them to fuck off. Are you sure? <laughs> Trust me, it works for me. So I went home. For the last time. I walked in the house, my dad goes, Russell, come and do the dishes. 
fuck you, Dad. What the hell did you say to me? Do I look like Ryan's mom? Somebody gonna get a hurt real bad. That was my dad's threat. Right before he beat me. Every single time. Oi, Russell. Somebody gonna get a hurt real bad. I hated that threat. You know why? Because he'd always say somebody. He'd never tell you it was you. I mean, you knew it was you. But he'd give you this hope. Oi, Russell. Somebody gonna get a hurt real bad. Somebody. I'm not gonna say who. Oh, I think you might know him very well. I'm in the back praying. I hope it's my brother, man. Please. I saw that little brat Ryan at school a few days later. I was like, yo, your little plan almost got me killed. All right, back on the Mixed Martial Arts Hour. As I said before we went uh, to the break, I am so excited about this one. It's, uh, it's, it's not too often that we get very, very famous people to <laughs> stop by the studio who also happen to be big MMA fans. And this is a great pleasure for me as a fan of comedy, but more importantly, as a fellow Canadian, we have the one and only Russell Peters in studio, there he is, hey, right there. If you're clapping, we can't hear you. <laughs> that is true. Should I organize my mic? I feel like I'm sitting awkwardly. No, well, you just talked to oh, me. Is that what you wanted to do? Yeah, okay, yeah. Good. Is, his, his, is his mic on, Will? Yeah, I, th I think I hear myself. You do hear yourself? Let me just adjust me. Hold okay. On. There we go. How's that? That's better, right? Yeah. Well, I barely hear myself, I think. Well, it's not so... Do you not want to wear the cans? I'm not a big can fan. Okay. I'm going to go this way. Well, look at your hair. That's why I got... I, you know, I got... You have... You have to shave your forehead to get a hairline, first <laughs> that of all. Is true. I, I'm trying to pull as far forward as I can. I so when I get the tip going, I can't put headphones on. It'll flatten my tip. What is that called, by the way? I don't know. It, it, I don't know. It's, it's called it hanging on for dear life is what I call it. How long it. have you been, you been rocking it for a while? For a long time, buddy. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 44. I'm trying to just keep what I got. Uh, You're if, never going to go bald. If I lose hair, if I have a receding hairline, it'll just be a normal hairline. Yeah, yeah. Especially with the widow's peak. Like, it's bad enough yeah, that you're, it's... Yeah, it's crazy, your thing. And then you grow a beard just to, what, to encompass your face well, further? Well, because it's so hairy up here, if I didn't have anything here, it would look a little weird. You think? Is that what you think? Yeah. What do you think? Get rid I don't, of it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you just got very little skin left <laughs> on your face. I got the nose. Hey, it's me too, up. buddy. Um, we should I, call this the MMA nose cast. Well, there it is right there. Hawani nose. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. It's true. Um, I got to say, I am shocked at how easy it was to get you on the show. Well, I, you know, I'm a fan of this show, actually. Don't lie. I, I am. I, I'm a fan of this show. Really? And I watch you on uh, Fight Network in Canada yeah, yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And, uh, and I'm, you know, so, um, you know, for me, I'm like... Really? I could be on the show that I watch? Okay, I'm into that. Yeah. By the way, we haven't been on the Fight Network for like two, three years, just to let hey, you know. You know, I, well, I watched it when I, I don't live there anymore. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so I can't, I can't hate on you for that. But it was so easy to get you on. You remind me of Stone Cold Steve Austin, because uh, I was trying to book him, you know, not that long ago, and he came in studio. He was sitting right there. Mm -hmm. I was like, this, is, this, this shouldn't be this difficult. And then I deal with some of these low-level fighters with all due respect, and it's so freaking difficult oh, to get them on. Oh, I know what you mean, yeah. And look at you, just yeah. texting, yeah, I'll stop by the studio. I didn't even know you were in New York. I just yeah, wanted I, to I the literally phone. got in this morning. Okay. And I was like, <laughs> can you swear on this? Go ahead, go nuts. Well, I've heard Mayhem swear on this. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it's true. Hi, Jay. 
Um, his uh, shirt right there, Lucky Patrick, <laughs> in honor of that moment. I um uh, yeah no I I what was I? oh yeah no I woke up today I was fucking got in at like six in the morning so oh really like, from where like, shit from Boston I drove in you actually so drove I did five shows this weekend right. there and then I drove in after the last show last night and the almost famous tour almost famous tour you drive yourself well it was me and some of my friends. But, uh, but I like driving, so I drove. Guy of your stature, no bus? I'm a control freak. I need to drive. You're the actual driver. I drove. Wow. No tour bus, nothing? Nah. Um, December 11th, you're in New York. Madison MSG. Square Garden. Unbelievable. The full garden. The Mecca. Yeah. I'm going to be in full guard. <laughs> but, but before, you're going to Indianapolis. You have some shows, I think, in Pennsylvania before. Yeah, yeah I, got, uh, I got Philly and Bethlehem this weekend in Pennsylvania, then Indiana. But, so why are you here? Why are you in New York? You right know, now? I got. I, I thought I was going to do press, and then when you came around, I was like, "Okay, that's press. I'll do that." There you go. And well, then I thought I was going to do press, and then it was like, "Oh, everybody shut down for Thanksgiving." All right, <laughs> not much to do. I didn't want to fly back to L.A. Right, and then have to fly out on Thanksgiving. So I was like, "Fuck it, I'll just stay here." Well, I'm happy you're here. Me uh, too. A lot of people might not know you're a huge UFC fan. Yes, you're a huge combat sports fan. But I say huge UFC fan, perhaps. That's uh, that should be. You were a huge UFC fan because I saw an interview that made some headlines recently. You were on a radio show, I believe. Did it make Sirius. headlines? Oh, it made headlines in our sport. Yeah. Oh wow. What you were we? saying that you kind of predicted. You thought that the the UFC would uh, kind of oversaturate itself, and I, you're seeing I, I, that I did, right now. I you're called, having a tough I called, time. I called that yeah a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah. So you you feel that now? It's it's hard to follow the sport. It really is hard to follow the sport, and, and I'm a fan. You know what I mean? I think the problem is that. UFC made it about their name as opposed to the fighters. And, you know, I think that that worked in the beginning, the rebranding, and that really saved and created a genre. But much like Pride, I loved Pride. Pride was my favorite. And then, you know, when UFC starts buying stuff and then getting rid of it, I'm like, well, you know, that's just monopolizing a sport that doesn't need to be monopolized. There's enough for it to go around. You mm -hmm. don't need to be the only guy in town. And then, because that what they're doing is, and they they shouldn't have bought Pride and Strike Force and then just eliminated them. They should have kept them. And then instead of USC Fight Night, they could have had Pride Night or you know Strike Force. And then you know it gives you some sort of scope and then puts UFC at a higher level. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? These are our lesser ones. Here's the big one. But if you call everything UFC, then I'm like, well, well. Somebody was like, did you catch fights last week? And I go, what fucking fights? I didn't even know there was fights. But if you were, let's say you're the owner of the UFC, don't you want to be the, the only man standing? You do want to be the only man standing. But if you own them all, does it really matter? Right. You're still the only man standing. So it's, it's, for, it's, it's more for people's, you know, it's for perception, really. Perception's everything. Uh, so you've attended events. You, uh, of course, you, you, you have a lot of friends in the sport and all that. Do you just not watch anymore? Is it, is, no, I, well, right lately because I've been working. Sure, I, sure. I, and I'm a boxing fan, number one, before anything. Above. I'm a boxing fan. Yes. Okay. Because I boxed amateur for yeah, nine we'll years that, in Canada. Yeah. So um, boxing's always number one for me. And even Dana will say boxing's number one for him. Yeah. And, you know, I have nothing personal with Dana. Like, those guys are really nice to me, and I, I really like those guys. I just wish they would, you know... I I'm I was such a pride fan. I was so upset when it went away. More so than UFC. Yeah, Why? it was just it was a little bit more hardcore as far as I was concerned. You know. Would you actually stay up late to watch it in the middle? Oh of yeah, night? hell yeah, really. Yeah. Favorite pride fight? Oh, they were they would probably be a crow cop fight if mm -hmm. anything. Yeah. Just was he your guy? He was my guy in pride. Yeah, crow cop, and then there was that one. I think it was Hal for Henzo. Yeah. Who uh, he remember he fought the Japanese guy Sakuraba. I don't think it was no. When he broke the guy's arm, was it? it was Sakuraba. When he broke Sakuraba's arm, Sakuraba broke his arm. No, there was a fight where Hal Forhenzo 
broke the the guy's arm okay. in in the pride fight. I can't remember which fight it was. It was like so, it was like some sort of really uh, uh, contentious affair. Yes, of course. And uh, I guess that he had insulted the Gracies, and in the fight, they, uh, one of the Gracies got him in an arm bar, snapped the arm. You saw the arm just go swell <laughs> sideways, and then when the ref jumped in, stopped it. It was either Halford Hens or one of them. One of the guys whose name starts with R and pronounced with an H yes. <laughs> uh, gets up and stomped him in the face. Oh, yes. And then walked away. Yeah, that was Henzo. That's, that was yeah, Henzo. He, yeah. Known for his fiery attitude. I, yeah. I, 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 I thought of Sakuraba Henzo because they just competed in Man yes. Morris. Yeah, on Saturday. This past week. Again, I wanted to go to that, but, you know. You like I, that? I, I do. I, I, I used to watch the Abu Dhabi championships right. back in the day. You trained jiu jitsu as well. I did, yeah, with Carlos Newton and, yeah. and, uh, and, and those guys in Canada. But do you feel like. Like jujitsu will only reach a certain point as far. Well, as yeah, I mean, well, if you're a jujitsu fan, for me to watch Metamorphs is nice, right? Because you know, I'm watching it. And I'm like, ooh, yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't always have to be about striking. You know. So okay, so I don't know how much you follow these days. Of course, UFC is UFC, but there's an organization called Bellator. I know Bellator. They're trying. I to like s- Bellator. They're recreating a bit of the pride feel with the <laughs> ramp and all. Do you see their last? They're doing show all with that, TOTs. and and you know what they are doing? They're taking all the name fighters from UFC that yeah. UFC is cutting, and. I think that's a mistake that you're cutting these guys. You know what I mean? Because you're letting Bell- what you're doing is enabling Bellator to come up more because these are names people know. Mm-hmm. If you're not a huge MMA fan, you're not going to know who Johnny Hendricks is or Ben Rothwell mm. or you know what I mean or Anthony Pettis. You're not going to know these names, but you know the Tito Ortizes, you know the Chuck Liddells, you know the Rampage Jacksons. At some point, you have to evolve, though. You have to evolve, you have but to these guys. Stars. But that's the thing. This gives them the power to evolve, right? And so, then they had the women's championships. Yes. That uh, Zoila Frosto won. Yes. And, and that was then Bellator. The, yeah. And, and then they got rid of it. Zoila, by the way. <laughs> you know, a couple people were saying uh, they've see seen. See what you, I did there. See what I did there. They, they've seen you canoodling with her. Uh, I do. And I, that Zoila is a. Fraternizing. She's a very sexy woman. What happened? Was, don't was, look at her when she's in the ring. You got to see her outside the ring. Yeah, Even well, when I see her in the ring, I'm like, damn, I don't want that picture. You kick my ass. So, what's the story here? She came to a show of yours a couple weeks ago? She came to a show of mine. Did you know her before? No. Okay. No. And then what happened? But I, I, I didn't know she was a fighter even when she walked in. I was like, I said to my friend, I was like, who is that? <laughs> and he was like, Zoila uh, Frosto. Never heard of her before? I, you know, I no, hadn't. Wow. You should have just lied right now, by the way. I know, I should have, but I'm not, I, I'm not a liar. Yeah. I can't lie. Even when I got here, a lady goes, why are you late? Terrific? I go, no, I left late. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so, so you meet her, and I'm, then what happens? I was, quite, I was, quite, I was quite smitten Smitten's when I met really? her. She's very lovely. Are you guys, like, more than friends now? No, I wish we were, but, uh, you know. Where was the it, show? I always say it's like a 12-round fight. You know, you got to. You got to. Go, I'm not going in for the knockout. I'm, I'm jabbing my way in. I haven't even thrown the right hand yet. Is this the first round? Yeah, I think this is the first or second round. Um, She's where, a really sweet girl. Where though. was this? Uh, in the Bay, in the Bay Area. Okay. And you're, you're, you're available? I'm very available. She's yeah. available as well? As I did, I, you know, I hope. As you didn't, far, didn't even get to that point. I, I mean, I, I mean. I didn't really want to get all up in her business. Sure. You know, I don't want to be like, so. Because I know she was married at one time to that, that I know, and I think that, I don't think that's existing anymore. Okay. Yeah, I don't keep up a lot with this stuff. Yeah, me neither, me neither. Sure but if, if, if that was the case, I'm sure she would have told me. How do you feel about dating? I mean, you're a former fighter yourself. Dating a fighter, though. You're I, see, here's the thing. I wouldn't say I'm a former fighter. I would just say I'm a guy who trained. Amateur fighter. You've, yeah, but I, I look at guys that are fighters and go, sure. oh, no, that guy's a fighter. You won't call I, I trained. I, I, I was in the gym. You've I was more. in the gym with fighters. Sure. But I was not, you know, I'm not the guy. Like, you'll see the fighters are the guys that are going to wake up at 5 in the morning and go run. I was the guy that was like, I'll go and train when I have time. Well, because from what I understand, your 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 coach at the time, and where did you train? You trained in Brampton. I trained. I boxed in Brampton. Yeah, right. I trained with uh, Dwight Fraser, 
Um, I trained with everybody. Troy Ross. He tried to set you up for some uh, amateur fights. You just didn't show up. Yeah, I didn't show up. Why? Scared? I, I, was, I don't like competition. But how did you get to the point to where this is booked and then you don't show up? Like, you had to get to a certain point mentally to say, all right, I'm going to take this fight. Well, I, I was 15. You okay. know what I mean? I didn't even know that there was any... I thought it was just like, uh, Russell, go fight that guy. Yeah. And I didn't know there was like a whole thing behind it. You know, you're a kid. You know nothing about the sport. You, you, you just went to train. My friend was a fighter and... And he was like, and I was getting beat up in school for being a small kid with a big mouth. <laughs> and then uh, I was like, my dad was like, you should go and learn to defend yourself. And my it was dad his used, idea. My yeah, my dad boxed in India. Really? Yeah. Back then, it was compulsory in boarding school that you you boxed. Wow. So, and he was he would he I'm not making this up. He was the paperweight champion <laughs> of his <laughs> well, well, of his boarding that? school. I don't I don't know. It was, I think it was like 100 pounds or something. I was thinking like 50. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but. But I remember when I, I, my dad met George Travallo one night. My dad was a little drunk. <laughs> and my dad meets George Travallo and goes, let me shake the big man's hand. I was the paperweight <laughs> champion of India. And I'm like, oh, my God. And Travallo didn't know me at the time. And he went, like, he looked at my dad like, who is this guy? So you, you, you actually get in there. And I'm wondering, like, you know, like, if I have to be somewhere and I don't show up, it's mm -hmm. a crummy feeling. You know what I mean? Like, if I was I, 15. So you don't even recall? No, because like what I did was I, um, I was training every day, and my coach was like, hey, you know what? I like this. I'm going to get you a fight in two weeks. Really? And then I didn't come back to the gym for three weeks. Okay. So enough time passed. <laughs> yeah. I, so he didn't see me for those two weeks coming up. <laughs> right. And then I waited a week after, and then I came back. And he goes, what happened? I go, ah. And then... He did it again, and I did it again, and then he got the idea. Did you ever spar? But then he would spar, make me spar with guys right. as punishment. And against some of the bigger guys, too, right? Yeah, because I was 147 back right. then. Some of the heavyweights? Yeah, he, would make me, he made me spar with a guy named Larry in my gym one time who was a heavyweight. And he goes, Russell, Larry's sparring didn't show up. Go. And I go, are you fucking I'm 147, <laughs> maybe 150 at the time. Larry is a heavyweight, and he's a big, huge Jamaican guy who, who, who had a bad attitude. Everybody and I had cool? a big mouth. <laughs> Did he know this? Oh, he knew that. Oh, Larry really? wanted to get me oh, in God. the ring. So Larry, they, I go, I'm not, I'm not, no, fuck that. And John, my coach was like, no, nah, he's going to work on defense. And I oh. go, yeah, you sure? <laughs> so I get in the ring with him. And I start getting over on him a little bit. I'm like, wow, 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 wow. And then, uh, and then I was like, Larry, you're really slow. <laughs> and then he just, bam, right in my body. And oh. I was <laughs> Ever been knocked out cold? Not cold, but I know what Queer Street feels like. Okay. And I don't mean that in the gay way. Right, 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 right. Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with that, but I had my legs all jelloy before. So you say nine years. Why'd you stop? Well, I say nine years, but really it must have been about... It was about three solid years. And then the next six were like less and less and less okay. and less until I didn't go anymore. And then about four years ago, I started training again in L.A. with my... Uh, in with, boxing? Yeah, with boxing again. Okay. Because I think after at 44 now, I, it's not a good idea to go back to jiu-jitsu. Your, your joints aren't going to... If you stop with jiu-jitsu, I don't think it's a good thing to go back to. So as a boxing guy, how did you get into jiu-jitsu? Well, a friend of mine, comedian Ron Jossel, do you know him? Mm. Filipino guy. Very, very funny okay. guy. He, uh, he knew jiu-jitsu. He was training with Carlos and Omar and these guys in, in, in Canada. And, and he was at my house one day, and he was like, Hey, can you teach me how to punch? And I go, Yeah. I go... I go, why? He goes, because I need to know how to strike. I don't know how to strike. I do jujitsu. And I go, let me tell you something about your little jujitsu. <laughs> I go, you're never going to get past this. And I'm shooting jabs at him. And he, and he slipped it, 
And OJ's oh, there we go. Story of my life. Yeah. This has never happened to me before, guys. So, uh, someone's gonna come fix that because I don't know what to do. I'm just gonna I, hold. I know what to do. For, you know what to do? Yeah. Look at you. No. No. no we got a guy here. His specialty is the mic. There you go. You think? That'll work. He's Your guy's anyway. not here. So yeah, there he is. There he is. William. Just um, to make sure it doesn't happen Yeah, again. so Ron um, Ron got me in an arm bar within a few seconds, and I didn't know about tapping. Uh-oh. So he's cranking my arm, like, and I'm screaming. Like, there's tears coming out of my eyes. I'm like, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> you had never seen anything? Gracie's anything? No, I had, but I didn't know. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd been watching you Ultimate Fighting Championships right, back right, then, right. but... Still, a tapping didn't occur to me because yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm not in an octagon right now. And so there he is. doing a great job. There's our it. guy, Will. Oh, wait. But, Will, his thing is working, right? Uh, his mic is working because I don't hear him in my ear. I just hear him through that. But it's working for the people, right? Are you sure? Okay. We're getting a read? Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Um, so then you decide to actually go train. Yeah, then I was like, you must teach me this. Wow. But it took me about six months for my arm to heal. Wow. What, what he, did he, he do? I heard he, yeah, it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a regular arm bar. Wow. And I, like a ligament strain or something? Yeah, yeah. It was like I could hear it going. Oh, my gosh. I was like, ugh. Did you ever consider then like getting into MMA? Did you ever want to fight no. there? No. It was just for No, fun. those are real tough guys. W were you already established as far as your, as your work? As comedy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, was already, I had already had two specials in Canada. And you didn't have to. Yeah. And I'd stopped boxing, I think, already by five years or four years already by then. Were you one of those guys who, because, you know, a few years ago, it was very in vogue to say... UFC is bigger than boxing, MMA is bigger I than... I hated when people said that because I'm like, no, it's not the case. Right. It's popular right now, but you have to understand boxing has been around forever. Right. And there's far more money to be made in boxing. And I think UFC or MMA could, could have come up if the fighters made more money. Mm -hmm. But I think everybody's underpaid. In MMA? Yeah. UFC in particular? I, I think a lot of guys are underpaid. You know these guys. I do. Some of them personally. I know some They've of them. told you this? Uh, no, I mean, they're pretty happy with what they're making, but they don't know really any better. Sure. And you, when you look at like, a, you know, like how is Floyd Mayweather, I mean, not how, but Floyd Mayweather's making over $100 million a year. Mm. If he fights plus, twice, yeah, yeah. If he fights right. twice, I mean, that's crazy. Right. But he's a very rare case. Absolutely. But again, I mean, there's lesser fighters making still $50 million. I mean, it was, a, it was crazy when Lennox Lewis had amassed $100 million over his career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if Lennox was around now, he'd be making shitloads of money. Yeah. I mean, Lennox is around, but he's not He's not going to fight again. I, I, he's a good friend of mine. You I'm know him personally? Very well, yeah. Lennox, to me, is one of the best combat sportsmen, if you want to call him that, of the of the last 50 years, because he went out on top. He did. And, and, and he's he lured to come back mm -hmm. said no. Yeah, he's got three kids now. He's he's good. You know what I mean? He has no desire to fight. But it would be fun to see him fight Klitschko. I, I would, it would have been great, but I know him very well. He's like, I don't need that. Yeah. Well, I think his last fight was against Vitaly. It was against Vitaly. And he saw... He saw... Yeah, you saw... If, if, he didn't, if Vitaly didn't get that cut, right. it could have ended badly for Len. Yeah. Um, okay, so back to the boxing, because it's interesting that we have you here now. Manny Pacquiao fought on Saturday. Did Which watch, I missed. You missed that. Why? Look at because you. Because I was doing Come two on. shows. I had two shows. It's a bit of a cop-out. Yeah, I, I mean, you call yourself yeah. a fan. I know. You call yourself a fan, but if you think work is more important... <laughs> you didn't miss much, though. No, I, you know, I, I was, I was uh, pleasantly surprised... By Manny, I for, I for some reason you thought Algeria I, was going to win. I, I, you know, I just had that weird thing in my head where I was like, 
uh, I think Algieri might surprise him because mm. you know I was given his his height and sure. this being a more a natural weight for him, but then apparently it wasn't a natural weight for him because he couldn't even make weight. Sure, yeah, you know. So you still follow everything? That's interesting to me. Um, more boxing though. I mean, like if I tell you who's fighting in two weeks in the UFC, you won't even know. Tell me who. Well, I'm asking you. Do you know? In, on December six. Yeah. Oh, there's a, that's a good card, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, isn't uh, DC fighting on that card? No, that's January 3rd. Oh, he is fighting yeah. Johnny. Okay. No, DC's fighting... Wait, did you say DC? Yeah. Daniel Dan- Cormier. Yeah, yeah. He's fighting John Jones. Yeah. Oh, Johnny. I was thinking Johnny Hendricks. Johnny Hendricks fighting Robbie Lawler. That Anthony I know. Pettis fighting Gilbert Melendez. Yes, and Gil's a good friend of you mine. You know him, yes. Yeah, I was talking to Gil last week, and I was like, come on, come to my show. I can't, man. I'm in training. I was like, well, he's focused, buddy. I, I Pettis, I, I'm sorry, buddy. I think you're in trouble. Really? <laughs> I think you're in trouble that night, because Gil's... Gil, well, I think Gil, first of all, I think Gil, Gilbert got ripped off when he fought uh, Benson the first time. Mm-hmm. I was so mad at that decision because it was, you know, that was I, that was clearly. Sure. There wasn't like, you know, well, it could have. No, that was clearly Gilbert's fight. Very controversial. Yes. He's, he's getting another crack. You seem to be buddies with the, the Bay Area guys. Jake Shields, Jake, Gilbert, Kung Lee, of Kung course. Lee, why Kane. those guys? Yeah, why is that? You're not a Bay Area I, guy. I, I'm not a Bay Area guy. It's funny. I don't know how this is. Jake and I became friends in Vegas. Um we just partied together one night. Randomly? We, yeah, we just ended up hanging out at uh, XS. I don't know how we got introduced, and uh, we've been friends ever since. He did Metamorphs on Saturday. Did you know Yes, that? I know. He, the uh, secret know, match. He, he told me he was doing it. Oh. But I forgot that he told <laughs> okay. me. He was like, hey, are you going to be in L.A. on the, on, on, the, on this November, whatever the date was? And I go, nah, shit, I'm in Boston. Oh, man, I'm fighting on the Metamorphs undercard. I go, what? It was secret. Yeah. You didn't spill the beans. I didn't spill the beans. You're a good friend. Yeah. You know, I I think the first time I ever spoke to you was uh, obviously on Twitter, although you claim that we met in person. It was very brief. I saw you, and I was like, hey. I big-time you. You did. He did big-time me. He did big-time In me. L.A.? Uh, no, it might have been Vegas. Okay. Well, I apologize. I, 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 I understood. It wasn't like, you know, you sunned me. Right. It was just a shitload of people coming at you at one time, and... And you get a lot of the, hey, hey, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very popular backstage. Yeah, you are. You're, yeah. The kids like you. Yeah. Um, but I recall talking to you about the Kung Lee-Rich Franklin fight yes. on Twitter. Yes. That was a big fight for him. You're a good friend of Kung Lee. Kung is one of my best friends, actually. Best friends, really? One of my best Not friends. Not just best friend in combat sports, just best friend, period. One of my best friends, yeah. One of my closest friends. I've been trying to get him on this show for quite some time. Really? Because he's had some... Want to call him? Oh, no, fantastic. he's in Hong Kong right now. I, I've been t- I was speaking to his manager a bit. You know, he, Gary? He, Gary, yes. Yeah. Gary Barra. Great guy. Um, he's had some stuff happen recently. Yes. Controversy. Yes, he has. What was your take on all of that? Um, I was really... Um, I, I know him very well, and I know his training habits. And when they pulled all that shit, I was like, this is... I, like, that was the first time I actually became a little disillusioned with, with that. Okay. Because, you know, when you're on the outside... And you don't know what's happening. Like, oh, this guy, can you believe him? Right. But then having known him and know how, I knew how hard he was training for that fight. And he was, you know, he's at my house at training sometimes. And, and, and I was like, man, he's, he's like, I, I really thought Kung was going to beat the shit out of Bisping in that fight. And his physique looked phenomenal. And I think he was that's in great shape. A he lot went people, on this crazy diet. Right. And, you know, and people were like, oh, he's on uh, whatever, he's on HGH and he's on. HIV, whatever the hell they've given him, but <laughs> yes. but but it was just like no, he's not. I saw how hard he was training for this fight. So what was he, you know, what what was he saying? What was he thinking when this was happening? Because for a time he was, he was Kung Lee, the drug user, right? Yeah. Since then he's been exonerated. Yeah. He took away, but he's I mean, still hurt from it. He he is. Fit, he's, he's he's pissed off, and I don't blame him. 
because this is a this is something he really wanted to be in and be a part of. And then when they let him in, they shit on him, kind sure. of. You know what I mean? And he's like, "What the fuck? I didn't do this." Do you think he ever fights again? I feel like this could be it for him. I uh, I want to talk out of pocket. Sure. I don't want him to fight again. Why? I didn't I didn't like what happened to him in his last fight. You know, when you're friends with the guy, and you see some one of your friends get beat up like that, you're okay. like, I, I I don't want that to happen to you again. Um, but I mean, I, I won't say he's not going to fight again or he will fight again, but anything's possible. What about what happened afterwards? Like, did that turn you off to the point where you're like, you know what, man, you're a movie star. You don't need this. Well, stuff. that's exactly. I called him right after the fight. And I said, listen, we're spo- him and I are supposed to do a movie together. I go, let's can we just focus on the movie now? <laughs> Enough with this. Just stay in shape and we'll, we'll do the movies. And what do you say? He said, yeah, brother. But then, you know, you hear the talks. Through the through the grapevine and sitting around him, I'm like, "What are you doing, man? Don't do this." And and to to lose the Bisping of all people, right? All the smack. Well, you know, I, I you know I think Bisping plays that up sure. obviously for the camera. Yeah. Which you know we need a villain, and um, but I mean he fought a good fight. What are you gonna do? What's this movie you're talking about with him? It's a buddy buddy cop. Really? Movie. Yeah. You and him. Yeah. Is it, I know you said you, you've wanted to be in Rush Hour, right? That's like kind of a thing that you wanted? I've always wanted to be in Rush Hour. Is this your version told, of Rush saw, Hour? Yeah, basically, right? <laughs> I told Chris Tucker, he's a friend of mine, I was like, Chris, let me be in the next one. Would you please just give me a fucking roll? Is there a next one? I think there might be a four. Really? What's up with Chris Tucker, by the way? Does he only do Rush Hour movies? <laughs> right. No, he was in that uh, Silver Linings playbook. Oh, he was. And he's been in some other movies I feel like since. he could have had a bigger career. Uh, he had a great career. Remember that movie with Charlie Sheen? Yeah, Money Talks. Money Talks was great. And then he just did Rush Hour and then waited six years next Rush Hour. Yeah, but he got $25 million a he picture. Did, yeah. You know what I mean? What, what are you going ru- to rush into? Are you guys cops in this movie? I think uh, something like that. You don't want to talk about no, it? No, no, I, I'm, just, I'm not sure because the script keeps changing. Okay. I'm not sure if we're cops or if we're on private duty or if he's looking after me or if I'm, you know what I mean? Is this your first big movie? Uh, no, I've done some films before. But, like, I wouldn't say the, it's a big movie, but yeah. it's going to be a, it's a... I think it's going to be fun. Definitely it's going to be fun. Is it like a big Hollywood blockbuster, big studio, all I don't that? Think, I don't think we're going to get studios behind us. What is going on here with this? I mean, I find your story to be I'm so I'm almost fa- famous. Yes, hence the name of the tour. Almost famous, buddy. It's fascinating to me. It, it, it's, it's, like I said, Forbes, third highest paid uh, comedian last year. By the way, the year's coming up. Where are you on that list? Did you go up? Uh, I'll still be on the list. I think I might be a little lower because uh, I had some time off. Okay. Does that you know. piss you off? No, no, no. I was writing an act, and right, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. Sure, but so it's funny because people were looking like, "Oh, you didn't make the money again." I go, "No, you have to work. You have to stop. Sure, right, and then get back up." Like training for a fight, you yeah. go away for a little bit, yeah, and then you get the payday. But all that being said, um, tremendous year last year. You've sold out all these arenas, and yet, you know, never been on Letterman. Never been on Letterman. Never been on Stern. Never been on Stern. You've been on the MMA Hour, though. That's that's the most important one, really. That's a big deal. It's true. But do you feel like there's a reason for this? Like other than the, I, I, You know, here's what I think the reason is. Um, <clears throat> in this industry, it's, I don't like crying racism ever. And mm. I'm not going to say it's racism so much as it is one-ism. They only let one at a time. And it's the same thing that black people had to go through and before. They would mm. let one. There was one black actor. You're allowed to have one. You're allowed to have one black actress. I like to have one black comedian. That's it. One. That's it. We don't care if there's others. We're just gonna <laughs> we're gonna focus on one, guys. Right. All right. And uh, even though I'm the first one, I've been doing this 25 years. Yes. I'm the first. Who's in, the other? There's others, but you know that as successful as you. Uh, 
I don't know what they define success. They're more famous, maybe, but hmm. I don't know. If there's, I mean, and they're successful. It's not like they're not successful. Sure. But but I'll get told stuff like just recently. This is kind of a funny story. It was my publicist called the New York Times because I'm playing the Madison Square Garden again. And Sold out. Uh, it will be. I hope okay. so. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Please come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Help me sell this bitch out. <laughs> um, but uh, my publicist calls New York Times and is like, hey, Russell Peters is playing Madison Square Garden again. He sold out the Barclays Center. He was the third artist in there, the first comedian. He sold out Radio City Music Hall twice. He sold out the Beacon Theater twice. He's played the Apollo. He's done all these things in the city. Uh, I think it'd be great if you guys do a piece on it. And he's, you know, t- he sells out the whole world. And sure. he's in your city. And, and they said, sorry, we just did an article on Aziz in uh, October. So mm. I'm like, what does that have to do with me? Yeah. Uh, so, because you wrote about one brown guy? I mean, so you're not going to write about Spielberg and... Right. and Ron Howard. And, and No, no, Ron Howard's not a Jew. Oh, yeah. oh okay, that's what you're you not going to write about Spielberg or the Weinsteins in the right. same week? Because that doesn't make any sense. You can't just make it they about one person. They actually said that. Yeah. Do you know Aziz Ansari? Yeah. That's who, I was guessing that's who you were referring to when you said the one. But you've yeah. been around a lot longer than him. Yeah, but I mean, it's like high school, you know? If you're not the popular kid, you're not the popular kid. What? I mean, you're. That's the thing. People like almost famous. What are you talking about? You're on the Forbes. I go. I never said it's called almost successful. Uh, it's called almost famous. That's true. And I've noticed. Cause I know you've talked about this before with a lot of big outlets. Um, it, it, it feels to me like it, it bothers you. To, it does bother me to yeah. a certain degree because, I mean, you know, Aziz Aziz is great at what he does, and he does what he does. But what we do doesn't overlap each other. It's sure. not, all they got focused on was he's brown. You're brown. That's enough. Our acts are nothing alike each other. You know, he's got his own different crowd than mine. It's, it's not like you know he's stealing from my people sure. and I'm stealing from his people. It's just, you know, it's it's, it's like you know saying, oh, we can't write about Vanderlei Silva because we just <laughs> wrote about N- Noguera. You know right. what I mean? Well, what does that have to do? Ah, they're both Brazilian. You know, that's it's, amazing. It's 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 that kind of mentality that irritates me. What do you think of his act? Are you a fan of his? I mean, it's not. I don't think it's for me. It's for a younger audience, and I'm I'm an older guy. He's a younger guy. Is there anyone, uh, as far as your act is concerned, that you feel like is you know on your level, or do you feel like you're number one? No, I I, I think if you start feeling like you're number one, you should probably quit. Really? Yeah, you never ever feel like you're better than anybody in this. Uh, but your con- your confidence must be. My confidence is very high. Right. But look at you in 2004, you know, those clips and whatnot. I mean, you, 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 you seem like a different guy on stage. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that you got to figure that was 10 years ago. Yeah, it's and, amazing. And I was, you know, in my early 30s. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm now I'm, a, I'm divorced. I'm a father. I, I've lived life. It's incredible. I've, I've made money. Things, have, things, are, things are considerably better and different. What I love about your story, though, it's, it, and I know a lot of it happened before the YouTube, and you know, everyone, everyone, everyone has talked about this, how your, the clips were uploaded and, and all that, and, and then you really made it. I kind of feel like a lot of us who have been watching you for a while kind of watched you grow up in front of our eyes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you're kind of like the people's comedian in this that's, sense. That's exactly how I feel. I yeah. feel like Larry Holmes. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Larry Holmes was a champ for seven years. He was 49 and 0. <laughs> And he never got an endorsement deal. It's amazing. And he never got, uh, you know, people don't really know who he is. Well, if you're not a fight fan, really. And uh, it's one of those situations where it's like, well, what did he have to do? But he, fought, he was following Muhammad Ali. Right. And he was the prelude to Mike Tyson. So, you know, there, somehow he became the interim guy. So is that what you're striving for now? To that, not be Larry Holmes? No. Well, 
that acceptance because you've done no, everything else. No, I mean, else. here's the thing. Yeah, it'll bo- it'll bother me, but uh, what am I going to do? Complain about it? I mean, I no, still no one wants to hear I'm that. I'm still right? yeah. I, I don't want to hear about sure. it. Sure. If I watched an interview of me complaining about oh, you know, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. But it's fascinating. It it, it it's for me. It's like a Rubik's cube. Sure. You're like, what do I got to do to? Can I just peel these stickers off and put them on the right, right side? You know what I mean? It's one of those situations where it's like a puzzle to me. And it's not like I don't feel like it's going to happen. It's just a question of when it happens. I want to be able to look at all those outlets and go, go fuck yourself. Right. Do you remember that time? I do. You know? So, but, but like after you sell out MSG and Barclays Center and O2 Arena and Air Canada Center, yeah. what's, the, what, what's the end goal? The end goal is to... You know, game do, that acceptance, uh, well, right? Well, there, no. The, my, for That's me, it was always been I wanted to do movies and TV and stuff, and uh, like I said, your own sitcom. I don't know if I want to do my own sitcom anymore. I, I you did I at one th- point. I, I did. I had a few deals and 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 some really good ideas, and then they just never came to fruition. But now you look at TV, and TV kind of sucks. You know what I mean? We live in a world where uh, one-hit wonders are king, and uh, and reality people are famous sure. for nothing. So. We live in a world where people are famous for no talent, and uh, and the talented people are not famous enough. So, what what kind of TV show? I don't know. I, I think I'd rather do films. In all fairness. Oh, you're done with TV now. For for uh, for the most part, I think it doesn't really excite me. And unless you went to do a straight Netflix thing or something, sure. You know what I mean, or HBO or Showtime, where they where they really let you speak like how people speak, because they got all these standards and practices, and you can't say this and we can't say that. And I'm like, ugh, I don't want to. It's so much for all your freedom of speech. Right, yeah. You know? When you have people go into these meetings with the big studios, mm-hmm. what kind of feedback do they get? Like, the numbers speak for themselves. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's the part that puzzles me. I'm like, I don't know what more I have to show you guys. Yeah. I mean, it, do you want, like, I, I think the problem is in America, they can't think outside of America. Mm. And, and that's one of the big problems in America is that America doesn't think about the rest of the world because they feel like they don't have to. That was true before, but now the whole world has changed. With the internet, people are looking for things. People need that change. And the rest of the world has always been focused on America, and the rest of the world pretty much emulates whatever America does. But now they're getting into their own thing, and America is like, oh, well. And I'm like, well, well, you could sell this to Asia. They don't have the money. I'm like, they have the money. You're just assuming they don't have the money. They may not have the same money that America has, for sure. But it's a sale is a sale. Right. Do you, would you rather they just bootlegged it for free or you made 10 bucks off it? Make the 10 bucks. How popular are you in India? India, yeah, very popular. You are. So, like, But you got to figure there's 1.3 billion people there. Sure. So, so even if, you know. But are there a lot of, you know, Indian comics as. as, as there are now. There are now. Yeah. It's because kinda, of you. I, I wouldn't say because of me, but maybe I. That are just there. Like they're local. Yeah, they just so started. You know, it's, it's all very new to them. So. Right. I may have been the guy that made them go. Oh, this is something we. It's possible for us to do now. But so you've been there, right? You've I've been there. Performed. Going back there in February. How, how many people you expect to have in the show in, in February? I think we do about eighteen thousand a night. It's or crazy. Something. It's crazy. It's yeah. Crazy. And then I go to Singapore, eighteen thousand, and so what about just doing Hong movies Kong, there? Eighteen thousand that are available there. Movies there because they're really bad movies. They are. <laughs> Can't you do your own <clears> spin on them? You can, can you revolutionize it? I'm. I'm. I'm trying to, but I. I it's one of those things where I wouldn't mind going there after I've done something here. Gotcha. But I don't want to go there and then come back, and it just feels it feels backwards to me. Bollywood. Hell no, never, never. Never? Never. Have you been approached? I've been asked a couple of times, and I was like, eh, I'm good, thanks. Why never? I don't like them. Why? That doesn't appeal to me. I don't like the singing and dancing. <laughs> That'd be amazing. And the bright colors and all. The colors are nice, but... 
It's it's a little it's a little too corny for me. Right. When you and I'm uh, the problem is I keep it real. Sure. And I that's not real enough for me. When you were growing up, you talk about your father a lot. Mm-hmm. Was he into that stuff? Oh God, no. That wasn't even allowed in our house. Really? Yeah. My mom would put on like the Indian Channel sometimes in the morning. <clears throat> They'd have like the Indian songs playing in the background. My dad would come in the room and shut the TV off. So she and, was into it. She was. She would try to. Okay. And my dad would shut the TV off. And she goes, "What are you doing? I'm watching that." He goes, "It sounds like cats crying." <laughs> and I'm like, well, "Yeah, go for it, Daddy." <laughs> uh, I, I know your father passed away mm-hmm. uh, several years ago. Is your is your mother still alive? Yep, she's in Canada still. How does she feel about your success? She's very happy. She gets to go to the casino whenever she wants. Does she watch everything? Does she like my mom <clears throat> is watching right now? She will watch all four hours of this show. Is Let me just apologize to your mom for no, her no. swearing. It was. Uh, it was your son. Uh, he told me his name is Ariel Kuskesh Halwani. I don't know what that means, but he said that means something nice. It's okay. She doesn't know what that means. She doesn't uh, speak uh, far. Aren't you Persian? No, I'm actually um, uh, Lebanese. She's Are you Lebanese? Yeah. Lebanese and Egyptian. And a Jew? And a Jew. How about that? Wow, how did that even happen? Does blow you, your mind right? I always, Canadian. Thought, I always thought you were Persian. No. Oh. Mom from Beirut, dad from Alexandria, born in Montreal. So your dad built the pyramids. He did. And your He's mom. one of the Jews, that's right, yes. Your mom bombed her own city. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you then you make this sort of concoction in your mind. But that, you'd have a field day with this, yeah. with this mix, right? Yeah, that's a lot of hummus and for I, one house. I, I, always, I, I pretty much bathed in hummus as yeah. a kid growing up. But I love when I tell people Lebanon, Egypt, and Jew, by the way, because it always blows their mind. Yeah, that's the, that's the part that gets me. You know, yeah. I figured if one was, but not... How do they even find each other? It's amazing. They actually ArabJews.com. They, <laughs> I wonder if that's around. Uh, if they can actually make a business off that. Um, they they met in Montreal. But the question I wanted to ask you was: Is it uh, is you know you seemed very close with your father? Accurate? Yep. 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 Um, is it hard to go through all this without him being able to enjoy it? No, because uh, I'm a spiritual person. Okay. I don't. Uh, uh, I yeah. I, f- I kind of feel like physically he's not there, but for some reason I feel like he's there. You know. You don't feel like he's missing out. No, I feel like he's sitting there right there with me, watching the whole thing. What would he say Every about time, no matter what I do, I'm like, huh? I still kind of look over my shoulder and go, how about that, Dad? Huh? Crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, did he envision this for you? Like, did he say, go out and be a comedian? No, or did he, want he you wanted to- me to just... Uh, he didn't want me to get my feelings hurt, because he had his feelings hurt when he moved to Canada. How so? He was... He, my dad was very articulate. Okay. Very, very, very articulate. And he was an English major, so... You know, just the jokes I've made about him are very inaccurate. They, he, didn't, he didn't speak like that. And he, really? And he spoke very well, and his English was very proper. Well, now you're blowing my world. I, I'm you not blowing broke... anything on you, Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> you just broke down the fourth wall. I have this, I this picture of your father speaking that way. I know, but... The hot dogs? It didn't happen? Uh, no, he did say hot dogs, but making fun of somebody, he said it. Ah. Did you hear that swine? He said hot dogs. <laughs> and then I would just say it around the house. <laughs> That's but amazing. We would just, I would just basically take the stories of, like, you know, we from Indian people that we knew and my friend's father and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is great. And I was like, well, it's not funny if I say my friend or this or that. And I was like, I'll make it my dad. Right. And, he and my, mind my being... dad would always tell me, I don't sound like that. Why do you make me sound like such an idiot? I'm not an imbecile. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. <laughs> so did it bother him being the butt of the joke? Is that no, he, he, he dug it. You know he what did. I mean? He, he liked it. He became famous as a result. He did. Yeah, he did. And my mom likes it now because I make fun of her on stage. Because there's new stuff happening. <clears throat> yeah. Is this stuff really happening, though? Uh, with my mom, yes. It is. Yes, with mom, it definitely happens. Um, Mom's a different animal than dad. Why so? You know, my dad was like the intellect and the uh, the really intelligent guy, the, the reader, the news watcher, 
the the the, the thinker, you know. And my mom's more like she's more like me, like more like oh well, we'll see what happens. Uh, did you think about that? I didn't think about <laughs> anything. <laughs> I've always wanted to ask you this: Who uploaded those clips? The clips I, that made I you famous. I really have no clue. You still all after all these years, to no one's day, taken ownership. To this day, I don't know. I feel like you owe that guy at least like McDonald's something. I if I uh, you know, but now it's one of those things where how do you prove that this sure. guy did well, it? Well, isn't there the account? I don't know. Did the account get taken down? Is it sure? You know, there's been other accounts uploaded since. You right. know, it's hard to say. But for someone to go, I almost feel like I believe in this stuff. I'm I'm spiritual myself. Yeah. I almost feel like there's an angel out there. This guy went out there and put your work. Well, this is well, this this is what I say is that I always say or a girl. I always say it was my dad because my dad passed away and then this happened. Wow. He passed away March fifteenth, two thousand four. And all this started changing around, like, June, wow. April, May, around there. And I was like, that's really too close. That gives me goosebumps. Yeah. It's pretty trippy. Wow. That's um, why I always feel like he's there with me and all these things. So you know, and I think if it wasn't the case, you know, I would have had one arena run, maybe. Right. You know? And, you know, I'm on my fourth arena run. So, you know, the Air Canada Center six times and the O2 Arena, I'll be playing it for the fifth time. Wow. You know what I mean? These are all very weird stats for me to even say. So even he, I'm like, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, or like Barclay Center, it was, UG, it was Jay-Z, Barbra Streisand, and you. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. That's it's, it's not a bad company to follow. I was under the impression that your dad saw a little bit of this. He actually no, saw none of none it. none of it. Wow. Yeah, like the new nation in Canada. None of it. <laughs> That's oh. right. Speaking of Canada, we were just talking about this earlier. I uh, I just came back from Canada. I was there uh, over the weekend for a wedding. For a hummus I, fest? Yes. <laughs> it, there was some I'm involved. surprised you're not a homosexual. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, no, no, guys? Nothing? Eh. Well, it's, it's a very I'd kick him in audience. his chickpeas right now, but I no? Nothing. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I long for the day when I can go back there, where I can have the same kind of living, do maybe this show there. Can't you? you? Didn't you used to? Uh, it's, it's not the same. No? Name one successful broadcaster in America who's living in Canada. Montreal, of all places. French-speaking Quebec. It's yeah, almost, I mean, you picked, the, you picked the, that part of Canada, first of all. And, uh, Toronto, maybe I have a shot. Yeah, I mean, Strombo. Although, I'm the biggest Strombo fan. I, mean, I am as well. Love him. You, you've been on the show. Love, I, I just love, I love interviewers. To he's me, great I, at it. And you're actually not bad at it yourself. Not bad? Yeah, no, you're very good at it. Well, you know, the thing is, is that I'm trying to, you know... If you, if you were shit at it, I wouldn't have been here. I appreciate and that. And we're not doing the uh, basic... Um, so, uh, okay, thank you. Uh, and what do you think about... Okay. And uh, I fucking it. hate that. Well, yeah, I don't write... Look at the right here. You see... Yeah, there's nothing. My, I don't write a single thing. Yeah, he's looking at porn. It's yeah. so weird. It's great, though. Yeah. It's very entertaining. Um he came over to the States. It, it didn't really work out for him. I think they didn't really give him a fair shake. They didn't. They put him on, like, Sunday night yeah, in the summertime He on should have taken Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. Yes. What's his name? Pierce? Uh, Mo- Morgan. Morgan Pierce. Yes. Pierce Morgan. Right? Yes. See, it, it, first of all, Pierce Morgan's not fun to look at. He's not. <laughs> he's, he sounds snide and smug when he's talking. I'm, I'm not a fan. He's British. Yeah, that's the Americans other problem. Don't. Yeah, and Americans, you don't need that. At least if you're going to have a Canadian, we can teach them to not say oot and house. Right. Huh. But you never long for going back to Canada, the simple life, the clean life, nice people. You, you don't miss Canada at all. I do. I do miss Canada. It's my home. I was born and raised there. And I, when I go back, I have a great time. But, you know, I I like, I, I'm, uh, I, I kind of like being everywhere. Right. I'm a kind of an, I, I feel like a, 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 a world resident. As How many homes to. do you have? Uh, three. Where is home? Uh, Vegas. 
Vegas is home. Really? I thought it was... Uh, weren't you living in Malibu? Yeah, I have, I have a house there, too. But the main home is Vegas. Yeah. That's interesting. Why? Henderson. Henderson, Nevada. Yeah. Why'd you pick there? Uh, not for taxes, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you like living there? <laughs> I, I don't mind it. Really? I'm never there. I'm always on the road, so... How many days are you You know, you I in... have all these houses, but I'm never in any of them sure. for, more, for an extended period of time. How many days are you in that home a year? In Nevada? Yeah. Not that many. Like over 50? Less I, than 50? I, I would hope over 50. I don't know. But, you know, my daughter's in L.A., too. Right. So I try to, you know, I try to spread that out. And when I get some downtime, I try to go see my kid. And it's one of those, it's, it's, a, it's a tough juggle. You know, it's funny because you were kind of this guy. Are you comfortable in this chair, by no, the way? No, it's very it's, uncomfortable. It's horrible. It we is. need to work on it. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, you really do. You got the good chair. I'm looking at you en- enviously. I'm you sorry. got wheels. I got nothing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's really, can you not spring for another chair, Ariel? Trust me. I've been complaining about this for a while. I'm pointing at the man. You, you gotta, the you man gotta buy your there. own chair. I should just do it, right? There, what is that? Fucking seventy bucks? Yeah, I'm gonna buy right. you a chair today. <laughs> I'll show you what the third guy on the Forbes list will do for a chair. <laughs> I appreciate. And then that. every fighter that sits in this chair, I want you to tell me. You know, Russell Peters bought that chair. You know, I'm trying to be like, you know, I, I want to be, I want to be the next Jimmy Fallon, and they keep giving me a crappy chair. No one's gonna want to come on the show once the word gets out. Like, you're yeah. not gonna want to come back here if you know this chair. Is yeah, here, no, right? I mean, this is like a sam. This is like a stool sample because this chair. Is sh- just chair shit. I'm sorry. The crew back there has to sit on this chair for four hours. Ugh. Poor guys. Not envious guys. Not envious. Um, so your career, you know, you were this guy. You were just trying to make it. You're opening. Now you become this big star. And then things happen along the way. Like, you know, you, 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 you say you, have a, you were married at one time. And you, I lasted a solid 14 months. That's it? Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's all it took. You dated some famous people, right, uh, who, who? along the way? Go ahead. Tell me who. Uh, adult film stars, <laughs> right? You know, face. You can say names. I'm not sure, well, buddy. Uh, so it, it was ever a point where you're like, man, this this wasn't the path that I envisioned. Oh, dude, far. all the time. All the time. Whenever, like, it's not like this. It, people are like, this must get old to you. Like, well, like, when people stop me, oh, can I take a picture? I'm like, yeah, of course. And they're like, this must get really annoying. I'm like, no. <laughs> it does not get annoying. I'll tell you why I, 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 I will take a picture with every single last person that asks, asks for a picture, and I will sign anything you want me to sign except for that Comedy Now DVD. Um, why is that? Because I didn't have anything to do with it. Okay. Um, but, but people are like, well, this must get annoying. You must not like Here's how I balance it in my head. You know what's worse than people wanting to take your picture? Nobody wanting to take your picture. Sure. That sucks more. But there's got to be a point where you're like, yeah, enough. It's 4 a.m. in the airport. Eh, you just do it. Yeah. I, I've met celebrities that I admired. And I wanted to take a picture, and they said no. And immediately, you root against them. Hmm. You're like, fuck that guy. What's the biggest disappointment that you've experienced over the last 10 years since this all happened? Was it the marriage? Um, I mean, I was, I, I'm disillusioned with marriage. It's not like, you know, that my marriage was that bad that it... I was like, ah, I just, I'm not cut out for that world. Really, at the end of the day, that's not, it's not the world I should be in. I shouldn't be in such a structured So why'd situation. you do it? Did you think? I knocked up my girlfriend uh. at the time, and I was, thought I'd be a gentleman and marry her. I was 39. I was about to become 40. I was like, you know what? This seems like the adult thing to do. Right. Never do what you think the adult thing to do is. 
do what you feel like you should do. So if Zoila's at home envisioning a day of being the, the Mrs. Russell Peters. No well, chance. Zoila, I'm sure we can give this a shot. Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> look at you turning around. I was going to say, you know. Uh, I'm not turning around, just for the record. Okay. <laughs> it's You're not kidding. You're not kidding me in. It, it's it's one well no oh, you mean taking your back yes <laughs> yeah. well as, as I was just gonna say it's one thing to be you know the the nice pretty woman sitting in the front row watching the fighter that's what we're used to seeing yeah but what about Russell Peters going to Zoila's fight and being sort of the I will be the supportive the trophy boyfriend so to speak <laughs> are you comfortable not, with that I'm not I'm not opposed to it buddy really yeah I, I'm I'm very comfortable with myself you know mm -hmm. what I mean. And I see people write shit on the internet. Who does he know about? I'm like, well, I know a little bit more than you think I know. Sure. And if I do get in trouble, it's because I get in trouble because I know these things. And people are like, why do you need security? I go, I don't need security from you. I need security from me. Because I'm the guy that might <laughs> fucking hit you or put you in a wrist lock because you say some dumb shit. You know what I mean? So you're okay being in the front row, clapping, cheering. Yeah, I'll be yelling out. the center of I'll attention. be yelling out. Like, yeah. you know. So, I, I you always think I give great... Uh, corner advice. advice. Yeah. I do. Like, I can always watch. I'm, I'm watching a fight and, and I'll call it and then I'll hear the commentator say it and then I'll look at my friends and go, huh? Who said it first? Who yeah, said yeah. it first? Kevin James has cornered Mayhem. Has he, he? He lost the fight. It was against Bisping. Oh, well. Would you want to do it? Like, if Kung asked you, would you do it? Yeah. If it, yeah. 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 Depends Why? on who he's fighting. I, 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 would, I would do it more so with boxing. Okay. Because that's a sport I know inside and out. If you could pick one boxer to corner who would it be uh well amir khan's a friend of mine that's and, your guy yeah and Look just name he, dropping all over the no place. but he was at my show last weekend that's too right. i and, saw a uh, picture of you guys and um and i was just telling him like you know stuff that he needs to look out for and and he was like you should be in my corner I yeah said, i know but but these are, i'm just telling i and i tell him as a friend and as a fan i'm like dude don't engage with these guys and when you're fighting and and i go it's such basic things and and as a, a lot of fighters just forget when when they're fighting a southpaw keep your foot on the outside you can you can walk them right into a right hand and they they eat left hooks all day you know yeah yeah but i could walk in you don't have to walk into the left you lead them don't let them lead you what about mma boxers as as a, as a boxing purist mm -hmm. it must drive you nuts right oh my god their jab they don't move their head no, but I understand why it's that is. It's a bit is. of a different, yes. I understand. Like, I, I used to get really frustrated when I watch guys try and, you know, box in, right. in, in the octagon. And, and I'm like, oh, the feet's wrong. The position's right. wrong. The punches aren't. He's not stepping into the punches. The Superman punch is the one thing that still irritates the shit out of why? me. Why? Because it doesn't work. GSP nails them from time to time. Yeah, but it doesn't fucking do anything. There's no power behind it. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> you look like E. Honda in uh, Street Fighter. <laughs> It annoys me to no end. And I love George, but that, George, stop doing that fucking punch. It annoys me. I heard you say you don't want him to come back. George? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is he fighting Nate? Who's fighting? Oh, no. Uh, fucking. You mean Nick? Why am I, swe why am I swearing so That's much? Fine. I apologize. Nick Diaz. Nick Anderson Silva. Yes. Someone interviewed you. I think it was on the Fight Network. They interviewed you right after the Weidman Silva fight. And you kind of said you thought he was done. He may, he'll never come back. Maybe I said, come well, back. I said he shouldn't come back. Right. I said he's, Look at him, a year later, he's back. But I said it's going to be at least a year and a bit before he comes back. That's a lot of time off. And, you know, above and beyond letting your leg heal, you still have to train. Right. So I, I don't like this for him. You don't like this? And how many fights did he sign for? 15? Yeah, but, I mean, what does that really mean? I know, but still, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Come on, Anderson. Do you think he wins that fight? I mean, Nick's got a bad attitude. Sure, but what does that mean? Nick's got a bad attitude, and he's not a, he's not a bitch. He's, right. he's a tough guy. Bigger weight class for him, though. 
For Nick, yeah. 185, he's going up. He's usually a 170 pounder. Yeah, but uh, how, I mean, you probably walked around on 185. Sure, yeah, but Anderson might be 205 come fight night. Yeah, Nick may be two as well. You never That's know. true. But I mean, just the size but, advantage yeah. might be something. George said recently that it's a big mistake for Nick to take this fight at 185. Really? Yeah. Why don't you want to see George fight again? Doesn't uh, have to? Not, well, A, he doesn't have to. B, um, he hasn't shown like that spark anymore. Yeah. Perhaps you know, the time off did it. Yeah, I think he enjoyed his time off. And if you enjoy your time off, take the time off. Enjoy right. it. Don't do something you don't want to do, especially fighting. I mean, there's young kids out there. They're, these guys are killers, man. <laughs> these, and, and I think the further we get into the MMA world, uh, the longer it's going on, the, the better the fighters are getting, the, sure. the more complete they're becoming. Like a Roy McDonald. Yeah. Comes in really as an MMA fighter. He could be Canada's next great champion. He's fighting yep. the winner of Hendricks Law. Are you a fan? I am. Yeah? I'm a big fan. Who's your favorite guy to watch right now? Um... I like I like um, I like Daniel Cormier. Yeah. yeah. Have you met him? Uh, no, but Kane always makes fun of me because when I when I first met Kane, he had this black guy with him, <laughs> and Kong told me that Kane's bringing Cormier with him. Oh. So I and I wow. and I don't know why I just assumed Cormier. First of all, I assumed he was Canadian because of the French the name, last yeah. name, Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah, and then two, I thought he might have been Haitian. Okay. And then. And then I didn't know what to picture. So when I saw Kane, there was a black guy with him. And I go, oh, that must be Cormier. I kept calling the guy Daniel. Oh, <laughs> wow. And he didn't and correct you? No. And then Kane's laughing at me the whole time. <laughs> and now I text Kane like a couple of weeks ago. And I go, hey, I'm in, I'm in the Bay Area. Do you want to come to the fight? He goes, I'm going to be in Mexico. I said, oh, shit. I go, why don't you tell DC to come? He goes, uh, which, which, which <laughs> no, DC? <laughs> do you want the one that you met or do you want the real one? And he, he always gets me with it, too. You know? Did he go? Did the real one go? No, neither one of them came. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> A lot of people are down on Kane these days. Uh, Injured I think, all the time. You know, that's part of the game. I yeah. mean, it, But are you afraid that his body's breaking down? Like he, he reaches... I think his body's breaking down. He's too young. How old is Kane? Uh, I think he's probably in his early 30s. Yeah, he's fine. Body's not breaking down. Just you know, it's 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 it's, it's a it's a blood sport. You're going right. to get injured and bad string of luck. That's it's this way it goes. I it, mean, look at who else had that. Uh, GSP had that. And I mean, it, it happens. Injuries have actually been a huge problem for the UFC. They've had one of their worst yeah. years ever. Absolutely, that's another thing that you know it's hard to follow the sport because like, oh, that big fight. Oh no, it's not. Oh, it's somebody else. Ah, never mind. Right. And I've also heard you say that. The shelf life. I mean, guys can't have a career like a Manny or a Floyd or a Mirakon. Yeah, yeah. It's like two, three years and you're done. That's yeah. how you feel. Well, that the, the turnaround time is really quick, let's right. be honest. I mean, I remember some of the guys, you know, when you watch them on, Ulti on, on Ultimate Fighter. Sure. And then in my head, that's like watching uh, American Idol or something. You know what I mean? I watch it the same way. Even though these are trained fighters, these are good fighters. But then you see them on there and you're like, eh, never really going to go on to anything big. And then you see the guys like... Uh, Oh, shit, who was, who, who was on that show? That that's that's a big fighter now. Bisping, tons uh, of guys. Uh, T.J. Dillashaw, won yeah. T.J. Dillashaw, yeah. Yeah. And these are all guys when you saw them when they walked in, you know, and the guy with the the skinny kid with the beard, the, the skinny kid with the beard, <laughs> skinny guy with the beard. He, he's a great. He always submits people with a with a. Oh, guillotine. Michael Chiesa. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, no, oh, no. Cody McKenzie. Cody McKenzie. Yes, yeah. yes. He's no longer in the UFC. Oh, really? Yeah, he's out. See? Yeah. Good fighter. Yeah. But they came out. He didn't take himself very seriously. I mean, he had some issues. Wrong weight class, perhaps. Yeah. He actually showed up to a fight. His last fight in the UFC, he was wearing uh, like like basketball shorts, and the tag was still on them, and they had pockets. 
and it somehow it somehow got through. You know, they they're very strict backstage as far yeah. as what you can wear. He and uh, Herb Dean pulled the tag out uh, right before the fight, and in the middle of the fight, you could tell they were just white shorts, almost like tennis shorts with pockets in them. I mean, that's how he fought his <laughs> final UFC fight. Do you maybe 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 his actual shorts didn't fit? They got ripped or something? You don't know the, the backstory. That's true. I'm not judging. Um, you mentioned that you're you're friends with Amir Khan. Mm-hmm. What would you rather see happen, Amir Khan versus Floyd or Manny versus Floyd? Um. Based on Manny's performance on Saturday, mm-hmm. which you didn't, which see. I didn't see, right. but I heard and read, and because uh, you know, as a f- avid fight fan, that's all I do. I'm like, what happened? Who won? What happened? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a better outing for him mm-hmm. than it was when he fought. Uh, it was well, actually, it was, it was it was good. He fought Rios really well. Mm-hmm. I think he dominated Rios, uh, and and he seems to have been sharper even on this fight against uh, Algeri, and. Uh, and people asked me after the Timothy Bradley rematch, they said, how do you, how do you, how do you, how would you think of that fight? And I said, I said, Floyd, I mean, um, Manny won more convincingly when he lost. Hmm. It's true. <laughs> it's true, right? I mean, that wasn't really a loss. As, officially, it was a loss. But yeah, no but it was. It's true. It's a good point. Yeah. But you didn't really answer the question. Um, so that based on, on the way he fought Saturday, it still seems like it's a, money a decent fight. fight. Decent? Yeah, but I think it was a better fight a few years ago. You still wouldn't want to see it? I want to see it, but I, I really be- think it's not going to be as exciting as people think it is. Really? I think Amir Khan, Floyd Mayweather, would be a more well, exciting fight. Well, that's what fight. I'm getting at. That's a- your boy. Be- and, and I'm not just saying that because right. he's my friend, but styles make fights. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Amir Broner would be a good fight. Mm-hmm. Manny Broner would be a good fight. I just want to see Broner get the shit beat out of him. It happened once. I know. And, and I also think Pauli uh, Malinaji beat the shit out of Broner, yeah. too, and they ripped him off. So, so Manny versus Floyd, like that doesn't say to you, I need to be there at ringside. That's the biggest fight of my lifetime. You don't get excited about that. No. Wow. No. I'd watch it, and I'd like to be there. But it's, I, I think the luster of that fight's you know, not as bright as it once was. Have you met either guy, Manny, Floyd? I've met them both. Good guys? Really nice guys. Really? I, I, I suspect Manny is, but Floyd, he's cool in person? Floyd was very cool when I met him. A really? couple, couple times I met him, he was very nice. I saw him again recently, but he, he obviously didn't recognize me, and he, and he was in a bad mood the day I saw him last. Why? I, think so. I don't know what had happened, okay. but I'm friends with one of his security guys, and, and, uh, and I was like, should I go say hi? He goes, mm, not right now. Hmm. <laughs> Best fight you've seen live? Best fight I saw live. Um... I've been to a lot of fights, so I maybe Lennox Galata was a great fight. Oh, I was wow. there. Yeah, um, that was a great fight. That was before you were Russell Peters. Russell yeah, that's Peters. when I was. That's when Lennox. Just a fan. Just, that's when Len was like, "You coming?" I mean, it's in Atlantic City. You were friends with him. I've known him since I was fifteen. Really? That's since I started. We would see each other at tournaments. All oh the time. wow! So you've seen the whole ride for him. Yeah, absolutely. What about him? I've not been to really his houses. I know his mom. I know. Him not his really embracing brother. Canada. He always embraced Canada. He did? That's a thing that the yeah, media made that, up? Well, here's what happened. He won the Olympics right. for Canada, right. won the gold. Canada just didn't have the money or the uh, infrastructure to make a great heavyweight. We don't have that kind sure. of... We do now. Montreal is... Yep. I would say Quebec is definitely at the forefront of mm-hmm. creating Canadian fighters. Uh, Ontario, the rest of Canada, not so much. True, it's interesting. And sadly, Ontario doesn't do it. Mm. Uh, Americans now are completely lost. I don't know what we're talking about. No, what are you talking about? Donna Stevenson, people know these guys. Yeah, no, but they're all they're all out of you know Quebec, and uh, Quebec is really you know uh, breeding these fighters and and treating them the right way and giving them the right kind of money and and the city and the and the and the provinces behind them. And in Ontario, I I don't know if they think they're too cool for school or you know it's just we don't have. 
there's there's not enough hunger for some reason. So Lennox, did you know he would be this kind of star? I didn't know he would be this, this kind, kind of fighter. star. He was always a tall, skinny guy back it's then. Amazing. Well, I didn't know you knew him back then. You ever yeah. spar him? No, hell no. But whenever he sees me, he hits me in the face. That's nice. Not hard, but his fist is the size of my head. He's got the biggest yeah, yeah. mitt you've ever seen. What does he do now? He lives in Jamaica. I thought shows. he was great on HBO. He was great on. He was very upset when they when they let him go. They too. let him go. I, I thought believe. he actually left. I think they let him go. He was very eloquent. He I think great. better than Roy Jones. Yeah, but you know, I think might have been might have been a financial dispute mm. or what have you. But I never really asked him. But I know I know it did bug him when that happened. Hey, he was very good. He was a very good commentator. I and mean, he knows boxing a lot, of course. way better than people think he does. A fight you wish you were in attendance for. Um, I wish I was at um, the Diego Corrales uh, Castillo fight. Yeah, that was a great Classic, fight. Yeah. Oh my god, I watched that fight. Favorite fight of all time. Is that uh, it? Uh, that's one of them. There's there's the obvious ones. There's that. There's uh, Hearns Hagler. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Prior Arguello. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those are the kinds of fights I really. You've seen like. those legendary night shows on HBO? Yeah, I love those. It's great, right? Love them. I worked at HBO when they produced that. I was really? I was an intern, and then I worked <clears> in production back there, so I got to see all those being made. Here, here's how much of a boxing geek I am. Mm-hmm. I'm good friends with Lou DiBella. Oh wow! Because when I was a you know, in the 90s, he put all the great fights together. That's right. And when Where'd I met him, go? I was like, oh, my God, Lou DiBella. He goes, Russell Peters. And I go, what? No, you're Lou DiBella. Yeah, Fuck yeah. who I am. You're Lou, you know. And he's a good buddy of mine now, too. It's, it's, it's a very weird world we live in. What's the thing that, ca- that happened to you? And we'll wrap up here in a second. What's the thing that happened to you that you're like, I can't believe? Like, this, to me, is something I never envisioned. You've probably experienced <clears> a lot. But is there, some, is there a moment where you thought, wow. I, I mean, I can't even believe I reached this top. This, uh, uh, um... When your idols, yeah. people you've idolized since you were a kid, yeah. become your friends, and not like you know a casual acquaintance, somebody that will text you randomly, hey, what's up, man? Miss you, buddy. You know, these are the kinds of things I never would have envisioned. Mm-hmm. I had posters of these people on my wall, and now they're sleeping in my house. They, you know, they're hanging out for a week, and you know. Who, who comes to mind like this? Big Daddy Kane. Wow, that's amazing. Like I, I know you're big into DJing. We didn't get into yeah, that, but yeah, that's, that's I love that's, DJing, but I love hip hop. I grew up with it, and and uh, you know guys like Melly Mel mm-hmm. and Big Daddy Kane and uh, Cool Herc and your friends with all er- these guys. Eric B. Like all these people, whose po- I put posters of them on the wall. Like these were people I would just look at, just stare at him. Like I want to get a fat gold chain and I want a flat top. And obviously I couldn't do it. <laughs> you got your own flat top. Now. I got this flat right. tip. <laughs> do you remember MCJ and Cool G? Who are they? That was a Canadian group, I believe they were. That's from. why. Oh wow! No, um, you you weren't a fan <clears throat> of Canadian hip hop. Um, I think Maestro was the one that changed Fresh that for West. everybody. Yeah, Maestro Fresh West changed that for us. Let your backbone slide. Yeah, he made us go. Hold on. We're doing something here. And then we had Cardinal Official. Cardinal. I've known all those guys. Rascals. For, Rascals. I was on the Rascals album. Did you, you know that? No, I did not know that. They have that album, Global Warning. Yes, I did yes. the interludes on that. Really? Yeah. Now, was that the one with Northern Touch? Yeah. Wow. Northern Touch, one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah. Claire. This, yep. to me, as a high schooler growing up in the 90s, that was our anthem. Yeah. I was on that album, Global Warning. Really? I did the interludes on that album. All of them? Yeah. Uh, I played a guy named... Uh, Gosh, I got to go back and look at I that. I forgot who I played. I, I just did these sketches for them. So you weren't Russell Peters? No, I played like you a character. You were a character. character. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Wow, how about that? Um, last thing. What's, what's the, you know, I was just, uh, I just went to Syracuse University. That's my alma mater. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, it's a very long story. I won't bore you. It's not about me here, uh, but it they, should be a little bit about you. No, no, no. They, they they wanted me to talk to the students about you know just following your dreams and things like that. And I just love your story, and I and I feel like I can relate to you a lot because it feels like you're still trying to live the dream. You're you're still not there, even though you're there. You're not yeah. quite there, and and that's why I love the name of your tour. What's the piece of advice for someone who may be struggling, who doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, who doesn't feel like anything's going well for them? Is there something that you can say to them? Well, I, here's, <clears throat> here's how I've always looked at it, and, uh, and I still look at it this way. I never got into comedy as an end game. I never was like, I, I never had delusions of like, I'm going to be this, and I'm going to be that. I really got into it because, A, I loved making people laugh, B, I was, I, you're paying me to talk. Hmm. I would have talked for free. <laughs> I would have walked down the street and talked to somebody for free. Why not get paid to talk? It didn't matter how much it, the money was. It, was. it was never about the money. It was about the love of what I do. And 25 years later, I still love what I do. Like, I'm in New York, and I'm going to probably get on stage a few times this week just because I love doing that. It has nothing to do with... And, it, and don't ever let your ego dictate what you're doing. Just, if you love what you do, you won't notice that you're broke. Mm. And I was broke for so long, and it didn't bother me. And people ask me, well, would you give up the money? I go, I would hurt to give up the money now, but I know broke way better than I know rich mm. because I was broke for a lot longer. And and I have no regrets, and I... And I would still be just as happy doing these crummy gigs for 30 people in a bar somewhere. Uh, but, you know, thank God those days are behind me. But I, I remember how happy I was doing them right up until this, this stuff all popped off for me. And it, it wasn't like I was getting to that point where I was like, oh, I wish I didn't have to do I was like, oh, gig, I'm work, I'm good. Amazing. Mazel tov, as they say. My as people they do. Say. As, well, yes. I don't know. You people say all kinds of things. Well, that's one of the things we say <laughs> when someone has success. Uh, this was a great honor for me, really. Thanks, Ariel. From one Canadian to another, uh, congrats on all your success. You're kicking ass, and screw all those people. that You know what? It's better that they don't want to do uh, you, you know, I, I actually agree with you, too. I, uh, the more they, I say, quote-unquote, keep me down, try to keep me yeah. down, it doesn't hurt me. It makes me more determined it's amazing it really does like it just it i think they fail to understand how motivated i can get it's like a fighter you know what i mean oh really you're really putting all your money on that guy okay okay you go ahead we'll see what happens yeah i'm not letting this go to a decision right exactly and then i'll sell out every arena yeah i am not going to allow them to let me go to a decision i will knock them out well done. Thank you very much. Thanks, Continued buddy. success. Uh, all the best. That is Russell Peters, one of the great comics of all time and one of the most successful comics right now. And I know you say a lot of people like to say Indian comic, Canadian comic. You're just a comic to me. I, I just go with comic, too. Yeah, you're just a comic to me. Yeah. Um, December 11th, he's at Madison Square Garden. And uh, if you go to russellpeters.com, you can Correct. see the list. We've got you know people all over the yeah. world Come on uh, watching. So you can see the, the tour. When is it in February, right? No. It keeps it's going. It's going till November. Uh, till November. It's going till 2016. This whole tour? Yeah, it just started in September. Gosh. So, I mean, next year is, you know, we finish America, I think, in January. Okay. And then, then it goes... Uh, I was probably just looking at America. Yeah, South Africa. Wow. A- Asia, Middle East, uh, 
Europe. It's going Amazing. everywhere. And I didn't know you back in 2004, but you certainly haven't changed as far as I'm concerned. I'm the same douchebag. You catch people back. I do. It's amazing. I, my, my chins just hit the mic to see that. Yes, I did. I, I had to pick up... My nose up. hits this mic all the time, so, so hey, don't buddy, worry. We're in the same um, boat. We do this... Uh, you know, if you and I were backstroking in the yeah. ocean, they'd think two sharks are coming. <laughs> <laughs> we have this segment on the show called Inside the Vault. I play an old clip of ours. Right. This week's one, as we go to a break, is UFC 116. It's uh, July 3rd of 2010. It's Brock Lesnar versus Shane Carwin. You remember that fight? I do, yeah. Second yep. round submission, Brock Lesnar. After the fight, another surreal. This is surreal for me. After that fight, surreal moment for me. I got to interview Jim Ross... Goldberg, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Paul Heyman get their reaction in the arena moments after. That's Inside the Vault. That's Russell Peters. In a minute, we'll be back. We'll answer your questions and comments. Thank you so much to Russell. You're watching the MMAR. What do you think about what happened just there? Brock Lesnar defeating Shane Carwin via submission. Well, I'll tell you, I was worried in the first round, and uh, but I know that Brock's got great guts and determination. He's got a re renewed spirit about his life, and we saw that. I don't know of any other heavyweight in MMA that would have endured the first round against a, a great fighter like Shane Carwin other than Brock Lesnar. So I, I'm, I'm really proud of Brock. And how about everything he had to go through this past year to see him go out there so happy and humbled? How does that make you feel? Well, he's a changed man. Uh, he's still the baddest SOB as he sat on the planet. He's right about that until somebody changes it. But he's got a different outlook. And I'm, uh, it's, a, it's a healthier outlook for him. And, uh, and now that it's, uh, everything is on the same page, I, he's, uh, he's quite the specimen. Can anyone stop him? No one's unbeatable. And that's, he realizes that. And that's why he'll continue to train. No one is unbeatable, especially in uh, the USC heavyweight division. But Brock Lesnar is an animal. And uh, he is a rare breed, I'll tell you. Thank you very much, JR. We appreciate watching that slobber knocker. We move along here to Mr. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Your thoughts on what you just witnessed? Uh, I really enjoyed the fight. I knew it. I, I didn't think uh, Brock wanted to stand up and trade with him. And uh, Shane is very heavy handed. And I really like to watch Shane fight. But Brock's my guy. He showed so much heart in this fight, making it through that first round, weathering a storm, and then coming back. I knew once he took Shane down, Shane wasn't going to get back up. And that was the case. I was a little surprised to see the tap out. I didn't think Brock would win like that. But I, I knew that once once Shane got shot on the ground, Brock would not let him up. And I'm very, very proud of Brock. How about that dicey situation in the first round? Did you think the ref made the, the right call to let the fight continue? Oh, in, in, a, in a fight like this, you know, yeah, you let it go. Uh, Brock's a tough guy. You've got to let the Titans go at it. He did. And, you know, Brock weathered the storm. He made it through. Uh, he was in trouble, but... I agreed with the referee's decision all the way. Final question, is Brock Lesnar the best heavyweight in MMA? Yes, Brock, hands down, Brock Lesnar is the best heavyweight in MMA. He's just uh, freaky strong, very fast, very quick. Uh, he continues to improve. Every time he steps in the octagon, uh, his future, his, his present is, is great right now. His future looks very, very bright. I'm uh, very proud of Brock Lesnar, and uh, he's a great champion and obviously a very, very big draw here for the UFC. Thank you very much, sir. We appreciate the time. Let's move along here to a very happy Paul Heyman. Describe for me your emotions, sir. Uh, I, I need a medic. Um, wow, I'm blown away. I mean, I... First of all, I think Josh Rosenthal deserves all the credit in the world because that was a hell of a judgment call in the first round. You could have called it there, and Brock was moving, and he was defending himself, but, you know, somebody could... I mean, if it was Mazzagatti, the fight would have been stopped, you know? So, um, I, thought, I thought Rosenthal deserves a lot of credit because it was tremendous officiating. 
and just again Brock you know I mean who's the man you know I mean he took a beating anybody questions his chin anymore can shut the up anybody that questions whether he can take a pounding can you know and Carwin deserves a lot of credit because he took the fight to Brock like nobody ever did and I was terrified out of my mind and I'm clutching hey you know what I, I you know we did an interview on AOL before and if you haven't watched it you should and show to everyone what Brock Lesnar means to you Paul that's the picture that's the picture. That's that's Brock's daughter Maya, and my daughter Azalea, when they were both nine months old, at WrestleMania 2003 in their strollers, becoming friends. And that's how our week began. You know, it was this only sentimental mushy moment of the week. He said, "Here you go." And then uh, all week long, he's just thought about how blessed he is, and what he said was how he feels. You know, he was on his deathbed, and he came back, and, and he came back with, a, his wife's about to have another baby, and he did this for his family and his friends and his training camp, and for himself, and uh, I'm just babbling on because I'm blown away. I mean, I'm just, I'm so happy for him, I can't begin to tell you. I can see that. Can we bring in Bill Goldberg here for a second? Mr. Goldberg, come on here for just a quick second, and stick around, Paul, for just a moment. Uh, Bill's Bill is sweating like he was just involved in a three-round war out there. What do you think of what you just saw? Brock Lesnar submitting Shane Carwin. I haven't been to a UFC fight in a while, and uh, I wasn't going to miss this one to cheer my boy on for nothing in the world. Um, I, I think he had a good game plan. As he said, he was going to weather the storm. Shane's never been out of the first round. I think, you know, Brock is a miracle walking now you know the fact that he's even competing again is unbelievable at this level it's astonishing i mean i i think the most thing that i'm proud of of brock is not that he won tonight it's how he acted afterwards brock lesnar is a great human being he's a great family man he's a great husband and a great father and he's very but he's very emotional as people have seen in the past but if you know the guy deep down inside he's as good as they come and what he did in the cage tonight is unreal. He's progressed, whether it's training with Randy or his new boxing coach. The, the guy is making leaps and bounds pro progress-wise. And he's only just begun. What's this, his sixth, seventh MMA fight? The commentator's first one. Uh, it's always emotional when I come here and my buddies are fighting. But a guy's so close to me as Brock, I'm just... It's awesome. It's just great. Well, I can see the emotions. We thank you very much for the time. Great to talk to you, Bill Goldberg. All right, what a scene here at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. We'd like to get final word with uh, Paul Heyman. Paul, when you have a moment, we'll get a final word with Paul Heyman. Final question to you, Paul. Final question to you, Paul. We've just talked to a bunch of old professional wrestling stars, some of the biggest names in the history of this business. What does it mean to this fraternity to have Brock Lesnar go in there and win like this? Uh, I think it means a lot to his friends, to the wrestling fraternity. I think they need to get their shit together on their own. If they want to ride Brock Lesnar's coattails, then, uh, then they, they, they need to get their own house in order. Because Brock Lesnar has got his house in order. Very well said. We'll leave it at that. Brock Lesnar defeats Shane Carwin via second round submission. All right, guys, let's get started. Attendance 10,131, 10,131 for a live gate of $670,022. 67022. Bonus is $50,000. Performance Frankie Edgar. Performance Alexi Ulenik. 
And welcome to the UFC, Van Sant and Current, 50K. Only one transport tonight, that was uh, Copeland. He's already back. Who's got the first question? John Morgan, Mike's coming your way. Start with Frankie, please. Uh, obviously, congratulations on the win. Uh, some people are saying maybe your best performance ever. What, what do you think the key was tonight? Was, was things just clicking for you? Was it your preparation? What was it? I think it's just uh, just the fact that I'm, I'm just improving. I'm, I'm steady improving. I, that, that's always my goal. Uh, I stay in the gym. I train with great people like Edson, and I have some great coaches. And I mean, like I said, there's no ceiling yet. And um, you know, I just want to keep improving. Uh, that's it, man. I think uh, you know, I, I kind of put my mind to, to to try to get this finish. I worked hard to get it, and I was happy I was able to. In UFC history, so I mean, uh, obviously you could have just cruised there in the last couple seconds. Why was it so important to you to, to, to push till the very end and try to get that finish? I, I mean, that, that's that's what we do this for, right? I want to try to put guys away, um, put a little little stamp on it. I said I need a I need a pretty much dominant win if I want to, you know, I want to prove everybody that I deserve that title shot, and uh, you know, I, I wanted to keep working until that bell sounded. You're always a pretty even keel guy, but you know the situation. Coming into this, everybody's saying, is the winner of this fight going to fight for the title or is Conor McGregor going to fight for the title if he wins? What do you think? I mean, do we need to wait till January to see what happens with Conor McGregor? Or do you feel like the type of performance you had tonight should eliminate that discussion? You should be up for the title shot next. Yeah, it should be me. I think based on my performance, based on what I've done in my career, it should be me. That's it. Question for Frankie. Uh, Frankie, you worked so hard on your boxing for so many years, but tonight, and we saw it in the BJ fight as well, you showed a lot of your wrestling again. Uh, just what was it with your wrestling that you saw was an opening tonight, and, and how dominant did you feel on the ground with Cub? You know, I felt strong. I felt good. Uh, you know, I, I think in, in my you know past fights before the last two, you know, I, I stood up and boxed a lot. Uh, but, you know, I... Um, I mean, I'm a wrestler. That's where I came from. Uh, and I, I'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu under Ricardo Almeida, and I think it showed today. Um, but I think it's the fact that, that my boxing set up my takedowns. You know, it's a, I'm a mixed martial artist. I don't ever want to categorize myself as, as one, one discipline. You know, I feel like I could do it all. And, you know, beyond the title shot, when you look at Jose Aldo and, let's say, Conor McGregor, the two guys, hypothetically, that would be in your way, I mean, how much does a performance tonight send a statement to them to, you know, to kind of set the stage for what you're able to do in those kind of matchups? Yeah, I'm here to stay. I'm coming, you know. Um, I'm not going to be an easy fight for anybody. I'll guarantee that. And a question for Paige Van Zandt. Paige, incredible performance tonight. Obviously, there's always a lot of nerves in your first UFC fight, but you came right out of the gate very strong. How did you feel? Did you have any nerves? And, and how does it feel hearing you get a $50,000 bonus in your first fight? Um, you know, going into it, I always get nervous before I perform. Um, I didn't feel it through the fight camp. I didn't feel it the way up here. But once I walk out to the cage, all the nerves set in. And I'm used to being under pressure. So luckily, I, I perform really well under pressure. And I mean, what a way to kick off my UFC debut with a bonus. And I'm just completely in awe still. I'm shocked. And one quick one for uh, Joseph. Joseph, you, you've obviously worked a lot on your striking with, with Bang and the other things you did. But you came out tonight. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed like you were just trying to take Dustin's head clean off his shoulders. Uh, was there something different in your mindset or something going into that? Because there was a couple times where I thought you were literally just trying to, to kill the guy. Yeah, I kind of went back to kind of the old beefcake uh, Joe B where not really having much patience and just trying to take the guy's head off and kill him, uh, which makes for an exciting fight. And, you know, a guy like Dustin, you know, he just takes shots. But once I started landing him, you know, it was just – it was just so fun. It was like a challenge, like, oh, I can keep landing. I'm just going to keep throwing hard shots. 
Uh, you know, I'm glad we got to mix in some wrestling and everything, too. Um, I think... All right, back on the MMA hour, that was a portion of the post-fight press conference on Saturday night in Austin, Texas. Man, Russell Peters, how awesome was he? That was amazing. He didn't even want to leave. I could tell he didn't want to leave. That's incredible. What a thrill that was for me. You know, I have to tell him something. So before the, uh, the show, Mr. New York Rick over there, the mooch that he is, tried to get some free tickets. I said, I'm not asking for free tickets. No way. And then he just offered us tickets, December 11th. Guess what, though? What? Can't go. What? Going to be in Phoenix. Bummer. You know who will be around? Yeah. I will. You think he uh, stays true to his word? Why wouldn't he? It's sounding louder in there. Is it, uh, did you guys crank the AC? Mm-mm. Because of those chairs that you're on? <laughs> uh, no. Um... Well, that was amazing. That was a lot of fun. I know we strayed a little off topic, but whatever. I mean, I'm assuming people who watch or listen to this show have other interests as well. Well, for a guest who's not predominantly an MMA fighter or anything like that, I feel like we covered a lot of combat sports. We did, but I was just curious. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just asking questions that I'm curious to know the answers to, and I was just always really curious about that stuff. Like, who uploaded those clips? He doesn't know. The thing about the dad was just mind-blowing to me. Like, when I was trying to find the YouTube clips for this show, mm-hmm. um, I was like, you know, does he have an official page? I was trying to, like, do it as legit as I could. Right, right, right. You know, I mean, it was tough because so many people have uploaded his, his material. You mean on YouTube? Especially for, yeah, on, especially from that time as well. Yeah. Well, that was a lot of fun. I appreciate him stopping by. Super busy guy, and much like uh, Stone Cold, couldn't be more down-to-earth, more humble, um, just a pleasure. And I could have gone... I could have gone a long time, but I don't want to take too much of his time. So uh, really appreciate Russell, and uh, check out his website, russellpeters.com, for information on his world tour. I thought it was just North America. It's world. So he's, uh, there's a good chance that if you're anywhere in this world, he's coming to you, and he'll sell it out, and he'll stick a middle finger up to the haters and the critics and the people who aren't giving him the time of day. That is pretty amazing. All right, let us go to the questions and comments now. A busy weekend in the world of combat sports. In particular, the UFC, Frankie Edgar winning. What do we got? You know what? Now that I just turned on the mic again, it does sound a little enhanced. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, sorry about that. There we go. Okay, let's jump into it. First one, the time is now press conference. What were your overall thoughts? And I'm... And the, you know, this is a little dated um, because this happened right after our show last week, but people were yeah, curious yeah. about this. What are your overall thoughts on the Time Is Now press conference last week? Is this the kind of thing you would like to see more often? And how much was the event overshadowed by the quote-unquote announcement that never happened? Well, that pretty much covers it as far <laughs> as... Well, I mean, it, it, he, he hit the three main topics. And uh, first things first, I thought it was a great moment for the UFC. I thought that this is the perfect way to get the word out about the upcoming schedule. You bring in all these big fighters, these big fights coming up. This makes a lot of sense. This is looking ahead. This is something that I feel like the UFC doesn't do well, uh, especially as of late with all the shows back to back to back. It's almost every single week. You really only have five, six days to focus on one show and promote it. Well, this time around, much like they did at the end of last year with those, you know, big four fights, I think it was, but big four pay-per-views, 
this time they upped the ante and they brought out a whole bunch of fights. The biggest name for Anderson, Nick Diaz, uh, Chris Weidman, Vitor Belfort, Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor. I mean, it was a real who's who, and it was it was you know it was a sight to behold. I mean, to see all these guys and and girls and women, men, all that stuff uh, on stage, and then the face-offs. It was it was a great production. It looked great. John Anik did a great job. So that was to me a home run. Unfortunately, they put out this thing about the big announcement. And when you throw out something like that, when you get people excited about something like that, that is going to... Okay, you already told us about the other stuff. We know that other stuff. But what don't we know? That's what's going to be talked about, speculated on. That's the thing that everyone's going to be you know, really tuning in for because they know that, okay, it's going to be a press conference, no big deal. Then at the beginning when they say that there is no announcement, that they couldn't get the deal done, then the air is taken out of the room. Then it's a letdown. Then it completely overshadows what was a great moment for the UFC. You know, big venue biggest stars there announcing big fights disappointing year hopefully these fights come to fruition i mean it should have been a great moment it should have been all about those fights the schedules being announced and that's it and if they even when they announced it if they didn't know that it was 100 percent, whatever this announcement was they shouldn't have they shouldn't have threw it out there they should have just waited if they got it done then say oh and by the way or just surprise people and I think that if they knew that it wasn't going to be announced, they should have told the media in advance, hey, by the way, that thing, it's not going to be announced. So then the media could get it out there and then people wouldn't be as upset. But to just kind of say, oh, and by the way, you know, after promising this and probably having some time to get the word out, it's not coming to fruition. It's not going to be announced. That's a big letdown. So what should have been a great moment for the UFC, a great day for the UFC, all positive for the UFC, it was it was tainted a little bit, unfortunately, and uh, I think that's a lesson learned. Don't tease anything unless it's 100%, because it feels like a bait and switch, and it shouldn't have been that way. It should have either been a surprise or something that they tell us, you know, a couple of days before, whatever. They didn't do that, and uh, and, and that's why it, it, it wasn't as good as it could have been. This is not so much a question, but I thought this was interesting. Uh, this person basically counted the number of questions that each fighter at the press hmm. conference received. And in order, wow, uh, that's funny. From uh, greatest to least, Dana yes. White, 19, Conor McGregor, 9, John Jones, 8, Ronda Rousey, 8, Nick Diaz, 8, Anderson Silva, 5, Cormier, 3, Chris Weidman, 2, Gustafson, 2, Zingano, 2, Machida, 1, Belfort, 1, Rumble Johnson, 1, Dennis Siever, 1, CB Dalloway, Goose Egg. Which was a little uncomfortable, right? I mean, what's the difference between 1 and 0, to be honest? 1 is 1. No, I mean... Honestly, the Dennis Ever question, I don't remember it. It probably wasn't great. It was probably just to not make him feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, Vitor just won't surprises me. What, what, what do you take away from this? Well, that's what they're asking us. Oh. Um, what do I take away from it? That Conor McGregor is clearly yeah. um, somebody, even if it, it doesn't mean he's the biggest star, it means he's the, pe- the, the person that people want to hear from the most. If they generate content around Conor McGregor, even if they don't necessarily put him into you know, higher profile fights, then it would be successful because people want to hear uh, from Conor and you know, see what he's up to. Uh, Dana White, 19, that doesn't surprise me because he's you know, at the helm of the press conference and he's kind of somebody who people go to for answers. When the fighters can't um, answer questions, then Dana White's obviously going to be the one getting the most. Uh, John Jones, Ronda Rousey. And that, I think that speaks for itself. They're, they're big stars right now. Same with Nick Diaz. Um, this, this order does not surprise me at all. Although the one thing I'd point out that does surprise me is Chris Weidman only getting two. 
Nah, I'm not too surprised about that. I'll tell you who I thought was the star of the press conference. Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz was unbelievable. It's got to be a toss-up, Diaz or Conor McGregor. And it was Nick, in my opinion, because we don't see him in that in that light very often. We haven't seen him in a while. I think we call, all kind of miss Nick Diaz. We've seen Conor, you know, in the last few months and, and all that. Um, Nick was just amazing. And then that whole exchange with his buddy, Dominique Robinson, and, and, and that point where I think it was C.B. Dalloway told him that the question was not for him, was for John Jones. I mean, he was just pure entertainment. If you saw Daniel Cormier, who was sitting in front of him, kept looking back and just cracking up, it was pretty entertaining. So I thought Nick was the, the real highlight. Sure. I, I think that's a fair point. Connor, we kind of see, have seen this recently and see it more often, for sure. Cormier loved him. He was telling me afterwards, you know, riding around with him because there were the two buses, right? There was the, uh, you know, the red corner, the blue corner, the champions, the contenders, whatever. And Cormier said he just had a blast interacting with him, asking him questions. He's a fascinating guy. He's a very interesting character. And perhaps what's most interesting about him is sometimes he doesn't really understand yeah he doesn't get like everyone's laughing around him and it's unintentional comedy i guess you could say and he does not crack a smile he doesn't acknowledge it he's just being himself i love it yeah i think that famously happened on the the pre-fight conference call where he's like why are you guys laughing this is serious yeah uh, something like that and um, and and in post-fight against uh, george st pierre people were kind of laughing and even maybe that's what against, it was maybe it was a post-fight against condit as well Oh, no, no, against BJ Penn, I remember uh, very famously. Uh, our man Anthony is, uh, is calling BS, by the way. On he, what? He is saying that Vitor, all caps, definitely was asked more than one question at that press conference. Damn, calling out wow. Ryan Hobbs. Get your numbers up. Let's see. Uh, our next question. This is about Frank Yeager. Did he do enough to warrant the next title shot, or has this been the perfect scenario for the UFC? Uh, do you think Frankie should get the winner, I guess? of, uh, oh, no, get either of these guys, Mendez or Lamas, or wait for his well-earned title shot if McGregor gets Aldo next. I think he did the UFC a favor. Now, after the fight, I tweeted the fights that I kind of envision happening next. Not so much the fights that I would do necessarily, but just the way the UFC does its matchmaking. And, you know, it was very obvious to me when Dana White said on Fox Sports 1 last week, Cub Swanson is getting a title shot if he wins. He didn't say Frankie Edgar. And Frankie Edgar has had a few title shots. It doesn't mean anything in the present day. But he made a point to say Cub Swanson. So it's one of those cases where the stipulation was only for one guy. Cub loses. Frankie, I don't see him getting that title shot. And I know everyone, you know, the fans love to get behind guys. And I find that interesting because all of a sudden they're like, you know, Team Frankie loud and clear when, when he was champion and getting those decisions. A lot of people weren't supporting him this much. And whatever, that's fine. They may have come around. They may think he's more deserving now, whatever. But the thing is, with Cub losing and with him on that winning streak, I just think the last two weeks have just completely cleared the path for Conor McGregor. And it reminds me a whole lot of when Chris Weidman was out for a bit and then everyone ahead of him just started losing. And you had all these guys. You had, you had Belcher losing. You had Bisping losing. Uh, Rockhold ended up losing. And, and it was just like, all right. Chris Weidman. He's the guy that's getting the, t the title shot. Before all those fights, we had to see what was going to happen. And then there he was fighting Anderson Silva. Conor McGregor, I see the same thing happening here. Bermudez lost. Cub Swanson lost. The path has been cleared. If he can beat Dennis Seaver, I see them giving him the title shot. And it's unfortunate for Frankie. It's a big win, but I still think he needs maybe one or two to get the people behind them, uh, behind him and to get people really excited about a, another crack at the champion, especially if it's Aldo. So that's why I said I think... 
Mendez versus Edgar would be amazing to see. Um, I would do Lentz versus Lamas. Some people were hating on Lentz, but he deserves a big fight in my opinion. And the other one that I wanted to see was Bermudez versus Swanson. And the thing that a lot of these guys, except for Bermudez, have in common is, and Lentz, they've lost to Aldo. So they could kind of battle it out, and, and, and then you'll see who's on top. But that's what I would do. And then if Connor wins, he gets touched off. If he loses, then maybe Frankie slides in there. But I think we need to wait and see what happens on January 18th. Who, quote, unquote, deserves the title shot? Well, it depends on what deserves mean, because... As far as business is concerned, Conor McGregor will sell out a stadium. There's Not no doubt about it. as far as business is concerned. As far as athletics. the number three guy yeah, athletics. beat the number two guy, does he deserve the title shot? Well, you know how I feel about those rankings. Although, I will say, it's pretty, I think that's they were accurate. accurate. Yeah. Here's the thing. If I'm the UFC, or if, I, look, if I'm judging the UFC, I can't blame them for this. End of the day, the UFC is a business, Right. They need to make the most money possible. A Conor McGregor title fight in Brazil or Ireland would be gigantic business. You can't put Frankie Edgar in a title fight. As much as I love and respect the guy, you can't put him at Giant Stadium, MetLife Stadium, and sell that out. Right. I don't even know if you can put him at Prudential Center and sell it out. That's just the fact of the matter. And beyond that, right. you can do the Conor McGregor fight now. Do it now. And then do Edgar at another time. Cash in now. He's Because if McGregor loses, popular. it's done. That, that entire thing is done. If McGregor loses to anybody before the title... You see, the thing about that is MMA fans are very forgiving. It's not like boxing. You know, I think it takes a while to regain your mojo in boxing. A loss is a lot more... Um, it's, it, it, critical. It's, a, it's a lot more critical and damaging to your career yep. than in MMA. I mean, look at a guy like BJ Penn. Look at a guy like Randy Couture. These guys have double-digit losses. Well, that's a different scenario, though, because... BJ Penn and Randy Couture didn't make their careers with their mouths, with the microphone. They made their careers by proving that they were the toughest fighters. Now, Conor McGregor, his career could go a drastically different direction from here until the end of his career. But the reason people love him so much is because he talks shit, backs it up, and hasn't hasn't suffered that defeat yet. All smart We're willing to go along with this until until he suffers that loss. When when Chael Sonnen lost... um, it diminished him a little bit in terms of being hit. The, 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 the impact behind his trash talk was diminished sure, quite a bit. Sure. Um, but all trash talkers have a good way of reinventing themselves. Absolutely. And they know how to change the narrative. So will it hurt him? He can't talk his way into a title shot if he loses, though. Yes, but I believe he has the ability to bounce back. We don't have to worry about that right now because he hasn't lost yet. Absolutely. The thing is, if he wins... Main event, Boston, you see the way they're promoting him. The, the, the promo for that show, and MMA Junkie, they, they, they timed it, and I watched it, and they were accurate. It has like 1.9 seconds in a 30-second promo, 1.9 seconds of Dennis Seaver footage. The rest is Conor McGregor. This is the Conor McGregor show, and the most money can be made off of that title fight. So I don't think there's anything wrong with Frankie versus Mendez, two guys who have lost to Aldo, Battling, I, I've always wanted to see Frankie versus a Team Alpha Male guy. The fight we wanted to see was Faber. That's not happening. Mendez, next best thing in my opinion. Why not? And people say to me, oh, the UFC doesn't book a loser against a winner. Do you not pay attention to the UFC? They always do that now, A. And when it's a loser of a championship fight, it's a lot different. It's not the same rules. So that's the fight to make, in my opinion. It's no knock on Frankie. I have so much respect for that guy. I just, one of, no joke, the nicest people that not only have I met 
in MMA, in the world. I mean, the guy is just such a great person, great family man. He deserves everything that's happening to him. A tremendous win, got the finish, did everything right. I just don't think right now is the time. Will it happen two, three fights from now? By the way, Bermuda's losing, all these guys losing. It's great for him. He's just not the guy right now as long as Connor is undefeated in the UFC. If Connor loses, that all changes. Not to go overboard, but sure. forget Frankie as a person. Frankie as a fighter is one of the best fighters we've ever seen. Yeah. I'll go Hall on record fame. and say that. Just because this guy is not a 155-er. That much is clear. Um, but he fought most of his career at 155. Beat BJ Penn three times. Um, two times in a, in a capacity that we were interested in seeing. Um, and he clearly did not belong in that weight class. Fought Benson Henderson. Most people think he won one, if not two, of those fights. Um, became the champion, beat Gray Maynard. These guys are huge dudes cutting down to 155, drops down to 145, pretty much has looked just as good there. Um, he's had one of the best careers in MMA history, and I think that he's criminally underrated at, in the, when you look at his legacy. It. Nailed it. I was just going to ask you. Great fighter, Hall of Fame, yes. Maybe one of the most underrated fighters of all time. Easily. Yeah, it's amazing. He's, he's John Beer, shout out to John Beer, has... Who? has Come on. Has said this many times that he's a modern day Rocky, and I think that's the most apt comparison. And that comparison is thrown out a lot, let's be honest. Perhaps a little too much. And I love the fact that he doesn't come out to the song. He doesn't run with it. But it's 100% accurate. Just everything about him. He, he's, he's just very likable. And to me, this signaled the new Frankie Edgar. He could have easily just, you know, sat on cup for those last 10 seconds. He went for the finish, he went for the submission, he went for the neck crank. That, to me, in the, in the final seconds of a five-round fight, what he did throughout the entire fight was beautiful. But that, to me, signaled that this is a new guy on a mission. This isn't a guy who's just going to be content getting the decision, getting the win, which he had already in his back pocket long ago. He had it going into the fifth round already. But he wanted to make a statement. And I really respect that out of him because it shows that he has listened, he's trying to evolve, and he really wants that title shot. Great. One more win, I think you're there. Okay, let's talk about Bobby Green. With the loss Saturday and yeah. talks of retiring earlier in the week, do you think he's actually done? I don't think he's done. I think he's way too talented at this point. This is a guy who has been through so much in his career, so much in his life. He finally got to the UFC. He finally made it to the point where he was getting the respect that he deserves as a fighter. And he's in a co-main event of a great card. He's not going to leave now. I just don't buy it. Now, are there things happening outside of the cage that might be you know, affecting his mindset or his decision-making, perhaps, and we can't really speak to that. But as far as the fighter is concerned, I don't think that a loss to Edson Barbosa should make you want to retire. It's, it's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. And you finally got to the point where you are a, uh, a known commodity in this sport, in the top organization. Why leave now? You worked so hard for this. I mean, remember Bobby Green, King of the Cage, even Strikeforce, just getting completely overlooked on prelims, non-televised fights. I mean, this is a guy who's been working for a long time to get to this point. And I would just like to see, I want everyone to be themselves, but I would just like to see him cool it on the theatrics. I love that stuff. And he's talked about it a lot. You know, he's an entertainer and all that. But in the midst of the fight, especially when things aren't going your way, you don't have to do that because more often than not, I've seen enough fights where I feel like when a guy does the whole like, oh, you didn't hit me, I'm still pretty and all that, he actually did hit you. And I well, think like people are smartening up to that. I think Bobby does it to a point where it's a tick, not a thing yeah, where he's it, it, trying totally. to prove anything. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, the, the amount of times he shook his head has to be the most on record in any fight. And, with, and I'm not talking about getting hit with a punch. I'm talking about just saying, no, a punch didn't hit me. Um, it, it's obviously something beyond 
just him trying to show off for the judges. Because when you do it to that point, when you do it that much, it's not proving anything. It's, it's much more something that I don't think is within his control anymore and a habit that he's formed. Um, I think it also turns people off. Like they want, especially when they think that you may be losing the fight, just go out there, put your hard hat on and, 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 and try to you know, turn the tables in your favor and doing that it, it comes across as a little bit you know well to be showy. fair i wasn't a fan of barboza raising his arms backing yeah. away yeah. on his bicycle that's true i think um, that was maybe his uh, his response to all that stuff which i could i can imagine it gets a little annoying but look two wrongs don't make a right thing is for bobby green back to the question he's very emotional you saw on this show right I mean, yeah he got in some hot water and then he goes on twitter i love that about him he's very emotional he's perhaps a little sensitive and uh, some guys, they have no filter. And that's what I love about this sport. You don't have a PR person right in back of them, almost, you know, playing them like a puppet like you see in the NBA and NFL. The promotions, for the most part, let the fighters say whatever they want. And uh, sometimes that gets them in a lot of hot, tr- hot water. But sometimes it, it often works to their advantage because you get to see their personality, who they are. That's Bobby Green. So I think that he really just wears his emotions on his sleeve. He, he tells you, you know, what's going through his mind. And sometimes he may, you know go a little too far i think in the moment he seemed emotional he seemed very fired up i think cooler heads will prevail and maybe the loss will humble him a little bit and make him you know come back a little hungrier but if you're asking me do i think that was the last of bobby green no that's just my guess okay let's talk about the other half of that fight yes what's next for edson barboza yes loser of pettis melendez fight oh. masvidal diaz cerrone winner i don't know if i want to see him against cerrone um that Again. quickly yeah alvarez versus henderson winner hmm Hmm. There's a lot of good fights for him. There, there are a lot of good fights. I don't think he gets the loser of the title fight. And it's nice, you know, I want to see him go on a bit of a run here because it seems like he gets a couple of these fights. We get super excited about Barbosa, and then he has a really bad loss. So, Well, Cerrone uh, was the biggest step up by yeah, far. Yeah. And then this was the next, which is quite a big step up as well, and he performed fantastically. He did. Um, you know... I like the Masvidal idea only because it feels like Masvidal... He needs a bigger fight. Who does? Masvidal. He need, th- I bigger think that than... This, no, no, no. I think that this fight, he's, he needs a bigger fight than he's been getting lately. And sure. I think that this would be a good one. He's fighting on the same card as uh, Benson versus Eddie Alvarez. January 18th, also the Conor McGregor card, against Norman Park. I think that this, if he gets past that, I think that Masvidal-Barboza is a great fight. Yeah. Although I don't want to see... Barbosa, you know, wait two months to see what happens there, and you know what I mean. Um, but is there somebody freed up that they can throw him in there with anyway? Right now, not really. What about the winner of Dos Anjos and Nate Diaz? Too much? No, that would be. I think you want to be careful with uh, Dos Anjos because he's so close. He's so close. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if Nate wins. That would be fun. That would be fun to see Nate probably not check any leg kicks. There are a lot of great options for him. You know, Benson uh, and Eddie, that's a fight that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, if Miles Jury wins, maybe, but perhaps I think Miles Jury will be a little further along because he's undefeated and a win over Cerrone would be big. But, yeah, all those fights are great. I, I, he hasn't fought a lot of these guys at the top, which is great. I it's think there's true. a lot of big fights. They for brought him. him along slowly, and he's had, you know, some good runs, and then he, he falters. So now he's if he can keep this going, he has a lot of fights that he hasn't had a chance to get yet that would be a lot of fun. People love Barbosa. He has such an exciting style. I just want to see him put it together. And right now, it appears as though he is. 
okay, let's talk about uh, Joseph Benavides. Who yes. should the UFC match him up against next? On Saturday night, it was clear that he's still the best in the division outside of Demetrius Johnson. What do you think about these possible fights, and do they make sense? Chad Mendez or Frankie Edgar versus Ricardo Lamas? Oh, this is a separate thing. Nothing oh. to do yeah, with uh, like, Benavides. Chad Mendes. Okay, so let's address the first part. <sighs> What's next for uh, Joey B? He's in such a tough spot because he is clearly the number two best flyweight in the world. He is so much better than the guys he's fighting until he fights Demetrius. And every time he fights against someone not named Demetrius Johnson and looks as good as he did on Saturday, it makes me just appreciate Demetrius that much more. Demetrius Johnson knocked this guy out in his hometown in the first round. Dominated him the first time they fought as well. Two very convincing dominant wins over Benavidez. The knockout to me was one of the cleanest, nicest knockouts and somewhat shocking as well to see Benavidez fall to that. So it makes me appreciate Demetrius. Demetrius. And then when Benavidez fights, I'm reminded that he is the second best flyweight in the world and is in a very tough spot because he has a loss. Uh, he has two losses to the champion and it's very tough to get a third. I will say this. Those guys are so much fun to watch that I would watch them fight 10 times a night. But it's, it's a hard sell. When you're 0-2 against a champion, it's is a hard it? sell. I think Here's it is. My, but my Because there were clean wins. There's okay. no controversy Fair there, enough, right? but there's a few factors at play. That division's sh relatively shallow. Uh, second is Demetrius is not a guy who's you know drawing huge numbers at this point. So it's not like you need to prop him up and continue to bring in new challengers for him. Um, that'll, you know, do gangbusters on pay-per-view or gangbusters on Fox. Um, and also, uh, there's only so long you can keep Joey B from another title shot if he continues to win. So I think, I mean, I would have the same appetite to see a third one, to be honest. Is there somebody at, at flyweight that you're, let's say, let's say Ian McCall, which would also be a third one, by the yeah, way. Yeah, but the first was a draw. Uh, Still a third, a third sure, fight for them. but not two losses. Um, uh, Lineker. Dodson. Dodson, which is a rematch as well. One loss. Um, and then after that, what else is There's there? There's a drop-off. Would you, would, and even, and any of those, are they, are you dying to see those more than a third fight between uh, Benavidez and Look, I, Demetrius? Look, I also feel like it's not fair to Demetrius. I mean, how many times... Oh, the, there was another factor that I forgot, which is Demetrius' stance of I'll fight anybody. It doesn't really matter. Sure, but you get the impression that he wants to fight some new guys. How many times are you going to have to beat the same guy? And if you lose in the fourth fight, the fifth fight, then how many chances do you get to get the belt back? You know what I mean? I, I just feel like it's not fair. I don't like, and here's another thing with going back to Edgar Aldo. I feel like if the champion beats a guy and it's convincing, it has to be a very long time before the challenger gets another crack. The champion beat you. The champion beat you. He shouldn't have to do it again. That was one of Aldo's closer fights. That was. Uh, it wasn't as. It wasn't as close as who's you know, been, who's Henderson been? and uh, and um, Edgar. But yes, it was but, one of the closer. Okay, fights. but who's been closer against Aldo? Not who's been closer in a Frankie Edgar fight because up until that point, every Frankie sure, Edgar fight was sure. close. But who's been closer to Aldo? No, you're M right. Mendes. Mendes, but that was after the fact. Yeah, that's a, that's about it. That's the list. Demetrius beating him twice is tough. I still think they're interesting fights, but right now I was thinking about this last night. What's wrong with just making money? You know, it sucks. You're not going to be the champion as long as Demetrius, you know, you won't get another crack maybe for the next, you know, year or two. Who knows what happens then? 
But what's wrong with just racking up wins and racking up paychecks? It's not the worst thing in the world. Do your eye favorite plan. Yeah, it's, it's really not the worst thing in the world. Like, sometimes I feel like we get so caught up on the belt. And let's be honest, you get the belt, you probably get a lot more money. But I don't feel like Joseph Benavidez, and he doesn't strike me as this type. I mean, he's even friends with Demetrius. So there's no hard feelings there. He's not going to sit. He's not going to pout. Just go in there, fight as often as you can, and make a living for yourself. You know, that's the goal at the end of the day. You want to have a family. You want to be successful. Just go out there and make a living. So if it means, you know, maybe fighting a Wilson Hayes next, right, uh, someone who's coming up, or anyone in there, in the, or a Horaguchi, I don't know, someone coming up, much like Dustin Ortiz. Dustin Ortiz ranked 13. Wilson Hayes is ranked 15. It means a Chico Camus, someone like that. It's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it sucks you won't get a title shot right now, but let's not feel too bad for a guy who's going in there winning almost 90% of the time and just, you know, getting paid. How much does it suck for those guys that have to beat the, you know, that have to beat Benavidez to get to a title shot? It's that's, a tough that's thing because be he's kind of like that gatekeeper, but in the non-traditional sense. And, you know, I feel for him in the sense that he's fighting guys who are way below him as far as the rankings are concerned, and probably talent-wise. But he's in this position where he can't fight a guy who's right at the top because if he loses, he can't take his spot in the title fight, and he has to fight these guys who are you know, trying to climb their way up. So it's almost a, 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 like a, a lesson for the younger guys. They get a taste of the, the big time, and then they have to work themselves back up, and he gets to go out there and continues to prove that he's number two. It's not the worst thing. Better than being number three or four. All right, let's quickly talk about Chad Mendez or Frankie Edgar yes. versus Ricardo Lamas. How do you like that? Okay, well, what I would do is, uh, oh, Chad Mendez or Frankie versus, I don't, well, I don't understand the question. There, it's, it's, a, it's very weirdly structured, but I think um, Who it's I either of those guys versus Ricardo Lamas. How do you feel about any of those well, fights? Well, I, th I think, again, I would do Chad versus Frankie, Ricardo versus Lentz, who's in there, Bermudez versus Swanson. Those, cool. are, those are the six guys he's talking about, and that's what I would do. And it's Nick, N-I-K, not C-K. Boom. Shout out to Chuck Mendenhall. Yes. Uh, question. Draws in MMA after some close split decisions this weekend. Would you like to see more drawn fights announced? Or do you think it's important to award a winner all the time? Would it clog up some divisions? I don't think some fighters press the action or do enough to be considered a winner in some matches. Does Metamores come up later? Next question. Okay. Well, let's combine them because I, I, I feel like it's the same thing. Metamorphs draws. How do you guys feel about the amount of draws happening on these shows? Is there a way to increase the chances of submissions? I feel the only way to do it is financially. For example, pay each fighter a base of $1,000. Then the winner by sub gets a $9,000 bonus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, it's the only way I can see fighters aggressively chasing subs. Okay, so here's the thing. I feel like this is a fundamental problem as far as Metamorphs is concerned. And you guys know I'm a big fan. I enjoy the product. I think they do a great job. And I love their matchmaking. But... For example, I couldn't watch Metamorphs live on Saturday. I was at a wedding, but I was following the coverage on MMA Fighting, and I would check in, you know, every hour or so. Draw, draw. I believe there was only one finish, right? There was only one finish. Draw, 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 draw. So when you're just looking at the results, I kind of feel like, all right, well, I didn't really miss much. Now, of course, a lot happens, 20-minute match. You go back, you read what happened. All right, now I get a sense for who was dominant, what happened here and there. But on paper, you read all these draws, well, this was inconclusive. I didn't really miss much. There was no winner. We're pretty much where we were yesterday before this actual event happened. So to me, I think this is a fundamental problem. You need a winner. We have been programmed to have a winner. Who won the game? Who won the fight? Who won the tennis match? 
Who won the basketball game? Who won the boxing match? We, we, that's, that's the first question you ask if you miss someone. Draw? Well, all right, I guess I didn't miss much. You can't have that linked to your organization. So we've, we've brainstormed about this on this show. I feel like if you can't get, that's fine. You want to do submission only? Great. But I almost feel like if there were points involved, you'd see more aggressive matches because... All right, you need to you, you need to go out there and, and maybe you're doing things a little different. Maybe your your game plan is a little different, but at least you're trying to go. You, there's some end goal in mind. Now, if it's just submission only, and some of these guys are you know UFC fighters, I'm not saying this is the case with Rory because he even said he would have let his arm break, whatever. But maybe these guys are just going out there. You know, it's kind of like a bucket list thing for them. All right, I'm going to go out there. We, you know, we made it to 20 minutes. That's a victory for me. Well, no one wants to see that. So if it goes to 20 minutes, I feel like the best thing is five minute overtime, and then maybe. It's points only. So now you're going 25 minutes. You're probably really tired, and you couldn't get the sub. All right, now you've got to change everything, and you've got to get the most points or, obviously, submission within the next five-minute overtime. I feel like that's the best way to remedy this. I'm open to suggestions as well. But going back to the thing before you weigh in, the other question, I'm okay with draws in MMA because you can win via decision. Now, if it just so happens that the fight wasn't exciting, you didn't do enough, then... More power to the judges. Call it a draw. No problem. You know, I, I, I don't feel like there always has to be a winner. I don't feel like it always has to be a 10-9. Typic- this is typically a question that's calling for more 10-10s. When you talk about draws, that's typically what people are kind of talking about. I'm fine about. with that because there's more than one way to win. Mm-hmm. You can win via knockout. You can win via TKO, ref stoppage. You can win via decision. There's more than one way. If you couldn't get it done with all of that, if you didn't do it decisively enough, then it's a draw. Too bad for you. But there's only one way to win in Metamoris. And sometimes it feels like they may not be going for that way. They're, they're kind of riding it out. Or, you know, styles make fights. It doesn't work out. Whatever the case may be, I want to see a winner. In that world, I want to see a winner. You can't have a card with five, six fights and only one of them have a finish, a decisive winner. It's just weird to me. What do you think? I spoke to Vinny Magalesh after the event, and he had a similar thought about... Um, the overtime with points and i don't know if that's necessarily the answer either i'm not sure i'm not sure i like that either i think there has to be a way to determine a winner with metamorris 2 what they did was they had judges of the fight they judged it similar to pride scoring in the the, the match in its entirety and they just judged it um based on that very subjective though no points involved right certainly subjective and I don't know if that's the answer either. I don't think there is an answer. I think it's similar to the question about um, judging an MMA where there isn't an answer. We don't have a better answer at this point, but I don't think that the answer is adding points. I don't like that. And I don't by like the way, that idea. having judges who are just looking at the end, you know, picking a winner if it goes the distance is really no different than MMA because there are no points in MMA. No one's saying one point for takedown. One well, point- it is different because judging on a whole. Okay, uh, yes. In that sense, but I'm saying take a round, like compare a five-minute round to a 20-minute match. It's the same judging criteria, right? Mm. What, what you're, supposed, you're supposed to implement certain things. You're supposed to implement aggression, control, you know, jujitsu. Yeah, but wouldn't you apply that if you're judging a, a submission-only jujitsu match? It's the yes, same thing. Because you're not supposed to get points for certain things, oh, right, you're, in your you're mind. You're comparing one MMA round to an entire... Yes. Uh, I see, I see. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It is. There's criteria so, that so, you're... So I, I'm okay with that, too. I just like the idea of the, ur- the urgency of, okay, we're, we're the promotion. There's going to be no judges involved. There has to be a winner. We want a submission only in 20 uh, minutes. And maybe you do up the ante with money. That always seems to work. 
If not, we're going to a five-minute overtime where now things change and there are points involved. Kind of cool, I think. I don't like points, but I don't have a better answer, so I can't really answer that for you. Also, I would point out that just seeing the word draw isn't indicative of how something happened. Oftentimes in MMA, draws have been some of our more interesting fights. Sure. Um, Hunt, Bigfoot comes to mind. Frankie uh, Gray. Yeah, yeah. Incredible fight. Um, I don't think that if you're simply looking for results and you don't really care to dig much deeper, then I guess a draw is going to be off-putting. But for me, if I see a draw, I want to see how that, uh, how that came about. What, how did we arrive at that point where it was a dead even heat? Now, objectively, all of the matches at Metamoris were not a dead even heat. There were some people who you may have thought had the better, um, had the better performance. For example, JT Torres looked better than Rory McDonald did, but they got a draw. And I understand that, you know, that frustrates some people. They want um, finality. They want closure, and they want to know who won. But I don't necessarily think that looking at a draw and saying, well, now it's meaningless is, is accurate either. Mm-hmm. I, don't think, I don't think that that's a fair assessment of anything. But I understand why people would, would want to know who won because everything can't be perfectly even. And that's just the truth. But... As far as the competition at Metamorris went, I thought it, it was they were great matches, even though they did end in draws. And Gary Tannen got the submission, which was incredible. He's, he's a very um, aggressive, exciting fighter. And I think that maybe that's part of it, is you know, booking super exciting fighters who are going after it, and you know, that could be a way to alleviate it in the future. I don't know. Um, I don't know how you correct draws in this circumstance, but I don't think it's going to points. I don't think that that's the right answer. I hate missing big events and you know it kind of but even though i was at a wedding it's beautiful I was like ah oh, man i'm missing frankie fight i'm missing metamorphs and then when i looked at it i was like oh shit i missed the frankie finish you know that that bugged me and then when i saw all the draws i was like oh, okay I'll, I'll i'll go back you know i'll check it out i'll read about it but it, i didn't feel as bad about missing it sure that's fair enough um okay let's move on to our next one rory mcdonald got caught and said he was going to let jt torres break his arm if necessary. Uh, I expect the UFC to hear and ban fighters from competing in Metamoris, <laughs> agree or disagree. I don't know if they'll actually go that far, but I don't think that was a smart thing to say. If, if A, he wants to ever compete in Metamoris again, or B, he cares about any other UFC fighter, especially a big name who's about to fight for the belt, uh, compete in Metamoris, the UFC doesn't want to hear that. I'm actually surprised. The UFC seems to be very lenient when it comes to Metamoris. Uh, they don't, you know, like, you know... They don't want guys going around, forget about fighting another promotion, but doing pro wrestling and things like that. Certain cases, it has happened. They seem to be okay with, you know, if a number one contender like Roy McDonald can go out there and do it, then I'm pretty sure everyone could go out there and do it. Now, maybe Ronda Rousey, other people like that, will uh, they'll get some resistance, but they seem to be very lenient. However, if there's even an inkling, if there's even a thought in the back of their mind that the guy is going to break his arm or something like that, I think they're going to say, well, this really doesn't help us out very much, and it's probably more trouble than, uh, than anything. So, yeah, I, I don't know if they'll actually go out and ban, but if, if I'm a fighter who is going to compete in Metamorphs going into it or after the fact, I'm probably going to stay away from that because if I love doing it, it's not the best thing. The UFC doesn't want to hear that. I was very surprised when he said that. Hey, give him props, being honest, love that, and he, it seems like he really took it seriously, but if I'm the UFC... I'm like, wait a second. We're, we're pretty much loaning this guy. He's our guy. He's our investment. He's our number one contender. I don't want him to break his arm. What the hell? 
Uh, I think I know how you feel about this. Do you think the UFC rankings are really needed? It seems like they're doing a lot of big mistake correcting, ranking fighters over other fighters who have lost to the fighter recently below them. Uh, are fans really paying attention to the ranking numbers when the name graphic appears on the broadcast? I think they're 100% needed. I think they're great. I think it's one of the great um, things that they've introduced since coming together with Fox. We're approaching the, we're about to start the fourth year of this relationship, which is mind-blowing to me. Um, and it was more of a Fox idea because the UFC has been opposed to it for a long time for many reasons. Frankie and Cub, a fighter back in the day, couldn't say, wait a second, I just beat the number, one, number two guy. And I should be the number two guy or one guy now or something like that. Uh, managers can't say, wait a second, why is number 15 making more than my guy who's number 20 or number five making more than number 10? All it was was headaches for them. And guys, you know, managers and, and fighters would use the Sherdog rankings or someone else's rankings. Well, now there are official UFC rankings. Now, the UFC says, much like they do with the commissions, they'll say, whoa, whoa, this is the media. I don't know if I buy that. Yes, it's the media, but they do have a say in certain things. They take Nate Diaz out, which I don't think was right. They keep Dominic Cruz in there for, you know, a very long time when he was inactive. They keep Katzengano there for a long time inactive. I mean, it's not, they take TJ Grant out doesn't make a lot of sense on that front. There seems to be an agenda. However, these are very important. I think that there needs to be 10, 15 media members involved, the ones who really cover the sport, if they're interested in doing it, and that's it. You don't have to open it up to 100 people. You don't have to use it as a way to get people you know, on board with the UFC. It's not, it's not fair to the fighters, to the sport, to everyone involved, to get people who don't really follow the sport. It just isn't. If you really are serious about this and you want the best rankings possible, then I think that you should, A, find the people who truly follow, cover this sport, get them on board, get them to do it, allow them to do it on their own independently. Don't take guys off if you're having some kind of dispute with them or whatever. Let the media decide the rules and you go out and, and, and use them. And you know what? I was thinking about this. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you just opened it up to the entire sport. Now, I know on a broadcast, they're not going to say, you know, Will Brooks is number four. But could you imagine for a second if this was open to the entire sport? Let's be honest. 99% of the guys are UFC ranked, right? In, in the rankings are from the UFC. So wouldn't it be cool if this was the MMA rankings? And I know I'm probably, you know, very naive here and living in a fantasy world. But if this was the MMA rankings and 99% of the guys were from the UFC, it would show, A, the UFC's dominance. And, B, I think it would get a lot more respect. You'd be like, wow, these are the top 10 guys or 15 guys in the entire sport. I feel like it would mean a lot more. End of the day, what's the big difference? UFC, MMA, it's, you know, it's, it's mostly UFC guys. But if they would just leave it alone and let some sort of media contingency take over, I think they would hold a lot more weight. But if you're asking me if the idea of rankings are important, hugely important for TV and for just selling the sport. Two versus three, that's all I need to know. Fans are accustomed to hearing that sort of thing in every sport. I think it's very important. Yeah, I have a very similar thought, but I wasn't expecting you to talk about independent rankings. I don't know why I wasn't expecting you, but um, that's what I was going to say, was these need to be handled by somebody other than the UFC, not because, you know, the UFC has done anything that bad to the rankings. I know there's people who have gripes about everything. Um, I don't really care that much. I think it's, you know, there have been things that you can question, but nothing that's really altering the sport of MMA. But if they were done independently then there's almost no gripe you can have. The UFC is not influencing it. And um, that way, the people who are ranked there and, the, you know, as you said about removing th this fighter or removing that fighter, that will be done based on the rankings. So if they're not worthy of that spot, the people who vote will not put them in that spot. And then that's how they'll be removed. Um, 
So I think that moving it independently is a key. In, unless some, you know, that, but that's not the UFC's choice. Somebody hasn't done that yet. There are not regulated independent rankings that are credible and can be used uh, in, in lieu of the UFC's rankings at this point. That's another thing that's in the uh, Muhammad Ali Boxing Reform Act that was put in there by the government that's not you know, something that MMA has to follow. I think rankings on the surface are kind of silly, especially pound-for-pound pound rankings. I mean, what does this mean? Who cares who I think is six versus five versus four? However, I think they are important to our sport uh, for many different reasons. And I feel like, like if the UFC said to us, we're going to put together 10 to 15 guys and it's going to be independent and just run with it and we're just going to follow your lead and it's open to the entire sport, I'll tell you what, I would do it. I think it's an important thing and it kind of bugs me that I ha have to actually listen to these rankings and follow these rankings and see them on my TV and it's done by the media and I can't be a part of it. I want to be a part of it, but I can't be a part of it, you know, w w with, with these circumstances involved. I, I just, sure. it's, it's, it's not feasible. However, if they did it the other way, the independent way, and it was open to the entire sport, I think that would be, that would be really good for the growth of the sport. Our next question, Luke Rockhold, what do you think of Luke's comments that John Jones couldn't beat Kane as of today, uninjured, obviously? Who would win and why? Well, I, I don't expect him to say anything else. I mean, he is Kane's teammate, so I mean, he's going to back his boy. No problem with that. That's the way it should be. If he said, I think Jones <laughs> uh, uh, wipes the floor with Kane, I think that would be a real news story. That would be eye-opening stuff. Um, who wins and why? I mean, I don't know. It's a real tough one. Not for me. Really? Kane. Kane? Really? Would Why so easy? First of all, I think Kane, you know, if he, every fight Kane fights, he looks incredible. He's never, ever looked vulnerable other than, obviously, the one fight that, in my opinion, he shouldn't have taken. And I think we all know the story on him heading into the Junior Dos Santos fight. But the pace that he sets as such a big guy and his smothering control, I, it's, I don't think we've seen anything like that before. I think he's a, a freak of a fighter, um, and I think I would rank him as the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter if he was consistent enough. If he was fighting enough, I would think he's the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter. Hmm. Uh, I don't doubt that. I mean, this is one of those things like the pound-for-pound -pound rankings debate where no, no one is right. I mean, there's no right answer. This is what you sit around and talk about with your friends. Right now, though... And if anybody said Jones, I wouldn't argue with them. I'm yeah. not going to say, oh, right. you're wrong. Gun, gun to my head, I'll lean towards Jones. A little more active these days. A little less injury prone, although he is coming off surgery himself on his knee. Um, I just think that, you know, and, and of course, you know, he's, he's, he has to pack on a few pounds. But his boxing, his, his range, his jab, the distance, it's, it's all very tough. And I, I, I tend to always side with that. So I'll go with Jones. Now, there have been some holes in his wrestling as of late, especially by Alexander Gustafsson, so you know, you'd have to imagine that Kane would have an easier time, but the Gustafsson fight, to me right now, feels more like an anomaly. Like I, I want to see them fight again before I can truly judge what happened in that fight. I mean, he took him down once. Yeah, but early in the fight. Was it only once? He took him down once, I think. Really? I feel like it was more. No, I don't think so. Look it up. I think there was a thing where Jones was having trouble getting Gustafsson down, but I Which think... Which is interesting in itself, but... I think Not Gustafson only took him down once. Really? I could be wrong. People, let me know, but I think that's right. Um, but I think that, the, that Gustafson is not a, 
comparing Gustafson to Kane is like comparing, you know, Randy Couture to Chuck Liddell. It's not really in the same realm of a no, fighter. My, 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 my reason for bringing that up was because before he had never been taken down. So, sure. oh, 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 Gustafson got one. Michael Carroll. Yeah, let's not act, you know, John Jones, John Jones didn't get exposed, quote unquote. Sure. Um, and Gustafson's, you know, a great counter wrestler and wrestler. After the Phil Davis fight, he really changed his game completely. Michael, who do you pick? Weigh in. Uh, okay, let's let's talk about this. Our statistician, yes. Uh, our statistician, do yes. we have him? Yeah, he's unofficial. Uh, asking this question for three weeks now, what should testing look like for past offenders? How long should a past offender get special attention? Will Vitor continue to be scrutinized after the Weidman fight? Uh, Cyborg will probably get treated like Vitor if she ever makes it to the UFC. She tested positive in December 2011, but Dennis Seaver tested positive in December 2013, and there's no talk of testing him. Where's the consistency in the scrutiny of past offenders? Jeez Louise, that's a lot. I think the question is, Vitor seems to be extra scrutinized, whereas other people do not. Sure. Uh, Vitor had two failures, though, um, and there, I think there was you know, kind of a dramatic change in his physique, um, and, and the he, timing of it, TRT went away after that. Yes, and he was fighting overseas. There were a lot of things, some red flags. I have said on this show, I kind of feel like Dennis Seaver doesn't deserve that lottery ticket because of his um, previous offense, which wasn't all that long ago. So I've kind of weighed in on that. Let me just run through them. Uh, well, first, I would like to see something like a three strikes and you're out. So it's one year, you fail, two years, second time, three years, you're done. I feel like that should be it. Um, kind of like what baseball has these days. Um, and, and it's not even as damaging because fighters don't compete as much as baseball players. But, look, you can't make a living for a year. That sucks. Two years, that really sucks. And then you're banned, you're banned. Um, will Vitor continue to be scrutinized? I think we have to see what happens. Um, I think this will, be, this will be his first fight in the United States. Will it be since UFC 133 in Philadelphia off the top of my head, Akiyama? You know, so it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. If he, if he goes through all of this, all this testing from Nevada and California and beats Weidman or even doesn't but still gets through all of it, I think it will die down. I think 100% it will die down. Um, Cyborg getting to the UFC, guess what? If she gets in there, I feel like a lot of the talk will be about her and Ronda, and Ronda's very passionate about it. I don't think she'll be as scrutinized as Vitor. I think two, two is a big deal. He, it happened twice. And um, is there a consistency in the scrutiny? Uh, you know, UFC likes to say sometimes, like, oh, you guys pick on Vitor. I don't think we pick on Vitor. I think there were a lot of things going against him. Twice, fighting overseas all the time, TRT, the way he would talk about it, the change of physique. There was a lot going on. I think a lot of people bring up, you know, the, the, the offenders and the failed drug test. But, you know, if it's once, and, you know, it's like someone like King Mo. And, you know, it happens once. It hasn't happened again. There was no talk of it beforehand. It's brought up, you know, one, two, t- you know, one or two fights, but then it kind of dies down because how long can you bring it up? The Vitor narrative was happening for so long because he kept fighting overseas where he wasn't being tested or at least didn't seem like he was being tested. Uh, those results weren't being made public and, you know, he's using TRT and you know how we felt about TRT. So I think he had a lot going against him, to be honest. Michael Carroll says, and, and, to use TRT of all things, when you are a, uh, you know, offender of steroids, to me, you shouldn't even be allowed to be on TRT. You know what I mean? The reason well, now nobody's allowed. So. Well, yes, but back then, that's why it, it bothered us so much. I'm speaking for the media. Because one of the reasons why you probably have low testosterone is because you use steroids. 
So I feel like anyone, even then, they could have gone around the whole TRT thing and said, look, if you've ever failed a steroid test, no TRT for you. And a lot of guys probably wouldn't have done it. So that, to me, was a big red flag. I have to say, there's a, this is a very backwards way of looking at testing. Just because I feel like we're so worried about hurting people's feelings. Vitor is getting tested more than this person, blah, blah, blah. Why isn't everybody getting tested all the time? How about that? Let's, let's stop worrying about... Well, that's happening next year. Well, hopefully. Random but, testing. But no, they said it on this show. Mark Ratner. Remember? We'll see. What do you mean? You don't believe Mark? I believe him. How random is it going to be? Well, if, until it's implemented, we're we're yet to see how random it will be. Yeah, I, well, I'm, next year, I'm holding out hope that they figured it out and if, that they're going to work with it, an independent body. If it's body. everybody getting tested randomly, perfect, perfect. I have yeah, no complaints. I think it but will. But what I'm saying is, everybody who's worried about this guy got tested three times, why this guy get only tested one time? How about they all get tested all the time, and we stop worrying about hurting people's feelings? Vitor cheated. It, it's, or in, it's not it, about feelings. It's about cost. It costs a lot of money to do this. That's the problem. That's so, why people don't, commissions don't random test because it's a lot cheaper to just do it after the fight. They're there. You don't have to fly out, go to some random lab, all this stuff. They're there. You control it. Random testing is so expensive because you actually have to go out and do the legwork. But, my, but why are we so worried about how many times Dennis Seaver is being tested and not so worried about how many times... I don't think it's worried about I don't want to say a random fighter because then the that would be accusatory. The Massachusetts Commission may not have the money to go to Germany to test them randomly. That's the problem. They don't have big budgets. That's why the UFC needs to get involved and get an independent lab to run this thing. But unfortunately for them, they have to foot the bill. But Massachusetts has no money. How many big events are happening in Massachusetts where they have the money to go to Germany and test this guy three times before the fight? costs a lot not just the actual trip but then the testing as well especially when it's blood involved yeah so that's the problem it's financials but i'm not i'm not arguing for testing dennis siever more i'm arguing for testing everybody more sure but the dennis people siever, who cheated in the past offenders should are, be tested more though why what's the difference because the people they, who are the people cheated. who haven't been caught have also are you know could be on anything too but yes of course they should be tested but i have no problem with targeting out specific people no problem yeah i don't either that's that's what i'm saying but you made that bed line it yeah anyway i think we're not on the same page here but we are i think we are um next thing next four pay-per-views they have ti five title fights between them uh I'm, i don't know if that's confirmed you can let me know uh do these guys do you guys think any belts will change hands which challenger is most likely to walk away the new champion okay well we have the lightweight and welterweight title on december 6th we have the light heavyweight title on January 3rd. We have, and then, did he say five? Yeah, yeah. and then we have Ronda and uh, Weidman on uh, February 28th. So, do I think any... So we have Ronda and Weidman, eh? Is that a little clue into the... Come on, what's wrong with you? Clue into what? Into who you favor no, in those fights? No, no, I'm just saying they're the champions. Okay. Uh, d d d d d will the belt change hands? Yeah, I'll say the belt will change hands. Which? Oh, and I have to say which? Gosh darn it. Um, I mean, you know, picking, saying in five title fights one of them will change hands is not really... Well, yeah, why going not? Going out on a limb. Yeah, it's, it's what is it, 20%? It's not really how it works. If everything um, was a coin flip, sure. then maybe... I'll go with DC, my partner Whoa. at UFC tonight. How about that? Welcome. 
Welcome to the club. What about you? Uh, I think I, I've. What it's you no say, secret. Did you, did I you think say more DC. than one. Do you say more than one? Um, run them through. Uh, I think I think Robbie can do it. Hendrix, Robbie, yeah, they all could do it. Great. I mean, they're all very. Well, uh, um, what I like um, about in these. terms of likelihood, I think Robbie could mm, make a pretty good case there. Um, Gilbert, I think. Hmm. I might pick Gilbert. Uh, I'm picking DC. Ronda, I think, is safe. And what's the other one? Weidman, yeah. Vitor. Weidman, safe. I think I'm picking Gilbert and I'm picking DC. And I am holding a little bit back, but I think Robbie can get it done too. Michael and Carroll picks Kane, by the way. I mean, he's a smart guy, yeah. Michael Carroll. All right, let's move on to Twitter. Yes. How about that, though? I'm picking two underdogs to win UFC titles. Who are they again? DC and Gilbert Melendez. Gilbert's an underdog? Yeah. A big one? Uh, let's look it up. I think odds would be out for that. Mm-mm. Gilbert. Not there. Look at that. Is it not there? I guess it's not. Oh, wait, wait, go up. Yeah, yeah, it's there. Oh, yeah. Gilbert plus 170. Very close. Is that where he was last time? No. Against Benson, he was like bigger higher than that yeah that was the one that really hurt me and apparently hurt uh russell peters as well yes uh, as soon as he said that I, it, it gave me you know flashbacks yes of course how could we forget uh, okay twitter if edgar this is, hold on there we go lost that bar if edgar pulled a king mo and accused dana of dick riding for conor mcgregor do you think that gets him enough hype for a title shot First out, first off, going out on a limb, uh, I, I don't think that dick riding is a part of Frankie Edgar's vernacular. <laughs> that's just a guess. Um, but that's what makes it. That's why I picked this because I was trying to picture Frankie sure, Edgar yeah, do this. Imagine, I think if he did this, he would get a title shot immediately. I don't know about that, to be honest. I think Dana is uh, has his sights set and the organization in general on certain things, and they don't really stray too far away when dealing with the pressure. Although. Remember, Frankie convinced them to get another crack at uh, Benson when a lot of people weren't clamoring for it, right? That second fight at UFC 150 after the loss at UFC 144 was kind of met with a lot of ho-hum. So I think that actually works against him here because they kind of did him the solid and he lost the rematch. And now they're like, whoa, now slow your roll. You went out there. You remember they tried to convince him to go down to 145 and he's like, no, no, I want that rematch. The game, the rematch, when most people weren't happy with it, including, I think it was, yeah, Nate Diaz at the time was in the mix. And then they even gave him a shot at 145. All that being said, I don't see a lot happening as far as them straying too far away from Connor. And in fact, they seem to like to uh, stir the pot with the fans, posting pictures, drinking, you know, coconut so juice and all that stuff. You're so telling me much. Yeah. if Frankie Edgar, yes. all of a sudden, yes. started a campaign, Dana White calling you out, you're on Connor McGregor's jock, this and that, the same stuff King Mo was saying. That they would, he, they wouldn't be able to build that, and and he wouldn't leapfrog him. Especially coming off off the win that he just had, I think that's a no brainer. I don't see it happening. Of course, of course, you don't see it happening. No, Frankie I don't see it. I don't see gonna, it happening in your scenario. Wow. They can sell out a stadium. I think the bad boy Frankie Edgar. They could sell out be, a, sa- a stadium. I don't know. I think that would be enough. No, they know what's up. And they know that he could sell his day and the other guy can't. By the way, guess who just tweeted me? Who? Zoila Frosto. 
Oh, <laughs> what do we got? Russell Peters on the MMA Hour. Nice. Just missed it. When will this be up? You can just rewind. Yeah, yeah. she can rewind. Uh, you can actually watch it right now. Just rewind here. Guess what? We even spoke about you. Well, that's interesting. All right. Uh, our last question from Twitter. With Bellator's Just two recent Twitter questions. Yeah, it was a lot of repetitive uh, questions today. Okay. Uh, speaking of repetitive, Trevor Cameron, uh, our friend here, asked quite a few questions, so I had to use at least one of them. Okay. <laughs> with Bellator's recent success, do you think oh. it's possible that Brock Lesnar would sign with them? And now, I heard you talked about this on the MMA beat. I did yes. not see it, but I heard you talked about this. What's up with that? I was traveling, you know, getting ready to do some metamorphosis and uh, and never chance apologize well, I love this question because I was actually thinking this morning that this might be and we'll talk about this at the end of the year in our year end show this might be the story to watch come 2015 there's a lot of stories to watch injuries the drug testing the schedule all that but where will Brock Lesnar go might be the story to watch and the most important story George St. Pierre coming back still I think Brock is the biggest talk, talk to me a little bit about it tell well, me Brock, the details of the situation Brock Lesnar is a free agent come around Wrestlemania time he's the champion in WWE and as I'm sure all of you know and he has a contract that is up around April or so Wrestlemania time that's when it's up and there are strong rumblings and there have been rumblings of, of this in the past but there are strong rumblings that he is interested and giving MMA a go once again. I've even talked to people uh, related to the story in many different ways, in and out, who say, yes, there are, there are signs coming out of Brock right now that mm. he is once again interested. Remember, even on this show, Paul Heyman said that he was healthy and all this stuff and kind of bugs him all that. Here's the thing about Brock. If you notice, when he was in UFC... They always talked about him going back to WWE. When he's in WWE, they talk about him going back to UFC. Remember he was flirting with the UFC mm -hmm. not that long ago? He's a very smart businessman. Don't be fooled by the Hunter stuff and living in seclusion in Saskatchewan. So all this is just creating an immense amount of leverage for him. I mean, look, now you're going to have Bellator, you're going to have the UFC, you're going to have WWE, who knows who else, vying for his services. His leverage is going to be off the charts, especially yep. in this day and age with the UFC needing Brock Lesnar. The UFC needs Brock Lesnar way more than Brock Lesnar needs them. He doesn't have to get back in the cage. He has a crap load of money. But the UFC, wow. I mean, that's the one guy that gets ESPN talking about him. That's the one guy that gets mainstream media. The wrestling fans come over. He will get over a million buys, no problem, which is a huge deal today if he came back his first fight and beyond. Let's see what happens in the first fight. So... That, to me, is the most fascinating story. Does he come back to MMA? And then, who does he go to? Does he go to the UFC? Where, obviously, the competition is a lot greater. And, obviously, he could be the champion. He wants to be the best. That's fine. Or does he go to Bellator? Where, you know, the fans there know who he is. There's a history there on Spike TV. And, let's be honest, the competition's a lot weaker. Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley? You think Bonner Ortiz did good? That would do way more than $2 million. Brock Lesnar versus Kimbo Slice? That would do way more than $2 million. I have a feeling, and this is just me talking, you know, envisioning no one has actually told me this, Viacom is going to try to break the bank and sign this guy. Now, does Brock actually go there? My feeling is, as much as people say he's money hungry and he's driven by money, I think it's UFC or bust for the guy. I think that he wants to be in the top organization. But that's not going to stop Bellator from trying. And I think that they know that that's the one guy. Bellator right now is trying to get 
ex-UFC fans, old MMA fans. They're trying to get them on board. That's why they want these, these names. There's no bigger name in that regard that's available than Brock Lesnar. I think they're going to try to break the bank. But if he comes back, my guess is he wants to be in the UFC. All that to be said, the story, though, is Brock appears to be interested. And does he actually do it? Does he pull the trigger? Who knows? Is it all part of some sort of you know, negotiation ploy? We'll find out fairly soon. But there appears to be some interest there. And you know the UFC is interested. You know Bellator has got to be interested. Now it's up to what he chooses to do. Fascinating story. I can't wait to see how it unfolds. As you were speaking, I thought of something, which was when King Mo and Rampage signed, I think Tito too, wasn't there some kind of TNA like part of that or like media partner? Sure. So what happens to that? As I understand it, TNA is done. TNA is done. That's a good question. Like what happened so to what that happened deal? So what happened to that deal? Like that's now they don't have that same... You know, they don't a, have the same package that's, that's that they a, that's originally a tremendous had. question. I just thought of that as you were talking because I was thinking, oh, wouldn't TNA and uh, Bellator as a package seem attractive to Brock Lesnar? And then I remembered Brock that there is no TNA. TNA. Well, but I'm saying, you're, right. you're saying they're going to throw the bank at him. They can throw the bank at him and say, hey, mm-hmm. guess what? You can still wrestle on uh, TV, but I guess not anymore. I always get the impression that Brock doesn't really like wrestling. I mean, he... He did the real thing as far as amateur wrestling is concerned, collegiate wrestling. He did the UFC. He doesn't he like did the it. NFL. I get the impression that he just likes to make the money. And he has an amazing schedule. Like, if I'm Brock, I would much prefer to do wrestling. Yeah, you got to train. You got to stay in shape. You got to work out, you know, the match or whatever. But let's be honest. You fight what? Or you compete, what, four times a year? How much training do you actually have to do as far as actual wrestling training well, then, and not weights and things like that? My next question was going to be... I think, in my opinion, I don't know a single damn thing about Brock Lesnar. I don't know a single damn thing about his motivation. But if, if I was put in that position, I think my attitude would be I'm open to doing any of these things. And I'm not re- – like, as you say, he keeps, you know, floating out, I was interested in WWE or I was, floated, uh, I was interested in UFC when he was in the, comp- the other organization um, to raise the, the leverage. And that's brilliant. It's a smart strategy. Um. I, if, I, if I was in that situation, I imagine I'd be one of the people who doesn't really know which one I want to do the most. I'd probably enjoy the wrestling, enjoy the schedule or whatever, um, and then enjoy competing actual competition in the, in the UFC. Um, I don't think there's necessarily has to be one thing where his heart is set on. Um, well, who knows? That's speculation. All I know is that he did not go out on top. I mean, he had a great run in sure. college. He had a great run in WWE. UFC started off amazingly and remember one fight into his career that's where he wanted to be he wanted to be with the best he could have went elsewhere but he didn't want to go through the the regionals or whatever he wanted to be in the ufc and it started off great fortunately he had some health problems if he feels like he's healthy now i feel like he's going to want to avenge those losses over him and then you know who knows if he can get to kane again if he's still the champion but still be with the best be with the wwe of mma the question is you know, does WWE come back and offer him a crap load because it's a way easier life? You got to train, you got to do some matches, show up on Raw. You don't actually have to put together a team. He has no team. His team disbanded. So you got to put together a team. You got to train straight for three months, be away from your family, or maybe bring bring the training to your family like he did. And you know, when yeah, he was I don't in think it would be too hard for Brock to put together. It's a not going to be hard, but it's way more uh, demanding on your body. And plus, the knock on him has always been. He hates to get punched. He reacts poorly when he's punched. Now, has he ever admitted that publicly? No, but you don't have to deal with that as much in WWE. Not saying that it's not you know, physical and there are going to be bumps and bruises, but it's a totally different mindset. There's a lot more 
unknown in MMA as far as WWE is concerned. You know, so it, to me, like, I, I, I thought this was the stupidest story. I was so sick of hearing about this. I thought this was just a way to keep, hmm. you know, things in the headlines. But now I'm starting to change. I, I, I start to feel like there is some legit smoke to this fire. And am I saying he's going to UFC or Bellator or MMA? No, but I don't think it's as stupid of a story or, or, or story not worth discussing anymore. I, I think that there's something there. Is it all negotiation? We'll find out. But there's there's definitely something there. I, I am not interested at all in the story in terms of the drama of it. I don't really care if he's in the UFC or care if he's in um, WWE. But what interests me the most about it is the the psychology and the motivation of Brock Lesnar uh, as you know a human, as he's an a person, guy. whether he's a wrestler or a UFC fighter. The f- like whether the money and um, the scheduled dates or whatever it, it may be, whether that is the only attraction to WWE for him, and he would much rather be actually fighting, you know, in, in terms of being a competitive person, um, or whether he actually enjoys, you know, wrestling and doesn't want to be in the UC, that part of it is what's interesting to me. I don't really care one way or the other. Brock Lesnar was not one of the guys who um, made me go, oh, I love watching Brock Lesnar fight. Everyone wanted to I watch Brock fight. I won't miss it. I yeah. won't miss it. But he's, as an MMA fan, I MMA that needs that was Brock Lesnar. You won't get an argument from me. I'm sure he's the best draw and all that, but he's not one of the guys who I said, I have to sit down and watch Brock Lesnar on Saturday night. I will, but he, I, I'd much prefer to see somebody who is a complete package and, you know, yada, yada. Um, but I think that the psychology of Brock Lesnar is endlessly interesting. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who moved to, you know, the woods in Saskatchewan, who I think, you know, has, has no one around him for miles. He's a, he's a very interesting guy. It's going to be a great story to follow. And the good news is, I mean, it's end of November, contracts up in April. I'm sure there'll be some negotiations afterwards, but who knows? Maybe we'll get an answer sooner rather than later. Huge coup for Bellator if they could get him. Huge for the UFC, perhaps even bigger for the UFC in the sense that I think that they really need Brock back in the mix. Does he do it? We'll find out. But it's no longer a waste of time, in my opinion. It's, it's a story very much worth following cool all right that does it for us a great show went a little overtime here so uh we hope you appreciate that very much and i uh, had a blast doing it really cool to have russell peters on the show and uh, some great interviews matt wyman was was really a lot of fun to talk to and ben rothwell apologized for a bit of the technical difficulties as far as his phone is concerned but really interesting stuff from him uh regarding the trt and uh, uh where he goes from here following alistair Overeem. wait Yes. Before we go, let me just say, I had the time of my life at Metamorphs. Oh, yes. Let me just recap quickly. Okay. Actually, I'll just say this. Great. There's no better live event than Metamorphs. Whether, you know, you like the draws or not, that's a separate conversation altogether. Uh, going there and experiencing it with the drum beats live in person, just the crowd, it's incredible. I, hi- I highly recommend it for anybody. Um, and also, I got to interview Sakuraba. Oh, yes. interview Henzo Gracie and interview Rory McDonald. Um, which was incredible. And you're wearing their shirt. You're wearing. Now I'm wearing the Sakuraba shirt. shirt. Shout out to Scott Hirano. Is he a cool guy? What's he like? Sakuraba. Yeah. He is one of the more interesting dudes I've ever seen in my life. Just a, a fascinating fellow, right? Like his mannerisms, his demeanor. He has an aura about him. Yeah. Much like Henzo Gracie. It's funny. A lot of guys, I feel like they don't have that aura. I feel like I would feel that way about Sakuraba too. Oh yeah. Completely. BJ um, has that aura too. Yeah. I've never. Have I met? Uh, I went to BJ's book signing. Right after, man, I don't think I've ever told this story, but right after BJ Penn 
lost to Frankie Edgar the first time. Oh, yeah, he was here for a book signing. He went and did a book signing, and I went to the one out in, I believe it was Huntington, um, Long Island, and uh, got a book signed by BJ Penn. Did you say anything to him? Did you cry on his shoulder? I didn't cry, but I did, I did say that when you get that rematch, you're going to beat him. And, and you were wrong. I was completely wrong. Twice. And look at you now, canoodling with the likes of Sakuraba and Henzo Gracie and Russell Peters. Yeah. You've really done it. I made it. Well done. Hi, Mom. And Dad. Alex, you can hit my music. So guess what? It's Thanksgiving week here in the United States, and uh, I think it was smart that most promotions are staying away from it. UFC had a show in Las Vegas last year. Remember the tough finale? That was the Saturday after. I can't believe it's been a year since then. Holy moly. That whole interview thing with Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey. Remember that? That was a year ago. Wow. Time is really flying. Anyhow, um, no real big MMA fights this weekend. None of the major promotions, but they are back next weekend. Invicta's back, RFA, UFC, and then December, January, super busy for the UFC. So enjoy the time off. No time off for us. There's no MMA beat this week, but the news never stops, so I'm sure there'll be a lot to discuss. Really fun show. I want to thank everyone who tuned in. I want to thank everyone who joined us as guests. Thank you very much to Matt Wyman. Congratulations to him on his big win and his return to the UFC Octagon. Thank you very much to Tyron Woodley. Good luck to him and all the residents of Ferguson. And good luck against Kelvin Gaslam as well. Congratulations to Will Brooks on becoming the Bellator lightweight champion. Thank you very much to Ben Rothwell for stopping by. Good luck to him in his next fight and as he heals up a little bit. Thank you very much to Gary Cook. Congrats on the new gig as well. And thank you very much to the one and only Russell Peters. Check him out, russellpeters.com. Touring all over the world. Amazing stuff. Career highlight for me. Thanks to all of you. Happy Thanksgiving if you're celebrating. iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. All I guys have is a little bit of peace. I'm out of here.